Evolving with Corey Castle, episode 87. Evolving with Corey Castle and friend. And friend. Episode of the podcast. Uh, hanging out here with uh, Jimmy Rave. What uh, up? Drinking coffee and playing djembe. And watching fucking Ric Flair watching drop thunder. elbows in his underwear. It's the only way he should be dropping elbows. <laughs> I've, I've never been a fan of boxer shorts. No, wearing them, I think that they're uh, they're they're quite too loose and weird. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of roaming around. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of a lot of puddles. You get a lot of puddles mm-hmm. when you have all that room. Eh, but by the same token, eh, no, uh, it's such a fucking toss up. Like, is that or boxer briefs? I can't. I, I'm do, a boxer I can't, brief. Yeah, I can't yeah. do the traditional like. Fucking, we're gonna cut off the circulation to your thighs. Bro, I've been wearing briefs. I've been wearing briefs. I got smartened up to briefs by accident when I was like twenty. My grandmother got me a pack. <laughs> my, my grandmother got me a pack of briefs for Christmas, and I ran out of clean underwear. And I was like, "All right, I'm just gonna open up the pack of briefs that my grandma got me." Oh man! And boom, briefs forever. You're gonna <laughs> dude. I'm telling you, give it a shot. You'll, you'll dig it. Like traditional classical briefs? Uh-huh. Yeah, like Whitey Tuddy's, uh, but all different colors. I think they're for communists. Oh, uh, no, no. Yeah, no, I don't think this is communist Russia. It's like wrestlers wrestle in, in the trunks. It's just like... I didn't... Trunk. Yeah, but I don't want to be like... I don't want to wear what I would wear to wrestle. In. Oh, I don't... I wouldn't... <laughs> I never wear trunks to the ring. Right. But I'm saying, like, it's... As underwear, they're fine. They're that, perfectly fine. You know what's ironic is, like, I actually wear... Camp- Compression shorts, just like boxer, like they're like the same kind, like boxer briefs. Yeah, under my tights. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So like, I I wonder if like that's the thing, like whatever your underwear preferences in regular life is what you would lean towards as your underwear preference. To yeah. Well, well like, under my gear, under my gear, under my tights, I wear I wear speedos. Right. But like, um, in my real life, I wear briefs. Okay. And that's how we start. And it's also underpants and movement and stuff. You know, like the it's like going to the gym. Mm-hmm. Like yep. you got like if you're like wearing like boxers that are shitty or something, and you're at the gym, like you can't move around properly, and you're trying to do legs, you're doing cardio, right. whatever. You know, boxers give me lots of wedgies. Like yeah, yeah, I get so many wedgies in boxers. Yeah, and it's, it's like I spend half the day with my fingers up my butt. <laughs> yeah. I do that without them. <laughs> 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 just stick your fingers up yeah. your butt yeah. for no reason breaking news <laughs> <laughs> breaking news you heard it here first <laughs> so how long have you been up uh, up north uh shoot I came up here around November yeah November are you uh it's a different way of life very different way of life um you know like I've been well so growing up I was a military kid so, I, you know, I've lived in Alaska, Hawaii, Washington State, right. and then I I settled in Georgia when I was about 13. So from like 13 until, you know, last year, like I, I was in Atlanta. So, um, and it's a much, you know, slower pace type life, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, you know, the people are like real friendly and, you know, whatever, but uh, yeah, here's a lot different. But, you know, like I was... I was already accustomed to this, you know what I mean? Like, I've been coming to Philly, you know, since 2001. It's weird, like, I've only, I lived in Philly for, like, four years. Uh Uh-huh. And the first year, even though, like, because it was always, like, the arena, 
mm-hmm. the armory. Uh-huh. Like, it was always, like, the same three or four spots. Murphy yeah. Rec, like, I didn't really experience, like, Philadelphia, Philadelphia yeah. until I lived here. And I was just like, what the yeah, fuck? Right, right. It's, it's so, it's like all the anger of New York. Uh-huh. With just, like, kind of, like, the weird politics of the South. Yeah. And, but it's endearing in a way. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's so, something weird about it where you're like, eh, I kind of like it, though. It's yeah. grimy as shit. It's grimy, but uh, people are, like, they're very proud people, you yeah. know what I mean? And it's yep. very uh, community-oriented, you know what I mean? Like, really, you know, like, what I've noticed is, like, what whatever part of Philly you're from, you're, like, you really represent that. You know yeah, yeah. You know, the people that are from, like, the north and or even the south side, you know what I'm saying? Like, they really represent Yeah. It, you know? And so, like, I, I think that's kind of cool, you know? Like, in Atlanta, Atlanta is, like, really weird because it's, like, all just one big suburb. You know what I mean? Like, there's, like, downtown Atlanta, but, like, that's mostly, like, office buildings and yeah. attractions and stuff. And, like, everything else is kind of on the outskirts of it. Kind of like Orlando almost? Or is it, like, set up a little different? <coughs> set up a little bit different. But, um, but, so, so Atlanta, like, uh, the big, the two big highways going into it is 75 and 85, mm-hmm. and then around it is 285. Okay. And it's just a big circle that goes around Oh, Atlanta, it's like, right? uh, fucking Baltimore. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, like, if, so, if you're inside the perimeter of 285, like, that's considered Atlanta, right? Mm-hmm. And then anything on the outside is, you know, kind of the burbs. Yeah. And so, like, you know, like, like all the hip-hop guys, they kind of live, you know, uh, you know, like, southwest Atlanta is where from, like, Outkast and those guys yeah. are. You know, and then on the other side, or and on the west side of Atlanta is, like, where T.I. and those kind of guys. Yeah. And, like, Gucci and them are, like, from south, you know, like, southeast uh, Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so, like, Decatur and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. But it's just, it's just a weird setup, right? Now, like, when you got down there, from when, like, you were 13, were you living on bases when you got down there? Nah, my uh, my stepfather had uh, retired when we were in Washington State, so uh, he was about 20 years older than my mother. It was, like, a really weird situation, but um, he, uh, he had retired, and so when we, he did, like, 27 years in the, in the Air Force, and so when we got down to... Atlanta, it was, uh, yeah, he was already out, and, you know, we already had a place and stuff. Is it very, is it very, <clears throat> like, Christian-y and stuff in, in your town uh, that you lived in, that you grew up in most of your life? Very, like, God yeah, and it's, Jesus and... Yeah, there's, there's definitely pockets of that. Like, it's more, you know, you'll see that a lot more, like, on the outskirts, of, you know, like, in the, the country towns of Georgia. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, it's definitely the Bible Belt. I mean, like, yeah. that runs the politics and, you know, a lot of the decision-making that goes on. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it's, it's strange. Like, you know, being an Army, Army brat, you said, uh-huh. or, or military, I don't yeah. know, did you say Army? Uh, well, my, my dad's Army and my stepdad was the Air Force. Okay, yep. so you're military. Both, yeah. Mm-hmm. Traveling around your entire life. Uh-huh. How, how was it to build, was it easier to get into, like, a community... With uh, practicing a faith or like saying, mm-hmm. declaring yourself something, like having that as a as an identity, right? To like sink into a community, like yeah. It, so the I think the greatest thing about 
experiencing that kind of lifestyle at a, at a young age mm-hmm. is that um, you really uh, dispel any kind of discrimination because you're always around multiple different kinds mm-hmm. of people. You know what I'm saying? Like, you grow up with um, different ethnic groups around you, you know what I mean? And, like, so you're, uh, you know, like... You know, it was like when I lived in Hawaii. It was you know a rainbow of folks yeah. in my in my uh, in my classes when I was growing up, and so you, I think it's really easy to become accepting of people. Right. Um, and so like, I, uh, but then you know like you have some so many diverse things. Um, just being in the military had its own communal type. Thing, okay, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. You know, like, if you were, you know, lived on base, you were, like, mm. everybody kind of hung out together, you know? Right, right. Absolutely. Dude, <clears throat> man, like, it's it's funny, like, now, like, seeing you and talking to you now, and I don't think I've seen you since we were both, like, kids. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, dude, like, I'm thinking... Like, I think last last time I saw you, before I saw you at, in Feasterville, uh-huh. was probably... Oh... I don't know, man. Um, Probably 2004, 2005. Yeah, yeah. It was a long, long time ago. Yeah. We were both young. I think it was like, yeah, last time I saw you was right runs. before you left Gabe's to go work for uh, for Jared. Oh, okay, that was 2007. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Well, I saw, I actually, I saw you, might have, what was it, March this year in South Philly at that, that like gymnasium yeah, 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 show. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think well before you know before that it had been yeah a long long time and I I mean I like big pockets like that like you can know somebody yeah yeah and then the big ass pockets can go by and you can't you know what I mean you can't fill in where they were or what they did yeah. except for like seeing them again and being like oh wow like right. let's be friends again you right, know right, like right. let's just figure it all back out but yeah. I mean like because it's a weird like. You got out into the real world, right, uh-huh. for a bit. Yep, yep. Like, it's a weird thing, like, when you're talking to other people and hearing other people your age's life experience and then going, like, nothing. How, yeah, how, old, dude, are, like, how old are you? Uh, I'm 35. Okay. And so, um, like, people, like, at my, like, my regular job, like, really thought I was Benjamin Button. Because, like, you know, when... Uh, you know, when I would be like, uh, you know, I spent like a year in Japan, I, you know yeah. what I'm saying, like uh, Mexico, Puerto Rico, you know what I'm saying, yeah. like, you know, Italy, UK, you, you know did what I'm the saying? whole, you did, this was before China, so yeah. like short of China, like you did the world. Yeah, 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 and, uh, you know, and so, uh, so yeah, like it's just a whole bunch of life experiences, like yeah. all it's, from. It's like, not average, it's not, it's not average, you're not, you're not some normal person. Right, and so like. But you know what, the weird thing about, um, especially uh, what I've noticed with like m- the friends that I've made in wrestling, uh, a lot of us will have those pockets of time that we don't see each other, but pick right back up, right, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, um, you know, somebody like Jack Evans, who I yeah. spent a lot of time with in Japan, like, I'm sure if I saw him today, like, we would just, you know, yeah, pick right back, back up, you know? Because I think people's, like, you know... A lot of their innate personality traits are the same. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. Um, I th- I think as we all grow up as individuals, like uh, 
you know, like, what we want in life is a little bit different. You yeah. know what I mean? But, like, our personality is pretty much the same. Yeah, I mean, I think you and I had such limited interactions back then. Right. I mean, probably probably because, like, I was still new mm-hmm. and still, like, trying to get my footing. And I was trying to, um, I was on a different part of the show. Yep, and, yep, like, yep. I was going out while you were coming in. It was just, like, passing passing strangers in a way but like mm-hmm. we'd have genuine connections like hey what's up man right, right. like um, I, I I actually I held on to this story and I said it to I said it to Lee like a couple weeks ago I was like I think I I think I lent Jimmy Rave my elbow pads <laughs> once <laughs> back in back in the day like and I still hold on to like really weird stuff and it was like oh he was so grateful like right. it's just about like being a, a regular ass dude like right uh, <clears throat> like I remember I, one time we were in Maryland for Ring of Honor, and I had just broken up with one of my girlfriends, with like my first girlfriend. I was fucking high out of my mind on everything. Uh, I remember sitting on the trunk of my car, freaking out as you're talking to me, like trying to calm me down. And like, no, dude, like, don't, no, don't put all your energy into a girl. Right, right. Put it into something that will always be here. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You're cool, that's here. a way better story than let me, letting lending <laughs> you my elbow pads once. Yeah. In 2003, I didn't mean to do that to you. No, 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 because it's more, it's more real. Like I, I, I dig it. I'm not saying you, that you did anything to me at all. Like, and that I, was like, great. that was like one of my, it's one of my more vivid memories of being with the company because I was a mess half the time, right? And then CTE. Um, yeah. But it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, dude. Like I always. It was always cool seeing you. Like, I always had a good time hanging out and shit. And even after I got fired and I was still driving Jack all the time and I was out the shows hanging out, like, I remember. So it was cool to see you were back up here. And then it was like, oh, man, we're all in our 30s now. Like, what the fuck? What happened? That Just like he was saying, that decade, but also, like, what now? Right, right. Like, how do you do the business now? Like, when we were younger... We all would be on TV with jobs and shit like that because they're signing anyone who had a decent look and could fucking walk and chew gum. Yep, yep, yep. Back with us, it was like, oh, you're not 6'2", 250? Yep, yep, 225. You're not going to get a job. Yep. You're fucked otherwise. Yeah. Or if you, you know, like... But, but now and then it's like, oh, even if you were... If you were that now, like if you were a leftover of that... You've developed too many bad habits, or some, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know yeah. some some excuse. Like I, I did a I did a thing in like 2013, and I was like, oh well, you know we're not gonna we're most likely not gonna sign anybody who's over 34. And I'm like, oh shit, I'm like, right, yeah, yeah. I'm like really close to that. Right. That you know, time. so uh, you know, I got I was offered a developmental deal in 2007, and uh, when I left Ring of Honor, yeah, um, and went to uh, TNA. Yeah, I I actually left. I actually left and was just like, screw wrestling. I didn't. I really didn't have a plan at that time. But I'd already uh, had been doing some stuff for WWE mm-hmm. at the time. And um, they had just opened Deep South in, in McDonough, Georgia. And uh, Bill Barron, who was my agent, got a job there, right? Yeah. And so, uh, but um, Tommy Dreamer was in the office at the time and like I... Uh, it was pretty public that I, I was the first guy to ask for the release from Ring of Honor. Yeah. Um, their, their, 
initial contracts were the process for me was really difficult. Um, I had just been out with a jaw injury. You know, I, I wrestled with a broken jaw for five weeks just to, to finish up an angle. And then while I was out, they started offering contracts to people and giving people significant pay raises. And then mm. mine wasn't. And then they were offering guys like significant royalties on their merchandise. And I had been there for seven years and never had a piece of merchandise. Yeah. And, you know, um, and I felt that I had proven my worth at the company. You know, I wasn't I wasn't uh, Mr. Match of the Year or five-star, four-star guy, you know. But I was consistent, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. The and stuff that I did with AJ. Your character Kong, work yeah, was yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. And Absolutely. that's the other thing was the guys who were having five-star matches with the company at the time weren't also doing the the whole thing with Nana. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like you weren't, you were getting heat. You were right, a heel. Right, 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 you were right, right, doing right. what you were supposed to. Right. And like, because I, dude, I, I remember up until you left. Like, yeah, I think yeah. you and Jax, I think both your last days were the same day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, uh, so, um, I had already been doing some stuff with Vince Russo on the side too. Like mm-hmm. he was doing a Christian wrestling thing at the time. And uh, it was really ironic. In 2005, I did an indie, and I wrestled AJ Styles. You know, like, I was wrestling him, like, everywhere at the time. And uh, I'm I'm flying to New Jersey, and Russo's sitting next to me. I never met him at the time. And so we started talking, and he liked my my demeanor and whatnot. And then um, my ex-wife at the time was a commercial real estate agent Mm -hmm. who was looking for a building. And so she helped him with that a little bit. And, like, that's how I kind of got into it. Was she your ex-wife at the time or she's your ex-wife now? And she was my ex-wife now. She was at the time. When did you get married? Like, how old were you when you got married the first time? I was 19 when I got married. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Was that that part of, like, the faith and everything? Was it, like... No, it was was just, just, uh... Just being young and dumb. No, I don't even think Young and Dumb. I think that's why I did it. It's because I got into wrestling when I was 14, right? Mm-hmm. I started training in 1998. had my first match in 99. And, like, I was just crazy at first. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. uh, my mom died when I was 17. Uh, she was an alcoholic. She was 34 when she passed away. And so oh. she died of a liver failure. And so, um, and then I got into a car accident and I just went, like, ballistic, you know what I mean, I just was doing whatever I could, you know what I mean, and like, um, and then I kind of had like this moment of, I don't want any more chaos in my life, I needed stability, yeah, like a, you know like what a, I mean? Like a ground, like an anchor. Yep, 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 and so like I had, uh, like I lived, I was like, uh, when I was 15, I, I took a charge from my cousin, so I spent, you know, like, um, a good amount of time in a youth detention center and, you know, committed to the state of Georgia as a, as a youth offender for something I didn't do. And, uh, and, uh, that kind of messed with my head a lot, you know what I'm saying? And so like, and then I spent, I spent like nine months just on the streets, you know what I'm saying? Like from, you know, 15 to 16. And then, uh, it was just, you know, and like, I, I ran away from home initially to get my mom to stop drinking. I thought like, yeah. you know, if I wasn't there and shit. You know, clean you out. Yeah, you say like, oh, there's got to be some consequence, and yeah, show yeah, you yeah. what it is. Yeah, and but then, and of course, that it didn't, didn't work. It didn't work, and uh, and so like, um, I needed that stability, and like, originally, my ex and I 
not a great relationship. She she was four years older than I was, mm-hmm. and so like I needed that maturity, and like just going through those things kind of make you grow up a little bit faster yeah. too. Um, and so, uh, so you know, so like I didn't like you know party a lot like you know on the road or whatever, and so like um, you know I was you know uh, the kind of guy that was always like faithful like and all this mm-hmm. stuff, and uh, but um, you know like we kind of grew apart, you know what I'm saying? And Mm -hmm. so, um, and like in 2007, when that injury happened, like thing, it was a perfect storm of things, you know what I'm saying? Like I did start having like this emotional relationship with somebody else, you know? And so, uh, that kind of played a role into, uh, you know, like me leaving Ring of Honor, uh, like just, you know, because like, Wrestling with a broken jaw, like I was taking painkillers like crazy, and yeah. you know, uh, you know, I and I just had a string of injuries too. Like I had messed up my back. I ended up having like two back procedures, right back to back, and like, because uh, I, I had worked so hard to get to where I was, I was not about to take any time off. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, well, going there real quick, uh-huh. and maybe I don't want to sidetrack you too bad, but no, like, go ahead. like having those procedures. Uh, what what was what what was insuring you like what was paying for that? So I've always been pretty smart. Like when uh, when I was seventeen, I got a job doing emissions testing in Georgia. Uh, so I I had worked it out to where I could I could work forty four hours, eleven hours a day, Monday to Thursday. So then Friday, Saturday, and Sunday were my wrestling days. My so my weeks were you know eight to seven. Monday through Thursday, <clears throat> I get up at five, go in, go to the gym. I had a personal trainer at the time. Uh, you know, work, work out, go to work, work till then, go home, tan, and then you know, spend a couple hours at home, right? Mm-hmm. Which this is, you know, part of like why it hurt my relationship. You know, then you know, I did that Monday through Thursday. Friday morning, it was usually catch a flight, fly wherever I need to go, wrestle, drive to the next town. Go to sleep, you know, wrestle, and Sunday was fly home. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Usually, I, you know, like especially when I was working for CZW or whatever, you know, the promoters were really good at getting me a, an early flight home. You know, so like Sunday was my only day, like really off. You know, and so uh, so like you didn't have time. You didn't have time to be in a relationship or like be, I didn't have time to mess around. You know, right, fuck yeah, up. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah, I just kept myself really busy, you know right. what I'm saying? But then, like, you know, then that kind of starts wearing on you, too, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And, like, I, like all I wanted... Well, like, could that have to do with, like, why you look so tired right now? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, like, I, after years of doing that shit, yeah. like, it, it like, wears on you. You look like you're sad, like... Uh, no, not like, sad, uh... Not, I mean, maybe, maybe it's just, like, you look a little, like, like... Like, you look like you're going to cry sometimes. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, that's just how I am. Uh, I'm just sad. Yeah. I just always look like I'm going to cry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, uh... <laughs> yeah, I, um... I think, like, just the... Uh, all that working, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like... It, you I didn't ran yourself anything. in the fucking ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, and t- I it's tough I to find joy yeah, in yeah. anything when you... When you never make time for it. Right, right, right. And so, like, I got, I had all these amazing experiences, but I didn't really experience them, too. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, it was just, like, plane, bus, hotel, Absolutely. work. Yeah. Plane, bus, hotel, work. And then, like, I would get home, and, like, my ex would just be like, 
you get to do all this stuff. You get to go all these great places. And I'm like, you don't understand. Yeah, but I don't see it. But then, then there's also, like, it just implies that you get to do this stuff. And yeah. then you're like, and you start feeling like, no, I have to do this right, stuff. Right, right, right. It's also it's how just, I pay bills. Right. right. And of course, when we got a divorce, she included my income from wrestling and my child support. You know what I'm saying? Oh. So, like... Now I have to wrestle, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, because it was what I made at my regular job and what I wrestled, you know what I mean? Um, and it's just like... Uh, and if you didn't wrestle anymore, the courts wouldn't accept, well, I'm not making this extra absolutely. 1500 a weekend, yep, so yep, I, it's a different ball game. They'd be like, no, yep. just fuck off. Yep, and so back to what you were saying, like, so like when I, so early in my career, from... 99 till 2007, I worked at the admissions place, right? Mm-hmm. And then in 2007, I opened a business, uh, and then I bought a business, um, uh, a staffing agency, mm-hmm. you know, like temp service. Yeah. Yeah. I bought one of those, and then um, I always had something else on the side. Yeah. So because I'm very realistic of mm-hmm. like wrestling could or could not pan out, mm-hmm. but also like if I get hurt or whatever, I need something to fall back on. Right. So I've always had that kind of mentality. Well, like that's a kind of that's kind of thing. Like if you talk to anybody who's ever made anything mm-hmm. in wrestling, they'll always be like, their their number one piece of advice is have something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have something else. I I never followed that advice, and uh, I don't know. There's there's other guys that didn't though, man. Like like I know eight. Like uh, when I first met AJ, he was delivering water. But uh, but yeah, man, he just kind of. Threw it all out there, you know what I'm yeah. saying? And like, Shaq was the same way. Evans, like, I if it wasn't for pro wrestling, I have literally no idea what Jack would have been. Yeah, doing. yeah, yeah. There's a lot of guys, you know, and uh, because none of us listened to advice when we were kids. Yeah, absolutely. Like, the ones who were like, no, like, don't. All my teachers, everybody said, like, uh, you know, have something else, have yeah, something yeah. else, and I never wanted to do anything else. Yeah, I I always had something else, and I always uh, tried to be really smart with my money. Like, I had, you know, like, I knew friends, uh, like, especially when we were in TNA, we were all, you know, mid-20s, uh, making really good money, because, you know, TNA was, you know, we were running house shows all the time, making yeah. decent money, and so, uh, they just didn't own anything, you know what I'm saying? I was like, mm-hmm. buy a house or something, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You still live at home, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Which is awesome, but, it's... you know, you don't, you know, renting or something like that, you don't accrue any money, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I, like, at one point I had two houses, you know what I'm saying? Like, and I was renting one out, and then... Well, this is also, like... What year was it? So probably, like, 08, 09? Yeah, yeah, 08, It was 09. right after the housing bubble. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it was a weird... It's one thing if you already are in the market. It's right. another thing to be getting in the market at that time. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, there was so much instability, and no one had really any idea what was going on. Right. You know? But I mean, like, these guys have been... TNA like way longer oh, and making more money than me like way longer. But that's because no one in the business knows how to fucking do anything with their money properly. Right, absolutely. There's a handful of guys that you see who could walk away, not have the income anymore, and be fine. And then there's the vast majority who are. It's like it's not hand to mouth, but it's pretty close. Right. Because you're not taught. You're not taught financial management. You're mm-hmm. you're not taught like a lot of like self care things that you need as an adult. The pro wrestling business does not provide you. Right. And it's kind of... And then you add in mental you know, mental illness and things yep. like that and uh, losing impulse control from head injuries over the years. And one of the first things that goes is you start spending money on crazy shit. Yep, yep. So there's always this, like, 
the heartbreaking thing when you see these old guys who made, you know, 40 grand a month in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. Like, this insane money and have nothing to show for it. Right. And, like, I hope more guys from our generation learned to learn from that and be like you and actually, like, put mm. money into shit. Uh-huh. But, like, I see a problem of the guys who only made it to, like, the right before TV level. Yeah. Just this is still what they're doing and being completely shot out and kind of delusional about it. Right. And it's something that, like, you did addiction uh, recovery specialist for Uh a while, right? Uh Yep. These are skills that aren't being brought into the business and actually need to be. Yeah, absolutely. Like, we need neurologists to give their time and psychologists and things like that. Like, is it that down south are you seeing the same kind of trends? Were you seeing the same kind of trends as you are up here where it's like, um, there's a lot of burnt out guys. We'll uh, at, yeah, absolutely. Well, so you got to remember in the South, though, a lot of us didn't bust out. You know, like there was like me and AJ yep. and David Young. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that was the three dudes that, like from my generation. Yeah, Sal, Sal and uh, Slim J made it to Ring of Honor, but they didn't make it. Yeah, well, but Slim, Slim J made, was, he made TNA a couple times. Didn't yeah, he? but he was only there for like a couple T, you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. I brought Sal along with me, you know towards the end yeah uh but yeah like you know like there was a very few guys that were willing to make drives and bust their butts you know what i'm saying and so uh but there's you know like you know a lot of those guys uh yeah i mean like they hold on to a dream you know and i and i you know try to tell them same thing you know what i mean like um i don't know where i got that from you know what i'm saying like i just I knew I didn't want to be on the streets again. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Well, like, yeah, I mean, like, I'm trying to go back a second and think, like, like you, you had a, you had an upbringing that was not typical, right, not right. average, like, <clears throat> like most, most like military, and like, I'll, I'll, I noticed this like when I was, when I was like of the age to go into the military, my oh. friends going into the military would like get married young, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? They try to set a foundation early. Mm-hmm. So you kind of, that's kind of like hardwired into you. Yeah, right. Bit, is to kind of like start a foundation and sort of like lay groundwork for what your your easy future, your easier future, I don't want to say easy mm-hmm. future, but easier future than hand to mouth, paycheck to paycheck lifestyle. Right, right, right. And, and, and it's something uh, like it kind of lended itself to you wanting to get out of the area and things because it's a lot of I mean if you look at a lot of the guys that we were in Ring of Honor with who were local to this area Uh a lot of us washed the fuck out because it was like we got there by circumstance more than effort Mm -hmm. a lot of times Mm -hmm. whereas you had to go eight states away to get up here to do shows and shit like that like it wasn't in your backyard right you know and like uh, a lot of guys, you know, like, I used to get this all the time where, like, it was because I was Bill Barron's boy that I got opportunities, which was not the case at all. In 2002, I was an NWA World Junior Heavyweight Champion, mm-hmm. which may have been because, you know, like, I, I was wrestling wildside regularly. Yeah. Uh, and Bill liked me. But, um, but I also sent out 50 VHS tapes, 50 resumes, 58 by 10s. I got one call back, and it was from Ian Rotten to do the Ted Petty in 2002. Well, me and AJ drove up to do that. Uh, 
Smart Mark video was recording it, and Mike mm. Burns was booking CZW at the time. Right. So because of that, I got booked at CZW. Yeah. And ironically, at the time, we were doing a, C, uh, a Wild Side Invasion. Right, yeah. And I was mm. one of the last guys to come in for that. And I just stuck around. John just liked me, right? Mm. And then uh, John took me to Italy uh, with CZW. And then, like, at that time, I was on... Uh, that the same time that this was all going on, I there was a guy in Ring of Honor named Jeremy Lopez. I I jumped in the car with him on my birthday in two thousand two. It was when Abby, the night of the butcher, yeah, and uh, I side with the fork. Yeah, I uh, I just jumped in the car with him, rode the fifteen hours up. You know, uh, they gave me uh, a four minute match with AJ when you guys had t- when Ring of Honor had TV. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so, and then, like, you know, a couple months later, I started full-time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, like, there were so many other guys not willing to do that. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, not, like, I, I I got a lot of heat from my my girl at the time because I'm leaving on my birthday to go and do this thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, like, you know, all those sacrifices ended up paying off. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's, you were, like... The guys who came up, you were all good enough because you all trained mm-hmm. with that. Like, because that was towards the end. You got in towards the end of WCW when they still had headquarters in yep. Atlanta, mm-hmm. and, the, and we were a developmental company for WCW. Yeah, yeah, so you had like that was a fortunate spot to be learning because you had mm. the guys who wouldn't. They're not just teaching you; they're also telling you to get off your ass, and yep. you're seeing them like, oh, okay, this is this is the sacrifices you have to make. You have mm-hmm. to leave. You have to go and like seek out the bookings and things like that. Yep. Um, and then it just went like what when that happened? Were you just like oh shit, or like did they just you were a kid so they didn't really promise you anything anyway? Uh, what for WCW? Yeah. Uh, I, man, like you know when I got into wrestling, I didn't have aspirations like that, man. I was I was just like man, this is dope, like something to do. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And then like uh. I, I can relate. 100%. You know what I mean? Like, I can totally relate. Yeah. It, it was just it was just awesome, you know? And then these opportunities. So, like, here was the thing. Like, the guys that I came up with uh, told me, don't go to work for Wildside because it's run by gay dudes, right? Don't go, you know, don't do this because, you know, like, it was that mentality yeah. of, like, Barron's was not not to be messed with, right? And, like, I... The closed-mindedness. Yeah, closed and mindedness. I, I broke out, and I was like, look, I, I, I want to be there, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, that was the hottest place in Georgia, and, mm. like, I, I'd already done what... I, like, I'd only been in for, like, a year and a half, yeah. but I'd already wrestled, like, all the, the garbage stuff in Georgia, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I wanted... Like, the one thing I wanted to do was con- continue to challenge myself. You wanted you know to be, saying? like... Good at this. But at yeah. the same time, like Wildside, did they have TV yet? Yeah, point? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like, you wanted to be, like, that's got to be the coolest place to be. Yeah, yeah, you know I mean? absolutely. Like, if, if somebody goes, oh, that, there's a wrestling company in Philadelphia. You're a wrestler and you're not wrestling for the place that's in Philadelphia. Yeah. You must not really be a wrestler. Absolutely. So, yeah. like, you're, you're telling, you know what I mean? Like, if anyone's asking you what you're doing and you say, like, on the weekend I wrestle. Right. You know, and then they go, oh, I didn't, but I never see you on TV. Right. You get on TV. Yeah, but Wildside was like, it was on 200 different markets, you know what I'm saying? Yes. It was in, you know, it was everywhere. Everywhere. You know? Yeah, I, I wrestled on their TV once. Yeah, and so, uh, you know, like, I still get, like, Facebook messages from, like, random 
places in the world like oh we used to watch your mom's on you know yeah, what I'm saying nice. and so uh so yeah like so I when I I went to Wildside like um it just happened to be WCW development, development. and yeah. so uh like Shannon Moore Shane Helms uh Evan Courageous um Jimmy Yang um Kaz Hayashi yeah uh Tank Abbott was always there these were the, like the, the regular dudes that were like coming in. David Flair was always there. Like he was kind of, uh, it was his job to be there. Yeah. Like they would, they wouldn't put these guys on on the house shows. They would come to Wildside. So they'd be training. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so like uh, Finley. Yeah. And Terry Taylor would be there often. Um, Bob Ryder and Jer- Jeremy Borash. Yeah. Um, and then. Uh, and then, like, some of us would get to be, like, R&B security that they used to do. Yep. And, like, I, I could see why WCW went out of business. Like, like to go and do one of these security spots on, one, like, a, on a, like, they would always book you for Nitro and Thunder. Yeah. $500 a night. Damn. And then if you, if you happen to get, like, a dark match, yeah. it's another $1,000. Holy shit. This so you can make... Throw like money Air, away. Yeah, Air Paris, that was his first job. He was just being R&B security. <laughs> and, like, they, like, I remember one time him and, him and AJ got booked just to do security mm. in Colorado. So they flew him out there, too. Holy shit. Wow. That's amazing. Like, I, I think, <laughs> That's the greatest I think about thing that, ever. I think about that a lot when I, like, if I, if I do extra work on a movie. Yeah. I'm like, dude, I'm making all this money to just sit in here and holding it. Yeah, nothing. yeah, yeah. And all these other people that are all doing extra work too are sitting in holding for eleven hours, getting paid to do nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, well, where's that in the budget? But at the same time, I mean, the movie business is never going anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. It's always going to be, uh, it's always going to be a billion dollar industry. Yep, yep, yep. But like, a wrestling company, it's finite. Yep, yep, yep. Well, they paid, I know they paid Daniels like half a million a year to sit around and do nothing. Dude, I, uh, I remember uh, Joey Matthews and Christian York. They they were arrested for Wildside right before they got signed. Yeah. And they sat at home for six months, never debuted, and they made like $300,000. Wow. Shit. But then you know, like you hear stories about like Lanny Poffo, who was there for like 10 years and was making $300,000 a year. For 10 years. And, and never did one house team. show. Yeah. And he forgot his gear. <laughs> like, like, those were like real stories. Well, yeah, like they paid... Uh, Dustin got uh, Dustin Rose got like seven hundred fifty thousand to do yeah. one match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they it was insane, and by the same token, I I wish I was older. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. Just yeah. like you, you, oh, what you, I would so take a hundred grand a year to sit around and do nothing. Yeah, but it's like you, you're you're always going to be not old enough or not young enough. Right. Like you're always going to be right in the middle of not. Not the right age. It's the tech thing. It's the fact that technology took this huge fucking leap yeah, yeah. from like 97 to now. I mean, we... Dude, I... So my parents first got a cell phone in like 96, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the fact that now we have these mini computers with us at all times. Right. magic, too. Yeah, that we don't have to... You don't have to wait to go home to watch fucking Nitro or right. Raw, like... You don't have to go to the movie theater to watch a movie. You don't have to buy a CD in the store. Dude, right. we used to have to hunt people down to get our fucking footage. If you did a fucking, some shit indie show and you wanted to see your match, like, good fucking yep. luck. Yep, yep. Now it's like, the, 
eight minutes later, they're like, hold on, let me go on YouTube and watch the match I just had. Right. Dude, I went I went somewhere with, like, uh, Sammy Callahan, mm-hmm. like, years ago, and he recorded one of my matches, and never, I've never seen it. I wanted to see, like, I talk about the match all the time, like, and... I mean, this was, this was year so still so many years ago, yeah. and I still go, man. Well, I wish I could have watched right. that match. Mm-hmm. I think about it all the time. I'm like, like, uh, but at the same time, uh, I always I always go into the into my head like, man, I wish I was as good now, yeah, back yeah, then yeah. when it counted, right. back then when it, like in like 2002, yeah, like yeah. if I was if I was good like I am now in like 2002. Right. It would have been a huge change, but it took me having to get out there yeah, and yeah. work shitty shows yep, yeah, yeah. and like have to learn how to adapt to situations that made me that made me uh, you know get to the level that I got to. Right. It's sad too, man. Like uh, just thinking about like you know 2002, like the crowds that like CZW was drawing in the arena, dude, and like right. dude, like eighteen, nineteen hundred fucking people. It's crazy. And that was the other thing, like, these companies were staying afloat yeah. with their with their VHS sales and their fucking yeah. DVD sales yeah, and yeah. live gates, and it's like, it's not there like that right no. now. It's why we run Capital. The, the reason that Marcus and Matt decided to start doing weekly TV with Capital is because there's only eight companies doing television now. Whereas right. back in 2002, 2003, everyone wanted TV. Right. Because you can make money in the local markets, selling advertising and shit. Mm-hmm. Now... It's not really there. Now everything's moved to the web, and it's like, well, you either have to have the slickest produced show you possibly can, or you have to throw more money than you can imagine at talent where you're not really going to get the return. Right. Well, like, well, like the 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 quick the quick thing that most promoters want to do is they don't want to pay anybody because they can get somebody to do it for nothing. So, like, they'll lowball you twenty, thirty bucks when it's like, oh, but I wanted way more than that. But like I wanted, I wanted to continue to be in this business. I wanted to continue to wrestle. I wanted to continue to do the work. But you know, the the work is only gonna give me this amount of money, or else some some schmo is gonna do it for twenty and come from upstate New York. Right. So I mean, it's it's that drive of getting in the car and going places, yeah. but doing it for nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doing it for nothing is hurting everyone else. Yeah, absolutely. It's, like, a lot of these smaller companies, man, like, to be honest, I think there needs to be a big cleanup on them. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be this fucking easy to run a show. You know, like, they did that thing in New York, was it a year or two ago, where they were like, oh, it's going to be harder to run. Mm-hmm. It's going to be harder to run because of all this licensing and all this stuff. Everywhere should do that. Well, yeah. like, there, you they, shouldn't be allowed to be untrained. Like, right. there should be, like, at all. Oh, I just, no got, I just got this little. I just got this little pin at my job mm. for my training. I'm like, oh, they should do this. They should right. all get these little pins. Uh-huh. And you can't be some dickhead who's never done anything training people. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And that's a huge problem too. Is like some guy who they worked with Snooka in '85 right. somewhere, maybe, or even worse, they did indies with him in like '98. Right. And now has a school. Because they just never left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's a big, in my eyes at least, a big problem where it's like, there's no credentials. It's not martial arts where you get black belts and this mm-hmm. shit. Mm-hmm. Um, well, like, who, what were we, we just had to talk about um, 
like act like keeping somebody around just to be the stooge or whatever. Yeah. So like this person who now parades himself like he's somebody was probably just the stooge. Most of them were. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing. And now they have credibility because of being the stooge. Oh, right. You just couldn't find any other identity in life other than this. So like you're just gonna continue at high school gyms forever. And you're going to run shows and you're going to do the same bullshit that you got done to you. Mm-hmm. And you have nothing to offer, really. You're going to train guys when you're not properly trained yourself or you're barely trained. You've right. only worked one company. Look, if you work once a month for fucking 12 years, you haven't been in the business for fucking 12 yeah, years. Right, right, right. Because there's some kid who fucking got signed a year and a half ago with a year's experience in the business who just worked 400 shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, he, they've already worked more than you. Right, right. Like, that's... And it's something that it's... I don't know if it's anything else like that does it. Like, any other industry, there's a weird... Like, I always say, like, I hate talking about, like, when I was in the ring because it was so long ago. Mm-hmm. Like, I, f- I feel like Al Bundy. I feel like talking, you know, like... Yeah, yeah. four Four touchdowns in one game right. with Paul Kai. Like, and there's, like, a... It's a prevalent thing, and I think it's partially because of the guys I came up with who, like, a lot of them are still just... Kicking around New York, never done anything, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. they got shows now. They got companies now. Right. And guys are selling for them, like, in life, when it's like, oh, no, these are, these, these are guys who didn't, don't, they're not, they didn't do anything with their lives, they're just running a fucking wrestling right, show. Right, right, they, They're not businessmen. Right. And that's something that a lot of the, like, it's not there, and in a lot of the senses and now especially where there's so many ways to make money there should be more businessmen involved right I, th- I think the you know like what I I try to tell people especially like when I run a seminar is like I always want to be around or learn from the people that have done the things that I want to do you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. like that's who I want to focus on like if I can't look at my trainer and be like fuck man I want to go and do what he did then like why would I why yeah. would I be listening to you know what I'm saying? Yes. And like, uh, and I know that would like put a whole bunch of people like not in the positions that they are now, but you know what I mean? Like, um, I don't know. Like, that's just how I've always looked at it. You know what I'm saying? Like the guy that I remember, like when I was at, um, TNA and we had some agents there. Right. And, um, there was one particular agent that I did not respect and, and get along with. Um, and he might be on the show that we're watching right now. <laughs> but he um, he and I did not see eye to eye. But um, Christopher Daniels, I respect a lot. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And he, he wrestled the way I like to wrestle. And he does the, th- you know, he did the things that I wanted to do in wrestling. Yeah. Right? And so, like, I remember one time where he kind of challenged this agent that, um, and got in trouble for it, you know what I'm saying? But, like, he was right, you know what I'm saying? But, like, I would listen to him more than I would that agent anyway. Yeah. And, uh, but it was because of that philosophy. Like, Daniels is the guy that, like, I respected the most, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Well, like, it's, it's, it's tough, like, people's egos are so, so damaged that, like, they're even if they're wrong, you're gonna get in trouble just for calling them wrong. Yeah, this this particular agent wrote a bad agent's report for me because 
Not because my match was bad, but because I disagree. I told him that I thought Brian Danielson uh, was more entertaining than him. And uh, he was like, well, he's a better wrestler, but he can't, he's not more entertaining than like the Honky Tonk Man. I was like, you haven't seen him in that element before. You know what I'm saying? Like, But you got in trouble for this? Yeah, oh yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. Just, It's like, that's it's insane. So, yeah, yeah. Irrelevant to the job that you're hired to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so irrelevant to the job that he was hired to do. Yeah. It's just crazy. I don't think anybody else like in the office took it seriously, you know what I'm saying? <clears throat> but it was just like one of the things that, you know, he just, he would always do stuff like that. And like, uh, um, you know, like, he hated, like, Ring of Honor and, you know, thought that, like, you know, things that we didn't know how to be entertaining, you know what I'm saying? And, like, and I, you know, like, I was there to play a character in TNA. Like, TNA was, like, the worst thing. Like, monetarily-wise, I made great money. Yeah. But it was the worst thing for me, like, mentally and professionally, you know what I'm saying? Because it did not satisfy what I got into wrestling. Like, I had just been, like, Dragon Gate, you know, wrestling yeah. 20, 30 minute matches, or wrestling in Ring of Honor, you now know, you're, wrestling. Now you're playing a, a video game guitar. Yep, and for four or five minute tag matches, you know? Yeah. Four or five minutes with intro, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. like, I wrestled more before the show, like with mm-hmm. my buddies, than I did on the show, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I mean, like, it, it gave me some good opportunities. I, they sent me to New Japan to do the best of Super Juniors in 2008, that was mm-hmm. dope, made a lot of money, you know, but, um, but it wasn't where I wanted to be. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't feeding your spirit. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. It just kind of, it drained me. You know what I'm saying? Like, you'd be there all day mm-hmm. to wrestle four or five rounds. You know? Yeah. And then, like, you always had to, like, you know, um, I was always worried about, like, if I was going to have my job. You well, know what right. I'm saying? Was, was your segment could cut? Like, would yep, you have to yep. worry about stuff like that as Absolutely. well? Absolutely. Like, I, if you, like, say... Uh, or say, like, this would be the worst. Like, say it was a pay-per-view week, you, you'd fly in Sunday, and then we'd take Monday and Tuesday. Well, say I had something on the pay-per-view on Sunday, mm. and I had something on Tuesday. Right. But nothing on Monday. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not getting paid for that day. Yeah. But I'm still having to pay for the hotel, my rental, and still s- sitting there to do right. nothing. They weren't right. covering anything? Well, no, like, they didn't. That, if you're what, a that's, sign, that's, Jesus. That's the that's a sort of <coughs> recipe well, for you know addiction and, and, and at, for, at, that's boredom. where my that's where if my you, addiction went crazy, dude. right? Yeah, like because I would be there from noon until eleven o'clock at night, mm. not doing anything, you know, Jesus. and I would just eat pills all day. Like it was mm. it was really, and and it was, part of it was, uh, you know, like I I went from having that broken jaw. So leaving Ring of Honor, you know, like, it was just a... a just the domino effect of Yep, yep, yep. And then, uh, you know, to, to try to come back and um, and be ready, like, after my broken jaw, like, I yeah. got on the gas and I got on some growth hormone, like, just tried to do all this stuff to, like, be yeah. ready to go. Quick. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, um, because the, the thing about it was, right the week that I... Uh, the week before I broke my jaw, mm-hmm. I quit my regular Your job. Your actual job. To be Jesus. a wrestler full time, yeah. And the first thing that happens is I break my jaw. Which match was that? Um, I actually broke it wrestling Samoa Joe, 
uh, in Philly. Okay. Uh, on his farewell tour. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, and then I wrestled uh, Nigel McGinnis in England, and we did the fight without honor. And then uh, I came home. It blew up real big. I did one FIP match, and mm-hmm. then after that, I went to the ER, and then, like, Oof, why is it like this? You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, that's... And I had a wired shut. So you worked wired shut for five fucking... No, I I worked with it broken oh, for okay. five weeks, and then I had it wired shut for a few weeks, and, like, you know, and then, at the time, like, you know, now I'm not getting paid, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Because I'm sitting at home. Sitting at home with a fucked up jaw yeah, not being yeah. able to work and it's got to be frustrating as right. hell. Yeah, it was, it was brutal, man. And like, it's just, you know, and then not being able to like really talk and like, you couldn't go to the, like it was difficult to go to the gym because mm-hmm. you can't breathe. Breathe, and, yep. You know what I mean? And like, I had, I had been in decent shape. You yeah. know what I mean? I had like 8% body fat and then like, at that point it was like, you know, like, that's the agent I was talking about too. Oh way. shit! Yep. A, I, yep. You know what? You know what? I almost, I almost did like that, yeah. Yeah. that but I didn't. Yeah. I didn't. I was just gonna try to uh, non-verbally, yeah, yeah, non-verbally exactly. hint at I had it. To deal with them a couple of times for the company I was commentating for, and uh, it just nothing pleasant that I yeah, can think of. It's ridiculous. Certain of the old guys have the mentality that it's still supposed to be the eighties, and they yeah. don't understand. But even even sometimes, not, not even. Just the older guy, a lot people of, of our generation yes. too. Mm-hmm. Like it's just it's just a breed of dickheads. Yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. just like this dickheadedness that that gets into these people. It's not looking up to the right people, yep, not yep. having the right inspiration. It's because yeah. people like that can't go out there and do a twenty minute match. Right, right, right. You know they can't comprehend remembering remembering their spots while stu- still doing character work yep, yep, yep. and actually having to be an athlete, not just being able to pose and like look like you go to the gym but not yep. really do much else. But, I, but dude, seriously, like, the times I've wrestled somebody like, you know, Daniel Bryan, like, mm-hmm. the amount of stuff that we actually talked about doing is very minimal. Like, I've had matches with him where I've talked more about that than what I've done with you know, somebody that I'm yeah. wrestling 30, 45 minutes with, you know what I'm saying? Yes. No, and completely. so, um, you know, those kind of things are, you know, like, that's what I like to do, like, challenging myself is, like, to be able to have matches like that. Mm. Right, like, it's sometimes, it's it's more fun to not speak about the things you're yeah, going to do. Absolutely. To, like, if you just, like, I, I remember being, I feel feeling like, a major accomplishment didn't doesn't have to come from from winning a belt. Mm. It doesn't have to come from main eventing a show. It's just having somebody pay you a good compliment. Yep. You know what I mean? Like somebody somebody who you're in the ring with. Not yeah, not some fan who doesn't know. Yeah. Just that, like one of, one of your one of your coworkers. You know yeah. what it is like. Hey, sometimes I sometimes I sit around and I think about you know what I'm still doing in here, and, I, then, and then I get a match like that with you, and I remember exactly why I'm still in. I think the biggest, like, the biggest thing for me, like, uh, especially, like, when I was at TNA was people wanting to work with me. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, I think that's the biggest compliment. It was, like, like, I remember one time, like, uh, Bubba Ray, like, went to the office and was, like, you know, can we work with Lance and Jimmy? And, like, you know, like, yeah. stuff like that, like, was always, you know, like, if you have people that, you know, like, if you're the guy on the roster that, you know, especially in Ring of Honor, like, people knew that they were going to have a good match with me mm. and like it was going to be an easy night nobody was going to get hurt yeah. and we're going to have fun it was going to be safe yeah, yeah. absolutely yep. 
And, and it was going to be over, you know what I'm saying? Because I remember, like, asking, I forgot who, I think I asked Gabe or Rob, like, you were the only, okay, so you were the only one who wasn't put with us. Yep. Who was in our age bracket. Uh-huh. Um, everyone else. And his was name like, fits the, yeah, fits like, the party It was scene. so, it would have fit so perfectly, especially putting Slim J with us. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I remember asking Rob, and I was like, why isn't Jimmy with us? And he's like, you guys don't do the same things. Right, right, right. And then I saw it, and it was like, oh, okay, like it is, we were just everything at once, and you had already learned how to work by now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know? Yeah. Um, it's... Now that you see, like, the GIF generation, we'll mm-hmm. call them. Like, the the highlight video generation where you... It's not... You don't know how to... You don't have to know how to work. But it's almost like this level and this level have the same style. And then everything in between is just do as much shit as you possibly can. Right. Like, you just started doing some of those shows. Mm-hmm. Like, that, the one up in Rhode Island you did. Yep. Um... Is it different having to work with those guys, like in terms of the mentality of these younger guys? Well, the, you know, like what I've uh, the company that I wrestled for in Atlanta, Atlanta Wrestling Entertainment, like over the last three or four years, I've wrestled Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa, Sammy Callahan, um, uh, ACH, mm. you know, Air Fox, like multiple times. You know what I mean? Like all these guys that are yeah. that generation, right? And I I approach it uh, I'm very I think I'm part of my talent is to be able to um, create something that's still my own but within people other people's realms yeah and so uh, like I can sit down with somebody and like hear their ideas and then create something that I I would be like, proud of yeah that, you know and so. Um, but, you know, like, for me, and especially where I was positioned with that company was, you know, their champion for two years, and, uh, you know, so, like, I got to be able to put in a little bit of time on all their shows, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, like, most of my matches, the last three or four years have been 20, 30-minute matches, you know? Yeah. And so, uh, so, uh, I, I, I understand, like, people's instant gratification, like, Especially with wrestling, yeah, they, like the the like I, I always a thing I mention all the time, and I mean it's funny because this isn't even a pro wrestling podcast, but yeah, yeah. it's it's you know monopolizing the conversation. Uh, the so, the quick the payoffs are so quick. Yep, like uh, an angle starts and stops in one night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or you know or what I mean, month. like a month. Yep, yeah, yep, yep, like yep. Um, like we just talked about the the invasion angle the other day when we. Could have gone on for two years. Could have went on three, three, four years. Like it's it's dream matches. You're selling dream matches, but then you're just giving them right away. Yep. Yeah. Well, it's more like I. Do you guys listen to Richard's podcast at all? I used to. I don't listen to wrestling podcasts really. Man, he. So if you if you can listen to one of them, it would be the Mega Powers Explode one, and he talks about he lays that angle out and how. How they laid it out and for how a year. long it took to go, yeah. yeah, and how beautifully it was laid out, you know. And like people don't have that, no, in them anymore. right? Because the patience is not a thing. But it's not even that. I, I don't. I don't. They weren't selling a pay per view every month, though. You can still like I just I did an angle on, from 2011 to 2000 
2013 with this guy named Tom Matthews, and we and it was a slow build like that, yeah. and it still worked. Uh, but it was because I was patient with it, not other people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's where the patience thing. Like we assume that people, you know, won't sit there and, and pay attention. Buy, pay attention, but they want to. I mean, right. people watch Game of Thrones. Yeah. It's eight seasons in. You know what I'm saying? It's your job to make people want to watch the next thing that happens. You know what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. It'll it'll be in that same realm of like, one person will bitch, so it'll be that voice above every other one that hasn't said anything. Absolutely. Well, that's the other thing. And that's what Twitter is. Twitter Twitter is the worst thing for wrestling because the fans, look, the fans having a say, like in the case of like Daniel Bryan getting over, Mm -hmm. is a great thing. The fans having a say when it comes to like, don't book somebody because of their personal life, except for certain situations right. in which it's warranted. Like, look, wrestling had enough pedophiles in its history. We don't yeah, need yeah, anymore. Yeah. But things like what happened to Rich Swan, yeah, 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 where he he had people like, don't book him. We won't go to the shows and blah 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 for what ended up being an argument with his wife and yep. that happened in traffic. Yep, you know, like things that you get acquitted for in actual court. If the fans who want to, you know just champion causes and things get a hold of it and run with it and promoters buckle and I think that's yeah. a huge part of the problem is that Twitter allows the loudest minority to control things did you I, I don't know if you heard about this or you read about it like I, 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 sound, I, I, I sound like Jay Leno right now <laughs> have you heard about this uh-huh. but uh, like there's like a Trump rally Today, where he made fun of me, hashtag me too. Of course, he did. He like mocked course, it. But like, uh, are we fucking surprised at I, this I point? Don't, like, I, don't even, I didn't think I even wanted to bring that up. This man, but, but look, from, look. From at what? this point, he okay. He sent. This is my favorite Trump thing of the day. Apparently, when him and Kim Jong Un were hanging out at the Dennis Rodman sanctioned fucking uh-huh. dinner, um, Kim Jong Un asked them about the Little Rocket Man comment, and Donald Trump said. Have you heard the song? And Kim Jong-un said no. So, Pompano is going out to North Korea to try to broker this, whatever they're trying to pass off as a peace deal right now. Uh Um, And Donald Trump gave him a CD with Rocket Man on it, autographed, not by Elton John, who made the song, but by Donald Trump. (laughs) And he's giving that to Kim Jong-un. So they are now in the mixtape realm of right. their 14 year old romance from 2002 like yeah. who does cds anymore it's, it's, he could have just pulled out his phone and pulled it up on youtube yeah, it's yeah. all insane it's all it's it's a bad acid trip from when i was in high school that's now come to life that i and yeah. it's all pro wrestling yeah, yeah and that's the weirdest part is that the the populism of pro wrestling the kind of like the lowest common denominator of stereotyping and of how to rile people up got this guy elected but yeah. then, but then it th- so many things happen that so many things are forgot about so it's that those quick paydays like those yeah. quick payoffs where it's like oh well there wasn't there wasn't a payoff for this but we're on to the next thing yeah yeah we're yeah. on to the next thing now so well I th- so i uh like i'm really into battle rap mm-hmm. and there's a oh shit you know there's a battle rapper named delight yes yeah so he, daylight is one of my favorite yeah he just did a Vlad TV interview, and he was just talking about like you know hip hop like right now, and like guys like Takashi Six Nine and uh, Trippy Red and 
and uh, how it's not an era in hip hop now for being good. No, it's you know the losers are actually winning. But I think that's not just hip hop. I think that's everything. Like the people that create the most, like troll the most, are the ones that are the most over right now. Yes, and that's ridiculous. You know what I'm saying, dude? It's it's to the point where, like, honestly, I mean, I battled for King of the Dot in 2013. Uh Um, They were going to work with us on a wrestling company that we were going to run with AAA up in Canada until our backer pulled out when I was living up there. Right. Um, There, it's the pro wrestling business. Battle rap, they're just learning how to do storylines and angles and things. Mm -hmm. I mean, we talked to, me and Marcus talked to uh, the guys who ran the Battle (laughs) League in New York. Sorry. Uh, The the stun gun was the funniest. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. Sound like that. Sound like that. The stun gun on Nitro. Super um, Camo. Thunder. Just sounded like he's about to get shot at a cartel execution. Oh, God. I'm sorry. But uh, the kid in Merrick City, he had like a couple PG battles and Uh things, uh, is a friend of mine, and we were talking to him about, like, okay, run angles. Like, no, no, no. What would happen if some other league is having a show in Philly and one of your guys shows up and jumps in in the middle of the battle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, things like that. Like, they're, Daylight's one of the first guys to really do it. To yeah, really yeah, yeah. make, like, his his rounds, like, he'll turn them into full-blown angles. Right, like, like pro wrestling. Yes. <laughs> that, and that's what blew it up mainstream. Yeah, yeah. And that's a huge part of the trolling thing, is the first, like, Rolling Stone coverage and shit like that of Battle Rap was Daylight trying to take a shit on stage because Smack showed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking... Or, like, you know, Hitman Holler and his... his uh... His brother, like, knocking out, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. The bill collector, you know what I'm saying? Like, yes. Those kind of things, like, I think... Dude, you know. I remember Sharon, when he was, like, 20, mm-hmm. saying, like, I want to battle Kevin Nash and then have him powerbomb me. Yeah, right. And it's like, no, but you can battle Jack and he'll give you a 630 at the end. Right, right, Because right. Jack fucking loves battle rap, too. Right. Um, but, yeah, like, seeing these kids and, like, realizing, like, this is just calling spots. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And... The weird thing is, like, with us doing stand-up now, too, like, a lot of the battle rappers, a lot of stand-ups, like, a lot of the name rappers, they're all wrestling fans. Like, it's it's cool to be a wrestling fan again. Right. Which is where the... We didn't experience that ever. (laughs) As far as being wrestlers. I mean, we were just kids who, at the point when we were wrestling fans, it was really cool. Yeah, like, the Attitude Era was cool as shit. And then, like... That was, like, right when you broke in, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, same, same, like... I started in 98, yeah. like, but got trained in the, in a place where I wasn't trained the right way. Right. So, <clears throat> same, same deal, you know, except for trained wrong. But yeah. now, that's, like, where that other end of right. things comes in, because there's a bunch of battle rappers who, if they find out you're a battle rap fan, are gonna want to, like, they're, you're gonna get messages online, like, oh, shit, I watched you on Ring of Honor or Impact, and, like, yeah, right. you're a battle fan, and, like, check out this battle and things like that, like... They're, it's a weird thing, the way it's been explained to me, like, because they understand, like, the physical aspect of it all, too, uh-huh. um, there's, like, this huge respect for it, and there's a feeling of, like, one of the comics said to me, like, he was watching something, something we did with Capital, and he goes, well, wrestling's the one thing where I don't feel like I could do that. 
Right. Like anything else, like seeing acting and things like this, like I can try that. I want to do that. Wrestling's the thing where I don't feel that. Right, right, right. You know, and it's a, it's a, it's a respect I didn't know a lot of other arts had for wrestling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And now that it's mainstream acceptable, that's where the whole like, how do we do business now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's the oh. peripherals, the the wrestling themed things. So that's a, wrestling a, another thing they're spending way to money on. Compare uh, MMA to to wrestling. Because that's like anybody could watch MMA and be like, yeah, I could do that. But mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody could, not anybody could just watch pro wrestling and be like, okay, yeah, I could do that. I could definitely do that. Well, there's a weird, like, there's, there wasn't this inclusivity when we were coming up of like, anyone can do this. Yeah. Now, with the, like, you know, like, certain people with YouTube shows and things like that who. Yeah, you, they, yeah they're, they don't up. just look like the everyman. They are the everyman. Yeah, yeah. And, like, they're, like, doing shows and screwing around with their friends. And, yep. like, there's eyes on them. Well, um, like, I, this is the thing. I, I think I even said this about DJ when he bought CZW. I was like, it's like he's playing he's playing with his wrestling toys, but his toys are people. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and this way, it's, also, <laughs> it's both ways. Right. In, 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 in everybody in, in wrestling is just playing wrestling. Like, do, you, do you guys feel like in the comedy world, though, it's the same kind of thing like I was explaining about hip-hop and wrestling? Like, there is some, like, do you still have to be a good comedian, or could you just be, like, a troll? 50-50. Well, you, you, I think it's a different type of trolling. Okay. It's clap trolling. It's where you're not saying anything that's really funny or it's, a joke. Oh, it's just pandering. It's just yeah. heat. It's uh, cheap heat. It's like... It's like I'm going to be pro-trans right now and say some things that are, you know, along that line and everyone's going to go, yay, but I'm not actually making jokes. Okay. This girl, this lady did a, a special on Netflix where she just, like, deconstructed all her jokes and self-deprecating humor, and it, it wasn't funny. It was all just like, I'm a lesbian from New Zealand, so you should listen to me, and this is why the world's unfair to me and things like that. And that gets claps. Right. It's like guilt claps. No, like I've only heard clips on other podcasts and things. I just you know what? I think I started watching that and I stopped watching it. And it was probably terrible. No, I mean because I know good comedy. Like, yeah. I mean, humbly, I want to say I know good comedy. You know what? I, I just I think I started watching that and I turned it off. I think. And that's what comedy. That's the hack part of it. Like I just want to. Um... Billy's funniest and at the helium for Noah. He, yeah, yeah. He yeah. did that. Like, yeah, yeah I was texting I Noah. He said it was bad. He said it was bad. It was, it was, well, I mean, there was a couple guys. I mean, there. Noah's a good friend of mine. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, I was texting with him. I was texting with him that night, yeah. and uh, I did. I did the week before. Oh, okay. And uh, it was, it was also pretty rough because it was like ten o'clock at night. Yeah, yeah. It was like ten o'clock on a Wednesday night. Like, yeah. Nobody's showing up, and who's there? They, they're there for who they came to see. Right. It's political. I mean, those kind of things are all, all kind of always are. Right, right. Like um, that's the one weird thing that I didn't expect with comedy that it mirrors wrestling is the politics, the, the fucking politics yeah, of it yeah, all. Yeah. It's really bad. Yeah, I. Uh, I mean, I listen to a lot of, like like uh, Joe Rogan stuff, and, mm-hmm. you know, and he's pretty open about you know. What goes on behind the scenes? Yeah, and like and like I've read like Artie Lang's books and uh, you know like um, 
you know, like Robin Williams and stuff yeah. like that. Like and like, it you know like one thing that interests me about um, people in like pro wrestling or or uh, or comedy or anything like that is like um, just um, especially like with mental health stuff, like just the fact that how. You know, somebody like Robin Williams, who, like, everybody had this endearing affection towards, you know, mm-hmm. and, like, how much he, like, really was hurting. Yeah. Like, you know, Artie Lang wrote in his book, um, like, comedians are the kind of people that, you know, um, you know, if somebody falls down, uh, it's funny. But, like, for a comedian, it's funny if you push an old lady down the flight of stairs, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, that... It's a whole nother Well, well that's the, like, after the thing with Rebel. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, I did a joke a night later about it. Uh-huh. You know, um... I mean, how else, how else do you deal with something like that? Yeah, and that's, that's kind of like the joke Corey and I have made, like, when we meet some of, like, the, the quote-unquote working Philly comics. Like, oh, these people think they have the market corner on fucked up. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and it's... It's a weird thing where I guess everyone takes out that part of life differently. Mm. You know, like... Yeah, it's definitely like... It's definitely like you can't... You can't act like you're the only one who knows what pain is. No. Like you're the right, only right. one who knows what suffering is. In any in any realm of life. Because yeah. like you could just meet somebody... You could just meet somebody tomorrow who has no entertainment business... Uh, experience, mm-hmm. but they just happen to be like, well, you know, this happened to me when I was a kid. This happened to my brother. This happened to my sister. Mm-hmm. No, we're we're all effed up because of it, mm-hmm. and you know, I'm 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 finding peace with it. I'm figuring right. out a way, and I'm, you know, I work at a bank, and I don't, I'm perfectly happy to to never be seen on TV or be heard of on yep. a podcast. Like I had the conversation with my old taxi partner in here um, about. <clears throat> About, uh, you know, we were talking about obscurity. We were talking about obscurity and about how, you know, like our our wrestling careers may go, might fizzle out into obscurity. Right. You know what I mean? Like who may or may not ever know about anything we've ever done in like some baseball field in Delaware. Then, uh-huh. You know what I mean? And, but then he was like, yeah, but dude, there's a guy walking down the street here with a smile on his face. He doesn't care if anyone's ever seen him. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's completely content. And I'm like, yeah, well, I mean, that, Maybe I'm not wired that exact yeah. same way. The yeah. bitter dickhead who I'm sure is listening to this is the one who said that. I, <laughs> I love this. No, I'm talking about I'm talking about Bomboy. Oh, I thought it was Jeff. No, no. Okay. Every time I talk about Bomboy, you think I'm talking about Jeff. Yeah, because I, he's the only no. old tag no. partner I remember. No. Is Sozio. No, 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 no. I'm talking about. I'm talking about. Like, <laughs> I'm talking about like years later, but it, it, it comes into like you know obscurity. Like if I say Bomboy, you probably don't know who that is. No, and like, you know, to to somebody, you know what I mean? Like to to him, he may not know who you are, right, or right. you know what I mean? It's just like we we pride ourselves on weird, stupid things that don't really matter in right. the scheme of things. It always is like when you say when someone goes, "Yeah, no, I know wrestling," and you'll say, "Oh, well, do you know such and such?" And they'll be like, "I have no no right, no right. fucking conceivable idea what you're talking about." It brings you to the reality of like. There's so much wrestling. Yeah, absolutely. Not not just the wrestling world, just the, <clears throat> the entire world is so so huge and so yeah, small absolutely. at the exact same time. What the fuck? Yeah, well, I don't. 
Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> that was so stupid. A, this they used is, to hang out at their house all the time. Whose house was this? Not, not the, oh. This wasn't their house, but uh, they they lived in Atlanta together. Who, Hack and... Uh, no, not Hack, um, Canyon. Oh. And uh, DDP had a, a house in Atlanta that, like, every time there was a pay-per-view, we would all be there. So it was crazy. And, like, Mama Luke and Lopez lived in his basement. What's Tony doing with his life nowadays? I don't know, dude. Like, uh, I don't know. I haven't seen him in a minute. Like, he was, he was always a funny motherfucker. Yeah, dude. Well, he was, like, a cynical dude. Yeah, like, yeah. But, he, I mean, like, he was the reason why, like, I wasn't in your guys' group because I met Mama Luke in 2001 and, like, he taught me how to wrestle. You know okay. what I'm saying? And, like, if it wasn't for him, like, it would have been a different. You would have yeah, been with yeah. us. Just I would have been with doing y'all. dumb flips and being cannon fodder. Yeah. yeah, I uh, you know, like one of the, you know, like one of the things that um, you know, interests me just like about like the whole comedy scene because like I like I, uh, have you watched um, I think it's called. Comedians of comedy, like yeah, yeah, Zach yeah. Brian Hussein, yeah, 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 Brian Hussein, Pat Oswald, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brand and like, I, like I, uh, like I just, like I, re- like I, I see the same hustle, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And, like I see the same hustle in uh, pro wrestling as I do in comedy, as I do in hip hop, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like, uh, and like nowadays, it's so much easier, like. Like I said earlier, like in two thousand two, I had to send out fifty VHS and mm-hmm. you know like eight by tens and yep. all that. But now guys can just put it on YouTube. It's right and there. And send it. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, I mean it's right there. Yeah. Like when when I was first wrestling on shows, the mm-hmm. first show I ever wrestled on, my theme song was on a cassette tape. Yeah, absolutely. Like yep. old shit hut, old yep, yep. shithead. Yep. <laughs> but I'm saying like the um the the. I look at it sometimes like, um, also, I say this about like managers and like people who have convinced others that they have value that they don't have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I think about like, you know, remember uh, Chappelle's show, Paul uh-huh. Mooney? Uh huh, yep. When he, was do- when he did the thing about like, he's like, everybody want to be a nigga, but nobody want to be a nigga. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking about that being like, you know, like you want to be in the wrestling business, but you don't want to take the bumps. Yep, yep, and you yep. don't want to do the work. You don't yep. want to. Like certain people, tennis rackets who still bitch about the eighties. Right, right. It's it's just tough. Like when you, when you, you can judge the grind, but you won't understand it by ever. Like so, you know, like I, uh, I'm in a weird spot, like with the tennis racket thing. Like so, I, um, because I came up in a in the South and like with guys that. Like, my, uh, I, I'll tell you about my second show ever, right? My second show ever, there was a, a wrestler named Ken Thames, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he was tag team partners with Eric Embry. They had a really good run in Mexico and Puerto okay. Rico. Like, they were called the Fabulous Blondes back then. Yeah, I, I remember. Uh, and, like, um, Ken's passed away now, but, like, Ken, uh, he had, like, a thousand kids, and they all looked slow, like, inbred. Yeah. You know what I mean? But they were all shooters, like all, like I, I think four of them were Olympic alternates. Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, like real badass. And that's who I used to train with, right? 
And so, and Ken was like a hooker too, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Well, my second show ever, like, um, Ken's son, who was training, was a referee. Mm -hmm. And there was this guy, and he was drunk, and he was the one that had the sound system. And, uh, like I said, this is 99, and like, it was probably a tape or whatever, and the guy wasn't paying attention, and so Ken's son stopped the music or whatever, Mm -hmm. right? And the kid, the drunk guy, slaps the kid, right? Well, then it got back in the locker room. And, uh, like, I'm, like, 16 years old, yeah. you know? And Kim grabs the guy, headbutts him, and pulls his eyeball out. Oh, out, out of the socket. You know what I'm oh. saying? Like, hanging, right? And just, like, headbutting him, like, yeah. repeatedly, right? And I was, like, I was hiding, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, I had it's nothing terrifying. to do with it. And, like, that was, like, you know... So I understand like that old school mentality. His his that same referee's son. I saw him beat the shit out of Tommy Rich too. It was awesome. <laughs> same kind of thing. Like Tommy Rich called him an inbred, and like the the kid this time head butted Tommy and beat the shit out of him. Damn. Uh, and like, um, but like, uh, but I also uh, I also understand like the evolution of wrestling too. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You know, like. Um, I was actually there uh, the last time the Young Bucks and Jim Cornette were together. Mm-hmm. And it was at a, a GWF show, one of the Jarrett's yeah. things. Mm-hmm. And, like, Cornette was like, oh, you know, we've got the hottest angle in wrestling, boys. You know what I mean? And they're just like, what are you talking about? You know what I'm saying? Like, And I was, I was at Ring of Honor in 2009 when Jim, like, cut them out, cut Cabana out, cut... Yep cut uh steen out you know what i'm saying and like uh you know it's um i you know like there's always going to be two sides so like i I don't know what happened like i started watching a whole bunch of fishing youtube okay (laughs) it's really weird so so like that was like the most country thing yeah yeah, yeah. yes but it's uh there's like these five dudes that they call themselves the Guggen Squad, right? Yep. And they're all, the oldest one's only 28. Right? Okay. And he was in the military for about five years, right? But these guys are like, just like they do like really cool, you know, like he, that guy has like 900,000 subscribers. Yeah. The next one has 900,000 subscribers. Yeah. You know, like the lowest one has like 400,000. Okay. And there's five of them, right? Mm-hmm. And then they have their own channel that has like 300,000 subscribers, yeah. right? But they all are together, and like uh, they try to be professional sh- fishermen at some point, mm-hmm. right? The youngest one's nineteen, right? Yeah. And so they're all early twenties, right? Except for uh, the oldest one. So, and they try to like go on the professional fishing tour where the fishing tournaments. Were. Yeah, that didn't work out because there's politics in it. And so they found this <laughs> other way. Politics and fishing. But they found this other way of just doing YouTube and yeah, creating man. like dope content, yes. right? And just that, and that back door to them. Yeah, like, and more than like, one way up the mountains. Now the old school fishermen hate them. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And like there's heat because uh, they're like, well, they use language that you know is inappropriate. But they're on, tw- they're on, they're on YouTube. YouTube, so it's bleeped out or like they didn't shake hands properly. Yeah, 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 yeah. And well, they, like, they, uh, but they, and they do different fishing challenges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they'll fish with lettuce, or like fish with a gummy worm, or whatever. Like, but that's just the different shit stuff, sells. you know? What I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. And like, but now they have their own baits. They have their own. Like these guys are making so much money. You yes, know what I'm but like that same thing happened with com- like 
Dude, I'm I'm the biggest comedy nerd there is. Like mm-hmm. any comedy, like you brought up comedians of comedy. Yep. I knew the documentary right away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every like stand up comedy documentary I've seen. Right. I right, know right. them all. I love them. I listen to podcasts like crazy. Yep. Uh, not anymore, but I did a lot with stand up comedy podcasts. And like all these po- all these comics were getting really upset with these Vine stars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When like Vine stars came out, they started. Selling comedy shows. Yeah. So DC they didn't. Young they Fly. didn't. What's that? DC Young Fly. Was he? Was um, he? He's uh, he's on um, Wild and Out now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he was a Vine dude mm-hmm. from Atlanta. Right. He's got he's a black dude. He's got DC right there. Mm-hmm. Okay. And like now he's on all these comedy shows. You right. know what I'm saying? Yeah. And he was so a Vine like dude. These these they found a back door to it. Yeah 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 yeah. And uh, comics got mad. Yep. I mean I don't. Know of any of the comments that I like actually got mad about it, but I know right. a lot of like the the seasoned guys, the guys who'd been trying and had been on the road yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and just like struggling for so long, and these people found a shortcut, a real right. quick hack to it. But I mean, so I that's with everything and anything. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, it's um, I mean, fishing. I didn't know was that's an, a I, I, world that had yeah. that. No, I'm but it, it makes perfect sense because yeah. like. Half our population fishes. Right, right, right. Um, well, I mean, like, in like, so the the argument between these guys was like, uh, you know, like, do these guys, like, these young kids, right? Like, how can you be hot at them because, like, they're showing other young kids, like, you don't have to sit around and play video games all day. You can right. go out and do they're this. They're turning thing. them on to your business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's, <laughs> you don't, like, don't have to sit around and play video games all day. Sit around and watch us right. fish. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but like. The thing about it is, though, like, uh, I think people don't realize how much, how much, uh, everybody wants a piece of the pie, right? Yeah. But I don't think people really understand how big the pie can really be. Right. Well, because they, they don't know it yet. We're seeing it with wrestling. Because the pie is still being made, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. nobody would have ever thought about this YouTube market. You no. know what I'm saying? And dude, like, the Nick and Matt getting their shit in Hot Topic. Absolutely. Things like that, like... The All In Show, yep. New Japan running fucking Cow Palace tomorrow. Right. You know, like, this is the first time that you can be a non-entity. Like, you don't have to work for the machine and you can still make money without having to go to Japan. Right, right. It's the first time where everyone's kind of working together in some way, shape, or form. Yep. And because of YouTube and things, like, dude, it used to be one company, RF had the shoot interview yep. thing. Yep. Now there's like 14 networks yep. that have just like, you can just pay 10 bucks and watch all the wrestling you can ever, you can ever see in a lifetime, and then you have to pay another 10 bucks to watch two lifetimes worth of wrestling. Yeah, right, right. It's fucking madness. And, and but, 10 bucks to just hear wrestlers talk about wrestling. Yeah, mm-hmm. but the old... Or you could just subscribe to a podcast and hear it for free. Right. Like, the old guys, I think what it is is that... It's a different way to make money now. Mm-hmm. And it's with music, it's with wrestling, it's with TV. Um, I remember hearing guys talking on uh, Opie and Anthony about how Montreal Comedy Festival, people used to just show up and give out these, like, here's $500,000 developmental deal for uh, you know for a TV show based off of one set. Right. Isn't that how Greg Giraldo got? Yeah, uh, Greg got Giraldo got discovered. on that way. Like a lot yeah. of a lot of guys got discovered that way. But there were some guys who didn't have acts but had one good set. So then, oh, okay, here's a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. And wrestling kind of became the same thing where it was like 
I mean, when Zach Gowan got signed, mm-hmm. and they signed the wrong one-legged wrestler. Right. Um, we have a guy on our roster who is amazing, but he got signed because they went to go look for someone else, but they didn't give the agent proper speci- uh, specifics on who to go sign, so they right. signed him instead. I uh, I didn't send in a tape to TNA. Mm-hmm. Milano Clutch and AT sent in a, a match of me and him, and they called me. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's... But you, you worked your ass off to get that spot in the sense of, like, you didn't just work some guy on a fucking indie show. You worked Milano for fucking New Japan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know? Um, But a lot of these guys who were getting contracts um, for TV, for music, like, this whole SoundCloud thing, like, where it's like, okay, you make one or two good songs. You literally could have only made two fucking songs. Soldier Boy... That Soldier Boy song was the only song he made. Yeah. And he blew the fuck up that Slim Jesus kid a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same thing. Like, only track they had, but they blew the fuck up. Mm-hmm. So now it's this it's this weird exploitation. I was I read something today about uh, Danielle Bra- Braggioli or whatever, mm-hmm. the bad yeah, yeah, baby yeah. girl, uh-huh. and how she became a rapper. It was just like, oh, well, we need a way to market you somehow right. for something other than just being a fucking horrible little child yeah right so rap you could rap yep well, you'll learn you'll learn but we can do it quick and put it out there mm-hmm. um the love and hip-hop girls like they're all they're all trying to oh i'm gonna be a singer i'm gonna be a rapper um and then i'm surprised like total divas hasn't had like the girls husbands who aren't in the business like all of a sudden doing angles and shit because that's perennially what the business is it's because of the fact that it's not a shoot you can do all the crazy sh- We have a guy who didn't have hands take a pile driver on our show. Right. You can do literally whatever the fuck you want. Right. Um, well, I mean, uh, let, me, let me just get back to the part, the thing, because I'm, I'm probably going to borrow that big, the pie, the pie, there's enough pie for everybody. Yeah. Like, really, uh, the, the way I look at it, man, like, do you, whatever you want, all the things that you want in your life, Who's to say the guy right next to you wants exactly all of those things? Yeah, and, probably doesn't. And anything. Exactly. So you can you can you can realistically believe that those things will be yours, right? And not go, oh well, let me just get to the back of the line with all the other schmucks who want the same exact thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like in in WWE, the dream is just WWE, but there's bigger bigger yeah, yeah, dreams yeah. than that. You know what I mean? Like, there's bigger, there's bigger desires in the world. Yeah. Like, you start, like, looking up, uh, just like a Bing, Bing search, or a Google search, and uh, Wikipedia comes up on the side, and it says, uh, this person, the random person that you may or may not have ever heard of, and then in there, it'll say what their net worth is, yep. and it'll be some ungodly number, and you're like, whoa, who is this yeah, person, why? and how come they have all yeah. that money? Because that, there's enough money out there yeah. that they can have that money. Because so, it's not syndication anymore. It's a worldwide fucking market. Yeah, so like, uh, this is actually how I always approach wrestling, too. Uh, like, once I got in somewhere, like, I brought somebody along with me. Mm. Like, Sal, come on, man. Like, whatever, you know what I mean? Mm. If my friends say good, that's awesome, you know? I never was the guy that was like, fuck, man, like, if if this guy gets in, there's not going to be a spot for me. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And I think it's that's like where people get... The ego and yeah. the self-preservation. The yeah, but see, like... Stepping if, on the little guy. If you're good enough, you if don't good, need to yeah, do that. Yeah. And, like, 
uh, I learned that from Punk. Like, Punk was the first guy that, like, you know, like, I met him at Ian Rotten's in 2002. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, we just, me, him, and Cabana, like, hit it off right away. Like, uh, we, our hustle was different. Like, me and AJ had agent, like, yeah. Bill Barron's, and they, they refused to ever do that. Yeah. And they refused to ever work for free. And we would do Wild Side TV for free. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And, like, it was just different. But we were all still driving like a motherfucker mm-hmm. and still trying to get the same spot. So, like, they quickly embraced me, right? And, like, when nothing was going on for me at Ring of Honor, like, my first real Ring of Honor match was a four-way with me, uh, Frank Kazarian, AJ, uh, Christopher Daniels, and CM Punk. Mm-hmm. And then they, they all took heat on me. I made a comeback on all of them, and we did 35 minutes, right? Yeah. Huge match for me. Like, I lost, you know what I mean? But, like, you it was at the Murphy Rec Center. Yep. And, like, they went nuts because, like, I, I came back in all three of these stars, right? Yeah. And Punk laid it out that way for me. And, like, when Gabe wasn't going to continue to use me, he was, like, put Jimmy in the Second City Saints. And Gabe's, like, he's not from Chicago. He goes, I don't give a fuck. You're not going to not use him. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, shit like that. Like, uh, like I remember, like, I was sitting at an airport one time and, like, uh, like, I missed my flight, and it was raining, and I was like, man, I, you know, I'm just texting, like, we were on AOL Instant Messenger, I was like, man, I, like, uh, he was like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm sitting in this fucking airport, bored as shit, like, I keep trying to get my wife to let me buy a PSP, but she won't let me do it, you know? That next week, he sent me one, with a, like, $100 gift card to Best Buy, he had just gotten, gotten, uh, sent to OVW, yeah. and, like, just sent me all this shit, and, like, I just wrestled Chris Masters on Sunday Night Heat, mm-hmm. and that's who the <laughs> return address was from, <laughs> Chris Masters. But uh, but I'm saying, like, he was the kind of guy that, like, if he believed in you, he brought you along. And he brought you along because he wasn't afraid of losing his spot. He knew where it was. And, like, that's... If people had that same mentality of, like, fuck, man, like, what I'm doing is good, you know what I mean? Like, if I keep doing this... Yeah. They're not worried about, like, other people taking it, you know what I'm saying? And so, like, for me, uh, you know, like, um, it's just crazy. Like, the, how, like, and here's even the more ironic thing, how I found the fishing guys, Mm -hmm. was there's these guys, there's this guy that he goes diving in rivers and looking for shit at the bottom of the river, scuba diving. Oh, okay. Right? And he just does River Trevor. Oh, shit. Treasure. His name is D Almighty, and he's got 4.3 million subscribers. Holy fuck. And there's two other ones. You know, one of them is almost at a million, but they all live in Columbus, Georgia, where I, I and I didn't know about this until like two months like ago. like right by where you grew right. up. And like, this D Almighty guy started just making Call of Duty videos back in the day. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then, like, these guys, like, started doing the diving, and they're like, oh, we like fishing, and, like, they started it because of a college course. Like, they had to make a YouTube channel. And then it just blew up, you know what I'm saying? And, like, but, like, who would have ever thought there was a a niche market for people scuba diving in, like, a dirty-ass river, you know what I'm saying? Like That's the craziest thing about YouTube. It's uncovering all these niche markets where you're like, dude, I... Never in my wildest imagination would I think, like, three million people are going to watch somebody open a toy. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And, and it's like a fucking huge thing now. Yeah, Unboxing yeah. videos. And like phones and, yeah. and cameras and all different stuff. As soon as you buy it, you unbox it, You there's a market for that. And then people will start sending you stuff for free. Whatever weird Just to open sports it up. you like. Yeah, like yeah. People sponsor you like midget darts or whatever, whatever crazy shit it is you want to do. There's a channel for it. And there's like a million people who will fucking watch you do yeah, it. Yeah, right. You know, and it's... Wrestling's a weird one because we were taught not to market ourselves. Yeah. When we were younger, it was like, don't be a mark for yourself. Don't be a mark for yourself. Don't make your own shirts. Don't yep. make your own this. Don't have your own fucking eight by tens. Like, what are you doing? Right. And now it's like, that's the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, like yeah. just the, throw yourself out the there old, as much as the possible. The old rules that you would break are now the rules to not, you know, yep. to not abide. They're the ones that make you money. Now. Like I, so like I lost so much money because like I, uh, I'm. I had this very old school mentality, like you know, in Ring of Honor, like when I got to the show, I was a heel. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like I was a heel, and that's how I wanted to be. Like I wanted people to genuinely hate me. Like it, it fucked with me, like it, my anxiety and my depression a lot because I, yeah. I, uh, especially what people would write on the message boards and shit like that. Like and like especially because yeah. Gabe put so much emphasis on that. You know what I'm saying? And, like, people would be like, I hope he fucking dies on his way to the show, like, about me and stuff, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, man, he's going to fire me eventually. But, and then, like, him and Punk would, like, sit me down and be like, this is because you're doing your job well, you know? And, like, I dumbed down my wrestling to be a good heel, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, uh, so, uh, and, like, being a good heel, like, I was like, fuck it, I'm not, like, I, I can't sell merch, you know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. why would I be out there mingling? You know, yes. I remember one time I went to a fan gathering, me and Nana, and like I was in my shit with Punk, and Punk walked in, and I didn't know he was gonna be there, you know, and he just fucking stopped me, like shoot, punched me, you know what I mean, and like we started tussling, and I knew it as soon as he walked in, like what it was, like why are you fucking here? You're a heel, you know. Yeah. And like I never went to him again, you know. But like I did that for the characters' sake, you know. But like in the end, like. It probably affected me monetarily. Yes. Well, that's and that's the thing is like, there's two guys in the in the Fed right now who don't have a catchphrase on like as a top heel. Mm. Siampa's the only one who's really going full bore with it, where it's like, there's no merch for him. There's no right. right. There's no music to sing along to. There's no right, right. nothing. Um, you know, and it's it's a weird time because. The curtain's been pulled back so much at this point. Right. There's so much fan interaction, and there's so much, like, everything being pulled back between social media and just the way shows are run nowadays mm-hmm. and the level of interaction that they want to... It was explained to me, because, like, I'm still old school enough where it's like, wait, they're complaining about who doing what? Um, do they forget, like the murderers who built this business? Like, what are you yeah. complaining about anyone doing anything for in their personal life? But the whole, like, we can't do business with this person because there was a bad picture of them that came out yeah, a yeah. couple years ago or things like that. Um, and it's, it, it's all mind-boggling to me until it's put to the point of, like, no, people want to support good people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of that weird transparency and that nobody's gimmick is really a gimmick anymore. It's just kind of an extension of their life. Yeah. It's because the fans... I guess they're trying to make better decisions with who they'll give their money to. Yep. And on an indie level, they have that opportunity. Right, right, right. You know. So, like, 
for example, like, uh, where I grew up, what, like, one of the cool things about when I moved to Georgia was, mm-hmm. like, I, like, baseball was supposed to be my meal ticket, right? Yeah. Like, really was supposed to, like... That was your, very, like, wheelhouse. Right? Yeah. And so, when I, my first day at baseball practice in Georgia was at a place called Sandy Plains in Marietta. And the first person I saw there was Dusty Rhodes. Holy shit. And I was like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? I'm 13 years old. And, like, it was because Cody had practice because the field is right next to the high school that he went to. Oh, shit. Okay. So, like, uh, his sister, Teal, and I are the same age. Mm -hmm. And so, like, my first girlfriend here and her, Teal, were best friends, right? And Mm so... I went to Sprayberry High School with where Buff Bagwell went, Bob Armstrong, and Xavier Woods. Okay. And so, like, Woods, for example, is somebody that WWE, like, I was his first match at TNA and all, mm-hmm. all this stuff. And, like, he came up through Wildside. And, yeah. uh, and so, like, he's somebody that they've invested a lot in because of the kind of person he is. Yeah. He's got a, he's got a PhD, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, a shoot PhD, yeah. you know what yeah. I'm saying? And, like, just... Uh, the character of person he is is like huge for them, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, like, so I started seeing that uh, also. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, uh, I I do think that you know, like, you know, like I I used to tell people, like, like when I used to book shows and stuff, mm-hmm. I never wanted to book guys that were from the town that I ran shows in. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Because I didn't want people to have that access to. You know what I mean? Because yes. I never had the access. Yes. Like, I could never, like, fucking go and tweet Hulk Hogan when I was a kid. You no. know what I'm saying? No. And, like, but that made it so much special to me. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And, like... Well, can you can you go back to... Um, <clears throat> go back real quick. The, uh, was it Dusty's daughter, like, that yeah. was best friends with the girl you were dating? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Did, did that connect you in any way? Like, uh, did you wind up... Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So like, uh, well, I, uh, so I like I got to hang out with Teal, his, his daughter, a lot. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And like, um, like growing up and everything. But uh, and then like Dusty was. This is what WCW was still around, and mm-hmm. so like then Dusty started his own thing, mm-hmm. 2001, right after WCW closed, called Turnbuckle Championship Wrestling, mm-hmm. and it was like right in the same area. And so, uh, so yeah, like growing up, like. You know, he was always around, and I and I started working for them soon after that. And right. So, it's just weird. I, I feel like I heard another story similar to this, like about like somebody who was like maybe on the wrestling team with Cody or something with, like yeah. somebody, some, somebody else from that. Era. It's it's just a it's it's funny how like small no, yeah. of a world so it is. Xavier Woods and Cody used to wrestle. Like right, each other because mm-hmm. they went. They were the same grade. I'm talking about somebody who is probably not even in the wrestling business. Oh, like, okay, okay. Like it, it just, it's just this, wow. uh, another another connection through right. resources that I don't remember right. how it came to, but somehow somebody knows somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody. Oh, gotcha. Who wrestled on a team with somebody? Yeah, yeah. So it's just the I love I love connecting resources. I right. love How like the weird connections work. I love being able to think about, like, if it wasn't for this, this wouldn't be that. Yeah, right, right, right. I, I love thinking about that kind of stuff. Right. It, 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 like six degrees of separation. Yeah, I love yeah, that. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah, he, uh, it was really weird. And, like, um, like, I remember the first time I worked for Dusty Rhodes' promotion was at Laster High School, where, mm-hmm. where D- 
Dusty was the football coach, assistant football coach, and Cody went and like Dustin thought that I was Cody because he was like, "You guys look so much alike." You know? <laughs> it was weird, but uh, and then like when I got to TNA, like I got to be pretty good friends with Dustin and like yeah. travel together a little bit and stuff. So. I remember when they brought Dusty in for the Ring of Honor. Yeah, yeah the yeah. one cage match we did. That's still like. That's the only special K footage I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is doing the cage with Dusty. You know, I was yeah. all juiced up and shit. Okay. But that was like, he was just, a, it was so, because we grew up with a bunch of the old WWF guys around here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Iron Sheik, Jimmy yeah, Snuka, Jimmy, guys Jimmy. like that. But we didn't get, like, Dusty was still special. Yeah, yeah. Like, that was the, the crazy thing, because so many guys had lost any specialness they had. Yeah, right. Because you guys have seen him so much. Yeah, like, yeah. they're just always fucking there. Right. But Dusty was like, holy shit, that's Dusty Rose. Yeah, yeah. So, the guy, the, like, the guys I grew up, like, always around was, like, Abby, Dusty, New Jack was, like, really a big part <laughs> of my early career. Um, yeah, like, guys like that. Um, and that's the fucking wolves we were raised by. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And that's what, like, when people... When I try to explain growing up in the business to people, it's like, no, I was, half of me was raised by wolves. Yeah, right. Yeah, like, dude, like, it's it's such a weird thing, and I and I, and I hate bringing it back up, but, like, like Chuck, man, like, mm-hmm. he he played a big part in teaching me what not to be. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, really, really being, you know, like, that, you know, um... I didn't. I didn't. I didn't grow up with a, a male role model. Yeah. But, you know, seeing a, a dominant male being a dickhead. Yeah, yeah. Made me know. Yeah. Don't, don't be that guy. Be that guy. Yeah. But, you know, like then we like we have these stories like, uh, like doing certain things in in the wrestling business that are are not typical. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like I was telling the story to somebody about like, oh man, that guy, you know, that guy was such a dickhead that like I know once in like two thousand eight. Like I pulled my I pulled my groin in a match and he kept throwing me off the ropes because he probably Shit. thought it was funny. Right, right. And I was like, yeah, that was that sucked, and I kind of thought he was an asshole at that point. And I got, then the match ended by him throwing a fireball in my face, and the, and somebody was like, oh, you got a fireball thrown in your face, right. and that doesn't traumatize you? Like, right. no, it's just commonplace. You part, know, it's just a part, part of the part show. Of yeah. Like right. uh, I didn't think about it until eleven years later, but you know what I mean? It's just yeah, it's just stuff that. Stuff that sort of exists within the wrestling business, right? But, uh, but like to be fair, and this is probably why I said I didn't want to bring it back up because it does sound harsh. That generation uh-huh. needs to die off. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, that or that that mentality. Yes, that, that archetype. Yeah. Yes. I. So do you? Do you guys remember Kiwi from WWE? Yes. Mm-hmm. So he uh, he was at the power plant when. Uh, we were developmental, and uh, I remember, um, I thought it was him, <laughs> uh, but I uh, I remember we did a house show for Wildside, and he was booked on it, and I was, it was me and somebody else versus Kiwi and a guy named Onyx that wrestled for Wildside. I remember, he was huge. Yeah. Onyx was jacked, yeah, and so uh, this was like the worst match ever. And so Air Paris went up to Kiwi and, like, said, uh, Jimmy Ray said he's not going to bump for any fags, right? And I thought, and I was standing right there, and we were all laughing about it, and I thought he knew it was a joke. Yeah. 
he beat the shit out of me. Broke my nose. Like, what? Fucked me up. I was, like, bleeding like crazy. And then, um, because I couldn't see, because I was so messed up. Yeah. I was only 18, dude. Oh, yeah. Like, 140 pounds. He's just killing me. He's all gassed up. You know? oh. uh, Onyx shot me off. Gave me a back elbow right into my throat. And, like, so, like, I... I can't go, like, past a certain octave still, you know, like... Damn. I can't, like, scream. Like, yeah. You know? You know what I was going to ask you while you're so quiet? Yeah, the, it, it's <laughs> from that. Probably, like, like my... Fucked. I have a raspy voice just from that. Right. And so, uh... It was just, like, one of those things. I got out of the match. I was like, what the fuck was that for? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yep. And, like, uh, I never wanted to be that guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've roughed some dudes up. Like, I... There's this kid in Georgia that... I like him now. His name is Jason Collins. And uh, he was dating uh, David Young's daughter at the time, right? And so uh, he... Um, now, keep in mind, like, when wrestling... You know, like, I've I've had the experience of wrestling as my full-time job, yes. right? Like, this is how I make my money. Mm-hmm. If I get hurt, I'm fucked, right? Yes. So I, I walked into the locker room one night, and we're at this real small show in Georgia... And he's like, hey, man, my name is Jason. I was like, hey, what's going on? He was like, look, man, I I don't know what I'm doing. I'm real green, blah, 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 right? I was like, all right, cool. And he's laughing, though, the whole time. Well, then I I didn't know he was fucking with me. You know what I mean? But then, uh, so then he wanted to start calling stuff. And I was like, no, nah, man, I'll, you know, I'll take care of it out there. And I, I wouldn't let him do the thing. Like, I just yeah. kept taking him down, like, you know, Grinding my yeah, because you, know. you think he's some greenhorn being a yep. dickhead. Yep, and and like he was like, "Why did you fucking do that?" And I was like, "Dude, I don't know you. You know what I'm saying? Like, you have to remember. Like, I go from town to town. Like, they fly me in. I go to a new town. I've never met the guy that I'm wrestling. Yep. I have to trust in what he says. Right. Yep. The first thing you tell me is like you don't know shit. You know what I mean? I'm not gonna trust you doing anything to me. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. You know, and like, uh, you know, like. Afterwards, he became, like, a pretty decent dude, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? But, like, I think that was a lesson to, you know what I'm saying? Like, for like for me, it was, you know, like, I'm not, and I had, like, I had, like, this guy that was with me, you know what I'm saying? Like, that had my back, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So, like, if anything popped off, like, because I've been in locker rooms where, like, I'm the only dude, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you're that, the only one you know is you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. And, like, I've had to, like, you know... I've had to, like, fight my way out of places sometimes, you know what I'm saying? Because, like, I'm not going to let people run over me, too, you know what yeah. I mean? And, uh, like, um, like, wrestling, like, especially in the South, was just so weird, man. Because, like, like, there was, like, legit heats that, like, really didn't mean anything, you know what I'm saying? Like, well, up here was the same way, where it was, like, these weird little turf wars that would start, uh-huh. or, like, these little... Like, these things that shouldn't have ever been the all-encompassing things in people's lives that they right. were. Um, I mean, even down to, like, the fights over the arena. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. when yeah. Rob Black came in yep, and, yep. like, guys, you couldn't work one place and the other. Then the people would have heat because, like, dude, I remember Trent almost, like, killing M-Dog with, yeah, the, yeah. with the driver because M-Dog went to XBW yep. and did the Baxi Boys game. Yep, yep. And, like, that's because 
this is the microcosm these guys live in. Yeah, yeah. And the weirdest little things... The problem is always biggest to you while you're in the problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You never think about it zoomed out. Right, And how it looks from a different perspective than when you're, like, constantly in. Because what, what to a lot of people, is an obstacle... I mean, you know, to... What it appears to actually be is an obstacle, and you look at it as, like, an obstruction. Right. Like, and it just is a roadblock, and... Not something you can get over or get out of the way of. Right, right, right. Yeah, and it's like, you know, uh, I used to like, especially when I was when I was booking shows, like, I would have guys like, like I had a little thing with another company, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? But I would tell my the guys that worked for me, like, yo, don't comment on it. Like, this is not, you know, what I'm saying, like, yeah, this is just like some bullshit between me and this dude. This is our personalities, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you just clash. Yeah, absolutely. And then like, um, it's just weird, like you know, like in wrestling, like I, I'm, you know, like and just the kind of person I am, like I don't hold grudges and shit like yeah. that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm just the kind of person that, like, uh, you know, like it just doesn't mean that much to me. Well, usually, when someone close to you dies when you're young, yeah, you, know, yeah. you realize the fragility of life real quick. You know? Absolutely, and you're just like, you know what? This is all petty fucking nonsense. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, like, you know, it's just... Most things can, you know, I can get over. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, like, not everybody's like that, though. You know? No. And the wrestling business is full of people who are not like that. Right, right. Like, so even when I was, when I was booking, like, I was telling somebody that today. Like, I... I worked with and used a lot of guys that I didn't personally like. Yeah. But it was good business. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. And it didn't matter. I could go in there and do business with somebody that I don't like. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I don't have to go out there and hang out with them afterwards. You know what I'm saying? Like, we can do business. You know and what I'm saying? And, this is and what move it, it is. on. Keep it moving. Yeah. And that's... I think that's a problem with the business right now. Like, it's a lot of wrestling friends. It's a right. lot of, like... Oh, these are our boys, so they're going to get booked. Not right. like this is who the best people for the job are. Right. So, like when you got when you were talking earlier about like the the landscape of wrestling right now. Like one of the things that I see is like almost all of the the indies right now are using the same guys. Yes, it's the same fifteen or twenty guys on every show. Right. And there's no. You really, only because the companies have different fucking names and use different buildings can you tell you're watching something different. Right. It's the first time I've ever seen, like, an angle started in one company, and then at the end of the match, they're promoing a show for another, this match on another show for another company. Um, I'll see you this weekend at the town... Right. The town over. And what the problems it causes is the politicking is at such a high level at this point because there's only 20 spots now. Yeah, yeah. You took an independent system that had hundreds of spots and now there's 20 fucking spots. Right, right, right. So it all comes down to who's friends with who. Yep. Who's booking what and half the time three people are booking three companies and they're all working together. The weird thing I've found out is the wrestling school system has become like this. Mm. Because up, up here, at least, when we were younger, it was like, you got good by training at four different places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, if you train, like, this area, it's like, if you train at one, you you can't train at the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not allowed. Like, right. you won't be able to train here again. And I don't, 
I think it's a bunch of guys who are delusional marks for themselves, well, fucking up a bunch of young kids who are actually trying to learn how to do this properly. Right, right, right. right. And it's a goddamn shame. Right. And that's the other shit that I really feel needs well, to the, go. Because, uh, I, I mean, like, if you go somewhere else, then you're afraid... Uh, if they go somewhere else, then they're afraid they're going to lose them to that place. They already or, gave you their or, fucking money. Or yeah, be yeah. exposed for not being as good as you but should have been. Falls back into the yeah. category of if you should yeah. be training people, yeah. you should never have to worry about yeah, that. Yeah. Right, well, I don't who, think that's a, a conscious choice. No. I think that's just a, uh, just a self... You know what I mean? Like a, like a, an un, unaware, so unaware like, sort of, uh, uh, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Reflex? Yeah. So like, that's what I, that's what I respect about Barons was mm-hmm. like when, uh, when it got time at Wildside for you to go and do something else, he let you go and do it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't like, I mean like. We weren't getting paid, so it didn't really fucking yeah. matter in that sense. But, like, you know, he would have to read book TV if I left. You know, I remember when I went to Italy for CZW, uh, they did a big match where he brought Christopher Daniels to Wildside, mm-hmm. you know, which was a big deal because Christopher yeah. Daniels actually cost money. You know? he, was on, he was, like, a yeah. top guy. And, and Dusty was point. coming in that day, too. It was all this big match. Yeah. Eight, it was, like, AJ... Gabriel and Luke Hawks and it wasn't supposed to be Luke Hawks it was supposed to be me yeah. in the match but like I chose to go to Italy with CZW because it was my first international thing so you had to put Luke in the match yeah and so like but like and then like the other side had like Abyss Christopher Daniels and somebody else yeah. you know and like Dusty was a special enforcer or whatever but like you know like I was able to go and do that and still not have any residual heat coming back yes. you know what I'm saying and like mm-hmm. I've seen guys get like territorial over people. Oh, and oh I yeah. think, you, and hurt, I think, you hurt my butt. You hurt yeah, my and butt I, like, you, it, you know, like when I needed you. And it like that hurts the person more than anything. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh yeah. It's petty. It's yeah. being petty. But I'm saying like you know like in like for example in Japan like they send guys off for excursions to make them learn and you know what I'm saying? Yes. Because when they come back, they're experienced because it's an investment in your talent. Right. Absolutely. And it's something that like. Dude, I remember the wrestling school that I was originally, like, as, like, 15, 16 years old trained at, mm-hmm. um, where Crowbar originally came out of. Um, I couldn't work there anymore because I was taking Ring of Honor book. I was, I was told I was marking out and taking Ring of Honor bookings. Uh. And I went, no, no, I, they're better bookings. Right, right. You know, the wrestling school thing of, like... Johnny Rods mm-hmm. is a, a prime example where it's like guys who work for Johnny Rods and that's the only place they work for 15 years and it's the constant like I'll, I'll get you in though right, I'll right, get right, you right. in though and unless you're 7 feet tall he's not getting you in yeah right right and that's kind of the the carny of it all that's well, still around yeah, but, the, but Taz got in in the 90s when there was just kidding, a right. quarter but this is something that no one ever wants to bring up like this is when there was a quarter of the people trying to get in the business as there yeah, are now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And it was a way harder uh, entry. Yeah. Like, I tell the young guys that all the time, like, there's more people trying to get in. Like, there's more spots on TV now than there's ever been before. Right. There's more guys who are working harder to get those jobs than there's ever been before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and, like, I, so, 
as much as like we might talk about how wrestling is different, like there's some good things that have came out of the differences. Oh, there's a lot of good things. Like, for example, who would have ever thought like Kevin Steen or Elgin Erico, those guys would be on TV? Absolutely. Yeah. Like and like you know you gotta look at somebody like Punk and Brian to open that door. You know, yes, because mm-hmm. they. Were the first like guys indie to break, darlings yeah, to really yeah. break through, but like Joe, like Samoa Joe or somebody like that, like yeah, you know, who mm-hmm. yeah, you know, they were like this at first, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, dude, I remember they they wouldn't touch Key, yeah, back absolutely. in like the early 2000s. They didn't want to touch Brian. They didn't want right. to because they didn't like the whole the working snug the way that yep. it's now the TV style of working. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, like you know, like. But they're hiring guys with all the different types of body types. Yes. And, like, you know, it's not, like, 6'2", 225. Well, and it's also the drug scene seems to have calmed down a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Which is a huge thing because, like, our generation, a bunch of guys died off left, right, mm-hmm. and center because the pill thing. Because the, mm-hmm. there was no, like, this was, it wasn't a matter of, like, you were taught one way or the other. Right. This was the norm. Right. It was like, okay, you're going to get in, you're going to get hurt, here's some pills, keep yep. going, do this. If you run out of pills, ask someone in the locker room, someone yep. will take yep. care of you. And now, I don't see, I don't even see guys smoking weed, really. Right. Like, I'll see a handful of guys, like, guys are worrying about their health. Guys right. are worrying about CTE. They're mm-hmm. worrying about, like, life after wrestling for once, which right. is, I mean, Matt McIntosh, who is one of our guys who I think is one of the best indie guys out right now. Uh-huh. He also is getting his, uh, not physical therapy, yeah, physical therapy degree. Because he's like, no, like, I realized, like, I'm 30. Right. So I need to figure something else out, too, because not that I might not make it, but that my body's not going to be able to take this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Australian Suicide, who's AAA Cruiserweight Champion right now, Mm -hmm. who I lived with us at Teddy's house when I was, like, when he was, like, 18. Right. Um. 25 and is already like oh yeah I'm petrified of like what happens to me in my 30s and shit like that right. so that's an awareness I don't really think we had no you know I, well I mean I think a lot of us were sold a dream oh yeah especially like you know if you came up in 98 you had WCW ECW WWE you know what I'm saying yeah, like, yeah. you had those opportunities uh, is this uh, a thing that I started saying um, probably months ago so all we, all we are is just dreamers selling dreams to other dreamers. Yep. yep. And that's you know I think that's you know it's funny because I, I thought of something earlier when we were talking about uh, Wild Side and Bill mm-hmm. Barons and they only worked for Bill twice, like ever. But right. I learned just a, a pretty valuable thing, and I I think I can since you since you brought it up, I've been thinking about. Uh, Applying this into a, a value in uh-huh. in, uh, in in life, really, because he uh, like maybe two thousand three when I went down uh-huh. there, I, before my match, I started trying to get the fans to clap yeah. before I before I locked up, and he was like he was like, don't try to get them to clap, they'll clap from your work. Yep, they'll clap watching you work. Yep, you don't need to clap, and I never did it again. But I mean. No, I start, I start thinking about, like, how it applies. It's like, I, oh, I have to advertise to you that I'm comp... Like, yeah. oh, I, like, I don't need your... I don't need you're, your... You're begging your, people to... Yeah, I don't need to beg you to really uh, to really get on board with this right. thing. You know what I mean? So, 
it's it's applicable yeah. to to a lot of things. Absolutely, like Les Thatcher is a huge person like that. Not clapping before. Mm-hmm. I I I actually go over it in my seminars too. Is like the way you wrestle, like the way people can wrestle, tells that story of who's the mm-hmm. babyface and who's the heel. Like, right. Like uh, you know, like I I learned from like Jody Hamilton, like you know when you lock up, uh, you know the heel should take the first. Hold because the babyface needs to out wrestle them. You know what I'm right. saying? And so like being being able to do those things and like people don't have to do that. But yeah, I, absolutely. Like well, you're you're saying like you should like me before I've shown you any reason to like. Me. Right. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Because if you if you lock up with somebody and the person puts you right in the headlock and gets arrogant about it, right? And you're like, all right, the guy who just put that guy in the headlock is the right. dick. Yep. But like. Uh, I always say in my in my matches when I'm calling I'm like if we do a double down and we get back up mm-hmm. if I'm the heel let me throw first yep, yep. there's absolutely no way you as a babyface should throw on me before yeah, yeah. before I throw on you because yep. you, you want to wrestle you only just, babyfaces you, just you throw first are Han Solo and Hulk Hogan <laughs> right <laughs> right uh, Hulk Hogan wrestled like a total heel yeah but ever. well Hogan usually like it was block punch though yeah you know what I'm saying yeah but yeah. he he was doing back rakes and things as a baby oh, yeah, face, yeah. though. And, and Hulk Hogan had no eye pokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. right in front of the ref. <laughs> no one... He never got disqualified. Right. Well, that's another thing that guys nowadays kind of lost on them, is, like, how to use the ref to their advantage. How to make that... Make make something that makes oh, sense. Yeah. But, like, I... Like, most of my seminars are two hours just on psychology. And, like, people... Uh, I mean, like, so I... Like, I was somebody that, you know, like, most of my career was under 200 pounds. Yeah. I can't do any backflips or anything like moonsaults, 450s or anything like that. But uh, because I just had to learn how to psychology, you know what I'm saying? And so, you know, how do you invoke emotion from people? And so, like, um, but yeah, like, you know, like people don't know how to use the referee. Like, a lot of times, like, especially in tag matches, they, like, actually turn the ref heel. You know what I mean? Because... He's taking, stuff. he's taking heat yeah, yeah. for doing his job wrong. Right, he right. should be get he should be pointed in the wrong direction. Right. Right. It's yeah. the same with telling jokes. Misdirection yeah. is like such an important part of getting over your punchline and everything like right. that. Like and it's yeah, like they're tag spots where there's just a thousand things going on and the ref's staring or they're cheating right in yeah, front yeah, of them. Yeah. Or like eye pokes in front of the ref. Right. Um, or this one. You know what I mean? Like, a ref shouldn't let that happen, you know what I mean? He should be like, I didn't see you tag, get the fuck out, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that's, and that's also because a lot of, there's a, the amount of calling that goes on nowadays. Yep. Like, it's like, oh, don't do your job as a ref and fuck up my spot. Yeah, Because now I didn't get to get my shit in. Well, I think a lot of it has to do with, like, some of that, I'm not gonna say all of it, but I think some of it has to do with, like, ref refs not knowing everything they yeah. need to know. Well, that's that's uh, a big a big part not of it. not just knowing everything they need to know as far as their spots are concerned, but not knowing everything they need to know as far as being trained yeah, yeah, correctly. Yeah. Well, that's a lot of refs aren't trained. Yeah, absolutely. They're just some guy who like oh, you can you can do this. Oh, yep. oh great. Put a put a put a striped shirt on you, you get out there. Right. Like and we've been fortunate enough to be around some good refs, mm-hmm. but also there are some really bad ones. Oh yeah. My, some of my favorite moments from Ring of Honor were Gabe throwing tantrums when refs would fuck up finishes. Right, right. The keyboard, I mean, the uh, clipboard just going straight up in the air, 1,000 expletives, like, 
Most of his were like usually from Wayne fucking up the music though. Yes, but Hanson a couple times. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Turner a couple yeah, times. Yeah. Who the fuck finishes and? My favorite ref ever is Todd Sinclair though. I think he's one of the best refs there is. I don't know him. I I like Fat Pants. I know who he is, but I don't know him. I've never. I, the I, best I was uh, my first. The first house shows I did for Ring of Honor or for TNA were in Canada, and Earl Hebner was my ref, and I hugged him <laughs> in front of everybody. Like that's how I became a heel. Like, that's wonderful. <laughs> Just heel. That's that's great heel. He yeah, Canada though. Because he, uh, he screwed. Bro. Working up there was dude. First time I worked in Canada was just weird. Mm-hmm. Like in terms of like how eighties they were. Yeah, yeah. In terms of what they bit for and everything like that, I was I was used to work in Philly where it was a thousand miles an hour. Head drops. So, Head drops. Yeah. So like, so that's another thing I talk about in seminars too. Is like, um, I traveled with uh, Brian for about three years. Mm-hmm. We like we rode with Sinclair and and Bobby Bruce, and so uh, I learned, We would sit behind the curtain the first few matches in the show, and I learned. To listen to the crowd and see what the crowd likes, right? And like a lot of people thought, like every Ring of Honor crowd was the same, but it wasn't. Like you couldn't do the same shit you did in Dayton and do it in New York City because it yeah. didn't fly, right? And like we had our spots. We had Dayton, Chicago, New York, Philly, you know, Baltimore, yeah, uh, Edison. You know what I'm saying? Like you knew what to do yeah. in what city, right? And so uh, you know, because some things just didn't work in, in places, you know. And so, uh, you know, like, but same thing, like, when I wrestle in the South, I definitely can't do the same shit I do in Philly. Yeah. But, like, I've learned if I can uh, get the people invested in the character in the first, like, two or three minutes, then I can wrestle my style after that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, like, when I was wrestling, um, I remember the, my second house show for TNA, we were in Ottawa. Ontario, and uh, I was wrestling Chris Harris, and it was on his way out to be Braden Walker. It was like his last shows, and he shot me off. Terry Taylor was the agent on the tour, and this was the worst tour ever because I was the new guy. I had to get the rental, and the rental cost like eight hundred dollars. Oh yeah, because like Canada's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, the cost of everything. Yeah, and like everybody was mad at me because rental thing, whatever. And so uh, Chris shot me off. And the top rope broke. Oh, shit. And I was like, oh, fuck. And then I turned around, and I was like, hit me with your finish. Hit me with his finish. So two minutes, one, two, three, right? Mm-hmm. We get to the back, and Terry Taylor goes, who called that finish? And he fucking threw me on the bus. He's like, Jimmy did. And he was like, good. No no need to get hurt out there tonight. You know? Yep. Like, yep. Awesome. Dude. So he, what you thought may have been a... May have been a oh shit he just yeah. threw, he just threw me out of the bus. Well, he was trying to. He, and that, he thought yeah. We were gonna, well, yeah, well, yeah. What you were thinking it's, maybe it's two of us are in here. that position, and I'm on the way out, but I'm yeah. still not going to get fucked over. Yeah, yeah. That's but, such a bullshit. But <laughs> but then Terry was like, "Dude, good job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, yeah. good, good way to call it. Right, right. That, that, I mean, that's smart. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Terry knows his shit. Yeah, Terry. You know, like uh, being around Terry was always really good. Like he, um, he's like like, a real straight shooter for the most part. And, like, I, I remember when he offered me my deal. Like, I wrestled there, I wrestled there, like, four months without a deal. And it was always, like, really sketchy, you know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. I'm like, fuck, man, they're going to stop using me today. They're going to stop using me today. My first Ring of Honor contract, 
uh, it was for two years, but there was no dates, guaranteed dates on it. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, you know, like, I was promised, like, oh, we're going to use you on everything. We already use you on everything, right? And then I went to Japan, I came back, and they're like, well, we need to have you off these two shows because we have more Shima in. And I was like, seriously, I just signed a contract. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. now you're pulling me off of stuff, you know? Yeah, like, I would have stayed in fucking Japan. Right. And so, um, so, uh, luckily when I got to TNA, least they know you're gonna get like 26 dates you know what mm-hmm. i'm saying and like uh and so uh so like when terry offered me my deal he was like what do you offer the company and i said like um i can have good matches with everybody um it doesn't matter if i win or lose i'll keep my heat and like uh you know like i don't see myself as being like a main event guy he was like oh everything was great except for the last thing you should always see yourself as being a main event guy so that was something i learned from him like to always work towards that, you know. Yeah. What I'm yeah. Like I, I've always been like cool, just being like middle of card dude. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like I think like a, a lot of guys don't know how like to work for their spot on the card. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, like when I book a show, like I don't believe double down should be in every match. Like yeah. I think that's a main event thing mm-hmm. or a right before intermission thing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I don't think a lot of guys know how to work for their place on the card. No, I definitely, I, Alpha, like, the first time I ever experienced that was at Alpha's, mm. and uh, I worked D-Ray, mm-hmm. um, and we had a really great match. The finish, though, was the Eddie Guerrero, because he was their Cruiserweight champion, uh-huh. that tossed the belt, yeah, boom, yeah. he sells, I get disqualified, and I got pulled in the office afterwards, and I got bitched at, because I wasn't booked that way. Right. And I didn't get it at the time, mm-hmm. but now being on the production end and in the back and, like, right. from when we ran our shows up in Canada, like, I understood it intrinsically where it's like, no, I don't, I don't need you to look like the guy. Right. Not everyone gets to be the guy, like, but in order for him to be the guy, I need you to be the guy that makes him look like mm-hmm. he's way bigger than he is. Right, right. Well, you know. And that's, that, that goes right back to, like, uh, the... Like the the comparisons in pro wrestling and comedy, mm-hmm. like um, Mike Birbiglia has a thing where he talked mm-hmm. about uh, how delusional you got to be to be a comic. Mm-hmm. He's like, you get up there, you eat shit, you do terrible, you bomb the first night, and you're like, all right, I think that went pretty well. I'm gonna go to the next mm-hmm. town and do it the next night. Right. And it's like, but in in wrestling, it's like, oh, except that you're you're a mid carter shit bag. You know what I mean? Like that. Just accept your role. Uh, don't want anything else. Right. But but be delusional enough to continue doing it. Yeah, but I mean, look at Funaki, man. Like, oh yeah. He, <laughs> well, no, like, like I, I realized that. I love to be Funaki. I mean, but that's what I realized at a young age too. Was like in WWE, you can have a job yeah. up yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. on the in on on this 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 level, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Low, low, low level. Yeah, you shouldn't like, want to do that. No. Why? Why would you? Why would you? Why would you accept that place? Right. Yeah, you shouldn't. Like, Right, that's why. Like I, mm. I had so many fallings out, falling out with companies because I'm like, hey, I I've got the talent way more than most of these people who right. have convinced you that they're, they're valuable. Right, and you're just giving me shit for speaking my mind. Right, right. You know right. what I mean? And so it, it's really like, all right, I'm gonna not, I'm not gonna put up with abuse. Right, 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 right. Or uh, I'm not being delusional by thinking that I deserve to be higher up yep. on your card. Yep. And I think, you know, like, I, you know, 
comics for the same thing. Like, I don't think... I think it would be bad to aspire to be an opener. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I think, like... Uh, you want to kill. You want to have... You want to be able to headline. Like, right. it's, it's a weird thing, like, just starting it now. Where, like, I'll talk to guys who do comedy as, like, this is what they do. And they're like, it takes eight years. Mm-hmm. And I look at it and, like, the, the guys who are just starting also, they're like, how are you... Like, you don't have stage fright, and you're just, you're able to be spontaneous, and it's like, oh no, because I grew up having to do this in extreme situations, right. where if I was not able to think on my feet, I could get paralyzed. Right. The worst that can happen is nobody laughs at my fucking jokes. Right, right, right. And the way we learn to talk, the way we learn to pace things, everything, mm-hmm. it lends to being on a stage, and it lends to being creative. You know what's so different, man? And I mean... So different, but so the same. Like when I'm at uh, when I'm at a wrestling show and I'm in the match, I feel like I heard the crowd so well, and they pop real good for this, and they hated that, they didn't like this, and they maybe like that. But then I watch it back, and I'll be like, oh, they really liked the thing I didn't think they liked, mm. and they really didn't like the thing that that person did or that. And in comedy. I'm like, dude, you killed. And then you watch it back and you're like, no, I didn't do good. No, that's like, uh, like I, I'm, or when I tell a joke and I'm like, oh, I felt like that went over really well and it just kind of. Right, right, right. Like, that's like, I kind of revel in bombing because that's how I got decent as a worker. And it's how yeah, I yeah. got, like, commentary and fucking, like, actually, like, writing shows and shit. Uh-huh. I got good at it. Yeah. Was like, Doing shitty at it for yeah. so long. I mean, that's anything in life, though. You learn in your failures. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, there's this guy that wrestles in Georgia, and, like, he, uh, he came, you know, this is what I was booking shows, and, like, I have the headset on, like, and I'm, you know, I'm also wrestling on the show and all this mm-hmm. shit. He came to the back, and he was like, uh, yo, uh, you know, you know, asked me about something. I was like, oh, well, you need to do this, this, and this different, right? Mm-hmm. And then he just goes, dude, all you ever do is tell me the shit I do wrong, blah, 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 blah. And I said, what the fuck, man? I threw the headset, and I was like, dude, you walked to the ring well, okay? That's what you did well. <laughs> I said, why the fuck do I need to tell you what you do well? You don't need to change that. Yes. You know what I'm saying? That's the thing you don't Well, that's change. something that I, I saw, like, doing when I was, when we were running in Canada, and mm-hmm. uh, seeing the States, too, where it's like, the new, the younger guys, like on the lower levels, there's a lot of like patting on the back after. Yeah, like, absolutely. How was it? Oh, it was great. How would you think it was great? And the, if anyone tells them anything that's not, it was great. They get like this weird kind of like, well, how dare you? Right, right. Uh, right. How how could you tell me that I'm not I'm not great? Like, <laughs> Brian Kendrick talks about that on Stone Cold's podcast. He talks about the new 205 guys. Yeah, he's like, they do their match and they jump on Twitter. To see if they did good or not. You know what I mean? And he goes, like, that's not how I was brought up. No. Like, how I was brought up is, like, yo, man, like, I need to know what I did wrong to fix that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I had guys like Bob Holly and Benoit, like, yelling at me, like, hey, motherfucker, you need to do this different. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, but, like, they don't have that now. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And, Uh, like, they're playing video games in the locker room. You know what I'm saying? All all this shit that wouldn't fly at all. Yep. When we were coming up, that is now the norm. Right. And I, like, it's, 
there's more of a theater kid feel to it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like a weird half jock thing when we were younger. Where yeah. now it's like that part's almost all gone, and it's this weird like theater nerd feel to a lot of the guys. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, so if you weren't doing this, you'd be an actor, right? Or you'd be a poet or something. Like, you wouldn't be a construction worker or a MMA fighter right, right, right. or something like a bouncer or like yeah. that. So, you see like, less think, and less I of think that. Pro wrestling went from uh, like blue collar working class uh, like performers right to like uh, uh, privileged privileged yeah. performers like right uh, or is it well like I mean well, no, the people... generations that the generations that follow mm-hmm. are always a little bit more privileged than this than the previous because it costs so much fucking money yeah, yeah and that's the thing is like eating right. Your gear, uh, like the investment you have to put in yourself yeah. to really look the part nowadays is a big one. Right. So if you're younger and your folks don't have money, yeah, um, it's difficult. It's difficult yeah. You know, if you're if you're in your like late twenties, early thirties and you're not making a good enough living in your real life, it's difficult. Yeah, yeah. You know, like eating I mean shit dude, eating alone, that'll be two hundred dollars a week. Yeah. I, like the ki- the kids that were at the show that, that I did today, like you know, like I offered to do seminars there and stuff like that, and they're like, we can't afford that, you know. I'm like, yeah. you guys can't afford like five or ten dollars a piece a week, you know. what I'm saying no. like, that's that's, that's an investment in yourself, though. you know. What but some priorities. But when that. you're 22 with a kid, yeah, 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 and you make seven, you know, like or even ten dollars an hour, right? But your rent is you know nine hundred dollars a month. And you're the only one working in your family, right. like yeah, you don't have five, ten bucks. Right, right, right. And a lot of the, a lot of like the smaller towns, because the economies are bad and things like that, you find a lot of guys that like that. that the one show I went to with a friend of ours, where I was just like, "What the fuck am I doing here? Why mm-hmm. have I? I hate this shit so much." Sometimes, um, the guys like. Yeah, you know, I really want to make a go with this. And I was like, well, how many times a week do you train in the ring? Right. I don't. Right. Well, okay, well, why? Well, I have five kids. Right. And I drive a truck. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, then you're a truck driver. You're going to make more money than you do wrestling. Right. And no one's hitting you in the head with anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, except you're a truck driver, though. Right. Like, be logical about shit. Yeah, and, like, what happens if he breaks his leg wrestling? And that's that's the thing, like... Dude, I remember um, I ran into Echoes, Robbie, uh-huh. yep, yep, yep. and I, me and him. He does that show that I did today. Yeah, it, me and him came up together like when we were like uh-huh. high schoolers. Right. And uh, first thing he said to me, fucking prick, was <laughs> he goes, he goes, dude, what happened? You used to be all jacked. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you ass. <laughs> it was great to see him. Like I, I like Rob. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the one thing we were talking about is like how certain shit never changes. Mm-hmm. And he goes, he's like, yeah, the, I was like, the creeps never leave. He goes, yeah, I worked two of them tonight. Because he worked uh, two people we won't name on air because um, I don't know what anyone's trying to do with politics. Right. Because one of them still wears a crown and sits at commentator tables. Sometime. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's like this weird, like, seeing some of the guys there that's like, oh no, they still want to make it. Right. But they're like 37. And they don't train, and they they're yeah, juiced. Yeah. You can't be juiced up and get signed right now. Yeah, yeah. Nah, it's the nah. first time ever that you can't be juiced up and get signed. Right. 
But Brian Cage is the only one who gets away with being big. Right. Because he, he's natural. Well, right. as, as natural as you can be. Right. Like, we brought him up in Canada. We brought him up when we first did the shows with AAA. Uh-huh. And he was huge then. Right. But he was nowhere near as big as he is now. Right, right. He's... But because of the microscope we've been under but as a business after Benoit. Yep. Like, that's the shit that doesn't fly anymore. It's like the super juiced, um, which I, I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing. Because it, the, more, part of the draw when we were kids was that um, I didn't look like I could beat any of these fuckers in a fight ever. Right. Yeah, yeah, Like, yeah. looking, dude, Haku and Barbarian. Right. Was two of the scariest dudes I ever saw. Right. But these were all guys like special forces backgrounds, ex-military, ex-football mm. players, like the old, old Stampede guys were all like ex-football yeah, and yeah. things like that. Because you couldn't realistically get in the business at 14 yeah, in yeah. the 80s. Right. You know, unless your dad was a yep. worker. Yep. Um, and then like the late 90s, the wrestling school thing started happening. Mm-hmm. And then the 2000s, the anyone can do this, anyone can have a do wrestling school that, thing started do happening. Do you think that... that- started around here? Do you think that started with Mazda Factory? The yeah, wrestling the school first, thing? Was that the first one? Um, them, the Hearts, Heart Brothers was a big one. Yo, somebody posted on Twitter today uh, a picture of Scott Namore from 1993 and his letter to uh, Monster Factory trying to get in. He was like, dear Mr. Larry Shelley. And, and that, dude, and that, that was dude like... Was, that dude was a weirdo. Carney. Scott. No, 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 not not Scott. I'm talking about no, yeah, Larry, Larry Sharp. Larry Sharp. Yeah, yeah. The, well, that's the, and that's the thing is he's like, he's also a part of the generation that needed to die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, he he was nice to people that he was nice and helped out people that I love, but uh, that doesn't mean that I have to say that I. He's not a good person, right, right? Well, that's we've had the conversation many times. Like, usually saying someone's a good brother means they're a shitty human being. Yeah, right. right you know, right. like usually like the guys who were like. Oh yeah, well. Oh, you mean he was a good guy because he didn't say anything about your rape and uh, would right. throw your drugs out if you OD'd in a hotel room. Right. Okay. Right. Great. Yeah. Like, right. Um, it's yeah. It's it's tough when you say someone's a good guy. When you talk about wrestlers and you say, "Oh, good guy," that's usually a good way to say that they're not a talented wrestler. Right. It used to be it was like a secret society type of thing. Yep. Like yep. you had to have a vouch from someone else to yep. bring you in. Mm-hmm. Even kind of like I had to have one of my neighbors who'd been in the business and was working for Alpha and shit mm-hmm. lie and say I was his cousin for the first like five years I was in the mm-hmm. business. Just so no one would beat the shit out of me because I was a little kid. Right. Um, but it was also because ECW was around here. That late 90s post-Attitude Era boom is when... The wrestling school thing went from where there was six, maybe, in North America right. that you you could find out about, and they would pretty much fucking kill you right. in order to see if you would make it or not. Right, right, right. To where it became, like, a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Roland Alexander, yep. when they did the Beyond the Mat, mm-hmm. and, you know, that style of guy who, well, he didn't ever do anything in the business, and his guys weren't working anywhere but for him, but people, they just wanted to be there. They yeah, just yeah. wanted to be a part of it. No one... The other weird thing is no one really had an, under, an understanding of how any of this shit worked. Right. Like, until, like, about... Two, probably 2007. Yeah. You know, because realistically, from a psychological standpoint, from a health standpoint and everything, you can look at it as everything before Benoit and everything after is yeah. two completely different eras. Right. Um, but no, like, my parents, college-educated people... 
my mom taught high school. My dad owned a hardware store. Like, mm. they, yeah, go, fine, just go. Mm. Having no fucking conceivable idea how it worked, any of the culture behind it or anything, because right. it was so heavily guarded. Mm-hmm. Because of the boom, though, any asshole could open a wrestling school. You didn't need a license to run the show. Right. Vince said it, it was, I think, 98, 97, 98. He didn't want to pay tax in the state of New Jersey. So sports entertainment. Yep, yep, sports entertainment. And from there, it became the, well, it's entertainment. Anyone can do it. Right, right. Problem is, is not everyone's an athlete. Right. Not everyone's body's made to handle this. Right. And the reason, half the reason we were in the gym all the time and training all the time was because otherwise, discs start popping out yeah, of place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And fucking, you're, things, there was a lot of times I, I was on the gas so I would not feel hurt. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, oh, hell I would, yeah. I would take some DECA or something. Like Just was, so you can yeah, keep moving around. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I remember um, while this was when we were running like Rexplex. Uh-huh. I got really sick. Summer after I got graduated high school, I lost 50 pounds of muscle. Or, I'm sorry, 30 pounds of muscle. Mm-hmm. And then when I moved up to Calgary the first time, I juiced up and I got it all back real quick. Right. And I was moving around well again. Right. And I, I had the energy that I lost and everything. It was like, oh, okay. Now I get why guys do this. It's not just to be big. Right, right, right. It's, Billy Gunn was uh, one of the first guys I ever heard say, like, we shouldn't be banning steroids and painkillers. We should be banning painkillers and prescribing steroids. Right. Because this will help guys heal quicker. Right. Like, if done properly, they're great. Yep. Dude, we're all in our fucking mid-30s. We're all going to have to go on them soon because of fucking yep. getting hit in the head and fucking... Our body's being used to them and growth hormones slowing down and everything. Mm-hmm. It's it's becoming a fact of life at this point with medical science being what it is. Right. But because of guys who were juiced to the gills, growth hormone out of their fucking ears. Right. And looking like superheroes, which on one hand was part of the allure. Right. Like the larger than life, the there's you wouldn't encounter someone like that on the streets. Well yeah, but then there's the comparing yourself to it forever. You know what I mean? Yeah. That that that, that pays a toll on your cycle. Mm-hmm. You know your mm-hmm. psychological uh, yeah. thought. You That's know, the self self yes. uh, view. Your yeah. self worth is caught up in like you know watching Wrath wrestle El Dandy. El Dandy. Yeah. But <laughs> he looks like Nacho Libre. Yeah. You know what I mean? Can, Another thing. But he probably in real life you see that guy you're like wow this dude's Jack. But standing next to Wrath. Right. You know what I mean? He's probably just some. You know, he looks like some doughy, some doughy pale guy. Right. But, like, you know, uh, I, like, I think that was, like, the time that I got heavily into, like, especially steroids was, like, I was, my, my addiction to it was uh, mental. Like, I was like, fuck, man, I need to look a certain way. And if I can't get there, then fuck. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. yep. That was my big thing. It's like, you gotta look like you belong in this Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. you know, and, and and everything I was being told was that. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like, yo, 6'2", 225. You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, you need to, traps need to be here. Yep, abs, yep. you need the whole, the whole thing or no one's gonna fucking... How tall are you? I'm six foot. Yeah. And it was always regardless of how you worked. Right. It was always up until Brian and... and yeah. Fucking well, I meant, like, I, and I tell guys, like, the, like, you know... What again? Like what I talk about? Like how wrestling is now is good. You know what I mean? Like because they're 
like the guys that are getting signed are the guys that I think are creative. Yep. That do really good stuff. That really love wrestling. Yes. You know, Seth Rollins. You know, Punk. You know, Dan, Daniels and all that. So, uh, but like when I got offered a, a deal, it was in 2007. It was either OVW or Deep South. And, like, I could not watch OVW TV because everybody looked the fucking same. And yep. everybody wrestled the same. Yep. The matches were the same, dude. Like, everybody knew the same holds because mm-hmm. they were being taught the same. Yeah. They were hiring guys based on look and putting them into school and teaching them the same shit. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And which made everything bland. But now that you have guys, you know, that are seasoned, that are in NXT... The matches are more flavorful and different, you know? Yeah. You have Ricochet, and you have Hero, you know what I'm saying? Well, that's another... On Ricochet, that's another big thing. It's like, we're getting real athletes back in the business. Right. We lost that for a while. Yeah, yeah. Where it wasn't a viable thing. Right, but I mean, like, even him when he first started, you oh, know yeah. what I'm saying? He was a little like, kid. He was a yeah. too So small. And, but no, but that... Okay, even even Neville, do... dude, like, I was on his first tour of Dragon Gate, yeah. dude. And, like, just, like, super small, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then they stuck him over there, and, like, he had to, you know, be around Seema and those guys, and those guys worked out all the time, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, mm-hmm. just got in really... Have you seen the Chinese kids? Yeah, like, they're... That Seema? Yep. Jesus Christ, they're doing some things that, like, I couldn't even imagine. Yeah, that's crazy. The one kid's hopping, running down the aisle, uh-huh. hopping from the ground to the apron for a split second, then jumping over the top rope and hitting yeah. a double stomp. It's crazy. And it's, that's because they, tr- they train, like, I heard when, I would hear about your guys' regimens over there when you mm-hmm. were training at the dojos for Dragon I, I, I never had a train at the dojo. Well, I, I would do sessions, but mm-hmm. yeah, I wasn't in the dojo that much. Like. I, w- I was in the New Japan dojo a little bit. Okay. Yeah. But it's, it's a different level of training. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I, I remember once where, like, me and Matt did, like, three months together one time. Me and Seidel, and like what we would do is like we would have like a Japanese day, mm-hmm. you know, because Dragon Gate was different. We ran two hundred days a year. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So like you're, I I I remember one time I did seventeen days straight without a without a break. Damn. And we're on the bus every day. Too, yeah. You know, it's fucking brutal. But uh, like um, you know, we would have uh, on on most tours it was like a couple of us Americans, me, Matt, or Jack, or whoever. Mm-hmm. As was with you guys for a tour. Yeah. He was kind of a bitch, though. Like, <laughs> like he let a girl talk him home. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, like, that's, I, I got that's mad at always him. been Walter's And so, uh, so we would have an American training day, like, that one of us would run. Mm-hmm. And then, like, Pentagon Black or Skyda would be there, and we would do, like, a Lucha day. Yeah. And then uh, Arai would do, like, the Japanese day. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, like... You know, like, that's where I learned to do a lot of lucha, too, you know what I'm saying? Because, yeah. like, I was doing, like, all, all these matches, like, either Sky or... You guys would come back, like, fucking ten steps ahead of... Absolutely. Per yeah, tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? Even, like, I would jump off tour and just, you know, like, go right back on, like, uh, like an American schedule, you know what I'm saying? And just be, like... Even though I'd be, like, tired as shit, you know what I'm saying? But, like, no just because your, your, your body got used to working every day, you know, you're like, fuck it, you know, like, yeah. I can work two days a week, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, it's nothing. Like, fucking, and that's, like, there's certain influences that carried over uh-huh. from that era that I'm happy about. Right. Like, I always liken it to, like, it's movies. Mm-hmm. 80s is John Wayne movies. 
now some guys are making Michael Bay movies where it's just explosions, yep. and some guys are still, they're making The Godfather. Right, right. And there's room now for everything. Mm-hmm. There's room for Mike Quackenbush making fucking Lord of the Rings, whatever the fuck he's doing. Right. And there's an audience for all of it, yep. which is the coolest part. Mm-hmm. But there's also, there needs to be kind of an agreed upon status. Like, yeah. I, if someone, if we're booking a show and someone says, oh, Jimmy Ray have trained me. Okay, well, I know you got good training. Mm-hmm. I know you're competent in the ring. I know Jimmy wouldn't allow you out here using right, his right. name if you weren't a pro- learning to be a professional, at least. Yeah, but that, but bro, like, that is so on the promoter, man. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, so, like, just like we were talking about with the YouTube and, like, all the different niche that there is, same thing with wrestling. Dude, I, for example, I went to the the Game Changer Tournament of Survival, yeah. their deathmatch show, and I loved it. And, like, they had 1,200 people there. It was, like, the old CZW, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, I was like, holy shit. I had just gone and did a spot at CZW, and there was, like, 100 people there. Mm-hmm. And then I go in and see, like, 1,200 here. And it's, like, this underground, like, you know, like, Nick Gage is a fucking god, you know what I'm saying? Dude, like, it's crazy. It's crazy. Right? And, uh, and it, like, you know, like, I got goosebumps. I was like, alright, this is, you know, where it's at, you know what I'm saying? But, like, like I'm not a deathmatch wrestler, but I love watching Right, yeah. and so like you know, I just got booked for um, Tremont. Like he just called, uh, hit me up today, mm-hmm. and so I'm wrestling Alex Cologne at like in September for them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Which is like something like that I'm excited about because it's like out of my element. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, but like there, there's room for all of that shit. You know what I'm saying? Like there's room for Chikara. That like I I really liked like that. You know, like people can. If they want to watch, like, uh, you know, Lucha stuff, they can watch Lucha stuff. If they want to watch World of Sport, they can watch World of Sport. Yeah, like, there's so much variety. Yeah, yeah. And, the and, like, and that can, and, like, I, I believe in the heyday of Ring of Honor, like, the 2006, 2005, there was all of that in a, in a show. Yes. You know what I'm saying? I don't see that now. Like, the last time I was at Ring of Honor, it was 2013, and I just couldn't stay there, dude, like... Because it became about money and... It's a different, like... Nana invited me to last time they were running mm-hmm. in Philly. And I just... I, I was going to go and I'm like, I, I don't I don't want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, that's usually how I am with shows. Um, it's one of those things, though, that Sinclair brought him out. Sinclair's a very, very right-wing owned media group. Yep. So they have certain ideals and certain things that they're going to they're gonna push. Um and there's certain things that they're going to want to homogenize. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, uh, I don't want to say a lot, but there's at least a handful of guys in that company that never would have been in that company when it started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Absolutely. Don't, that actually fit the prototype of guys you wouldn't use. Right, right. right. Um, but it's TV wrestling. Yeah. They became, t- it started as something that wasn't. It started as... This is where you're going to get 30 minute matches with yeah, the best absolutely. guys in the world. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. where you're going to get angles that no one else is really going to do. Right. I mean, dude, we were doing drug culture shit. Yep. Um, punk with the him and Raven with the yep. fucking that whole gimmick with the his dad and everything. Like, mm-hmm. they knew how to hit the nerves of people. They knew right. how to get people because it was something different. Right. Now it's not, right. and I think that's the main thing. Is like. Especially with New Japan coming to the States, you're looking like a lesser rate New Japan, and business-wise, you're making 
bold maneuvers that are backfiring. Yeah. Um, the Garden thing. They lost the Garden because they wanted to run it the day before WrestleMania. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's wow. why they lost the Garden. Triple A's running the Garden in fucking like three months. Wow. Which is with no American TV whatsoever. Right. Like, that's in, in absolute insanity. Right. But they'll probably draw. And even if they don't, because they have so much fucking money, it doesn't matter. Right. It's the, we ran it. They could paper it. Mm-hmm. Dude, they're drawing 30,000 in Mexico City. Right. Like, they're doing ridiculous numbers for their big shows. Right. Um, but that's the era now, is everyone banded together to buy in. Which is fine. But it's not. I think, I think the biggest thing for me too is like when I when I started Ring of Honor, like I walked into the room like this was at CZW too. Like when I came to the arena, like everybody was in the ring, learning from each other. Yeah, just rolling around, like not even going over their match per se, but like just rolling around. Yeah. Like now, like I feel like this generation is entitled to where. Like, I'll go to shows and help set up the ring. You know what I'm saying? But, like, there's, there's uh, like, students that won't touch that shit. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And I'm just like, what the fuck, man? Like, <coughs> what is going on here? It's a respect. We were kind of beaten. It was beaten into us. Well, right. like, it has to do with, uh, here, here's the thing, man. Like, I think that, I think that there's a certain amount of, uh, humility that we were supposed to be taught, mm-hmm. like, and our generation hang hung on to it. Right now, the humility that's supposed to be taught to the newer generation, it's hard when they can feel like a superstar just because they have a, a social media presence. Right, right. You know what I mean? Like everyone can feel like a celebrity because they have their picture on the internet. Yeah. Like yeah. my friend, one of my friends, when I, one of the people. I love very much, but he's kind of a crazy person. Mm-hmm. Uh, he created uh, he created some Facebook, and uh, he communicates with people in different countries, and now he thinks he's famous. Right. And it's like, why? Because of Facebook? You think right. He's like, Google me, bro. Google me, bro. Right. Like, so, you're, it's, it's, the, it's the generation of uh, humility, being humble. Mm-hmm. You know, pro wrestling, that word used to mean something. Right. And, oh, listen to me sound like an old fart. Like, oh, that used to mean something. No, it, it's... But in, in, in not even just in pro wrestling. Yeah. In life. In, 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 in general. It, you, you had to have something to get noticed. And right, that's yeah. what it came down and to. you don't know. No. And, like, I remember when reality TV first came out, like, and it became a thing. I was dating this actress, and she would go on and on about, this is such bullshit... It's taking jobs away from people mm. who actually fucking try to, to write things and mm. have a craft and everything like that. And then when with wrestling, like with Matt Ratz and Wrestling Society X, trying to get a show on the air. Mm-hmm. And you're realizing, like, we can't get a wrestling show on the fucking TV, but all of this is, is things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's because, dude, Instagram now. People are famous and getting sponsorships because... Of their fucking Instagrams yep. when they work at like a coffee shop. Mm-hmm. Dude, tell tell them about the guy. There's a guy at Corey's job who did they lift at the same like work gym. Has a collar and elbow uh, collar and elbow sponsorship. He's not a worker. <laughs> he's just he's some not guy in the business, but he has his own ambassador site, his own web store because he buys all their shirts. Oh wow! 
He's just some. He was a fat kid, and he got real skinny, and I guess post pictures on the. I don't know. I don't know him. Right. I mean, um, <clears throat> I went up to him and I was like, "Oh, cool! Like, uh, so you like? I, that's why I start. I went up to him and I started talking to him. And I was like, "Hey, Colin Ronaldo. All right." And he was like, "Oh, you know, it's Al Snow's thing." And I was like, "Yeah, I know." Mm-hmm. Like, and I was like, "Yeah, who who do you know that's sponsored?" And he was like, "Me." Like, who are you? Right. And he's like, oh, my name's... I forget what he said, but... <laughs> then he, he was like, what's your name, man? And I was like, I'm Corey. And he was like, Castle? We're friends on Facebook. And I was like, oh, okay, cool, man. Um, but that, like, I'm like, oh, you know, you're going to get into the wrestling business? And he's like, well, you know, eventually I, I want to get into the wrestling business. And I'm like, how old are you? He's right. Like, 27. And I was like... Right. Well, what are you waiting for? Right. And he said, well, I'm just focusing on getting strong. And I'm like, well, why don't you, why don't you focus on, you know, focus on creating something? You right, know? right. Like, you know how you get strong? Lifting people and yeah. falling and things like that. Like, and it's, it's, as I get older, people saying, oh, I want to get in the business. It's, no, you don't. Like it's it's almost the first thing that comes out of my mouth. Right. It's like, no, you don't. Like, yeah. No, what the fuck? Why? And especially older guys. Like, a friend of a friend uh, put me in, like, a friend of mine put me in contact with a friend of his who's 28. Mm. He's 5'5". Five, five, he got in the business a year and a half ago. And he's telling me, like, I think these people are dicking me around, and they're telling me to work on my... And he was trained at the same place that I originally trained at mm-hmm. before I found, like, Jersey All-Pro and everything. And I was like, they're carny scum. Don't don't buy the dream. Right. Like, do you have a family? Do you have a life? Do you have a job? Like, yeah. focus on things that, like, you can take care of yourself doing. Because if they're telling you you're going to make it to the Fed at 5'5", five, five, without an athletic bag, you never were an athlete before this. Right, right. Like, no, because there's a guy who's been doing this since he was 14. Right. Who's 22, who's 6'2", and can move. Right, right. Who's gonna get the job before you? Absolutely. And there's five kids from China and five kids from India because it's all worldwide now. Right. So just don't. This maybe this part's not for you, and it's yep. okay. That was a, the the that 28 year old guy that I was just talking to. I was like, you know, what do you want to do in wrestling? What's like, what's your dreams? And he's like, oh, WWE, obviously. And I was mm-hmm. like, what makes you think you're gonna get there? Right. Uh, what makes you think you're gonna get there? At start, starting at 28 years old, I'm like, here, here, I'm, I'm 34. I started when I was 14. Yeah, I'm not anywhere. Right, like, right. you think you're gonna come in automatically, be that much better than me? Right, right. Uh, like, but it's something that it's just we're we're all those delusional dreamers. Yeah, right. It, it's something I learned, like in terms of how you juxtapose the business to people, and the closer you get to like. Like I helped Teddy run companies and schools up in Canada, uh-huh. and I saw how his family did it, and I saw like being back in the states and like how other people ran schools, and it was always the older guys had the same method. the The places you actually go to learn, mm-hmm. it was like you pay ten bucks and you get in the ring and you fucking roll around with whoever's there, and someone will teach you something. Right. The actual like take my school and I have a show and blah 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 and it was like okay so you're gonna take my money 
and then you're going to show me three things to make me feel good. Yep, yep. And then you're never going to come back to show me anything, and your guys, who may or may not be properly trained, who most of them haven't worked with anyone, mm -hmm. are going to teach me nothing, basically. Right. And then you're going to tell me that I can make it, so I give you more money and do more favors for you and bend over backwards. And right. And it became one of those things that bothered me to the point where I just was like, there's this magician, the amazing Randy. Uh-huh, yeah, I know. And, like, yeah. it's, it got to the point where it was like, no, I'm, that's more my lane in all this, is, like, this shit all needs to die quick. Right. Because the athletics have evolved. The, a lot of the pres presentation and everything has evolved. The marketing has evolved. Some of the mentality hasn't. And now that we know what we're playing with, we know that we're dealing with, like, long-term brain trauma. Mm -hmm. And it's not just from concussions. It's from every bump we take. It's from right. every time we get hit. It's that jarring thing that happens. Yep. Okay. Well, knowing that, that makes every bump more of an investment. Uh -huh. That means taking care of the guy you're in the ring with more of a priority. Yep. And it means that this whole pretending to be a community thing that we do, which usually is like, who cares if he's so fucked up he can barely walk and is ruining his life? He looked he can get in the ring and we can prostitute him for money. Right, right, right. We can take people who are coming in here and we can mark them out and take their money and fucking... Well, no, because now our doors are open to the real world. Mm -hmm. So now it becomes like, how do we reconcile that? How do we... Because that's the main part really needs fixing. That and the aftercare. Yeah. For like, okay, now where's... Fuck the finishing school for wrestling. Like, where's the finishing school to be an adult and live a normal life? And, like, tr find some other purpose other than this after the fact. So, like, a lot, like, if you look at, like, uh, Major League sports teams, like NFL and uh, Major League Baseball, like, oftentimes, uh, NBA also, like, yeah. they teach those kids that as they are getting signed. Yeah. Like, they have a financial advisor that they need to, you know what yes. I mean? Like, what do you do with your money? Like, you know, uh. Like, that shit should be being taught. Like, um, you know, like, some of us, like... I think if the business the business evolves to the point where the wrestlers are going to all be making that kind of money, mm -hmm. then then that, that will come into play. Mm -hmm. But, you know, as my grandmother would say, uh, shit in one hand and, and wish in the other. Right. And see which one fills up first. Right, right. But there yeah. is a point to, like, if you're signing a bunch of, like, 23, 24-year-olds. Yeah, that, that should be, like, at the performance center. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, that of should course. be, a, like, yeah. a class. So, like, so, okay, the original reason why I got into the substance abuse and mental health field mm -hmm. was I had my own issues with it, right? Yep. And so, like, I, I was in TNA at the time. They let me... I failed every drug test that I was there for. They never drug got, tested you down there? Yeah, I never got in trouble. Uh... Because I had scripts for everything. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, I was obviously impaired most of the time that I was there. And so, my first pitch was, um, I got this training, let me come back and be somebody that's either I could be on the roster still, or at least travel with you guys. Yeah. So, if somebody needs to just talk to somebody, like, There's I'd be someone there, there, right? Yeah, man. And so, uh, originally I was going to get hired to do it. You know, like, they were going to, I was going to be... You know, I would probably be, like, enhancement talent, but, like, I would still be on the road with everybody, you know what I'm yeah. saying? And, like, uh, 
you know, and be there for if anybody had trouble. Yep. So, like, they were having all the, at the time that this was going on, like, Matt was having problems, Matt Hardy, you know, Kurt was having problems, uh, you know what I mean? And so, like, they really, and they had nothing. They didn't have a wellness policy. They yeah. had nothing, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I said, like, with all the bad publicity you're getting right now, at least you have something. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, it is a great you know, counteracting for all the negative publicity. Right. You know, and so, uh, and so, like, um, that's orig- originally why I got in into it, you know what I'm saying? And, th- and I ended up running my own center for, like, four years and, like, being the director of my own thing. But, like, the, uh, that, that kind of stuff is invaluable, like, you know, like, um, and they already have, like, things like that, you know what I'm saying? You, like, you kind of, you kind of found your voice, you know? Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's sort of something that, that well, you had to do on your own. Well, the ironic thing about it was, like, you know, when we did that show at Feasterville, like, earlier in the day, like, Jeff was, Jeff, Jeff Jarrett was there yeah. signing autographs early in the day, and, like, mm-hmm. he just got into recovery. Yep. And so, like, he was like, dude, I wish I would have listened to you, like, all those years ago. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I was like, hmm. well, that's, unless you're doing good now, you know Yeah, yeah. and that's yeah. a, it's a hard thing, like, to be the sober one. And yeah, And to yeah. see the people still going through it, and you're like... Oh, I know how this turns out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can only, and we all learn this the hard way, that you can only help someone as much as they want to be helped. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, uh, like, how long have you been clean? Uh, I mean, like, I've had a couple slip-ups, so like, two years, two and a half years. Yeah. yeah. But you've been on that road, at least, yeah. for about ten. Yeah, right? absolutely, yeah, yeah. And, like, I've, I've had, like, long periods, like, six years, Three years, you know what I'm saying? Do you follow the disease model? Because uh, I've, I've been clean six years at this point, and I'm very against the disease model right now. I uh, I mean, I, I do believe that it's a, a disease, but I I also think that there's a lot of contributing factors to it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I believe that trauma contributes to somebody's, the makeup of somebody's brain. You yes. know what I'm saying? Like, there's a thing called the ACE study. It's Adverse Childhood Experiences. Mm-hmm. There's, like, 14 of them, and, like, how it affects somebody can, like, determine, like, what happens in their life. And that's, uh, that's something I definitely, I mean, like, a lot of times addiction comes from underlying mental health issues, mm-hmm. yeah. and it's something that, because of the stigma on mental health, no one really, it's, I don't want to say it's a new science, uh-huh. but it's certainly one that's... In its infancy, mm-hmm. um, in terms of this is why, right? Like a lot of tr- uh, re- the rehab stuff I've seen, and a lot of the the uh, AA stuff, and mm-hmm. it, there's not a lot of focus on why. It's, oh yeah, yeah, it's absolutely. A lot of focus on what. Yep, yep, yep. You know, and uh, the disease model to me. Have you read the Biology of Desire? No, I haven't. A guy, he was a heroin addict. Uh-huh. Became a neuroscientist, and from there... You tell me about this book. Yeah. Actually, yeah. And it's the whole concept that the z- disease model allows us, like, if I relapse, like, if I go out tonight and do a bunch of pills, uh-huh. and I wake up tomorrow and go, fuck, I the, my disease won. Right. Well, now I have an excuse to relapse again. Yeah, absolutely. You know, absolutely. and the thing, there's... N- we don't have a lot of addiction awareness for the older guys on the uh-huh. Indies. Uh, we don't have a lot of... There is a stigma, a stigma to it, again, in the sense of... You won't get a job. Yeah. 
So if you do have a pill habit, you're going to hide it. Right, and, absolutely. And there needs to be more... And I think it's a great great thing you can provide to the guys in the area and the guys on the shows you're doing and just in general is A, you can you can do this. Right. Like, you, you can do this business and be clean. Right. And B, like, look, they'll sign you if you're in recovery. Yeah, absolutely. They'll sign you yeah. if you get, if you're, if you're showing you want to get your shit together, yep. you'll, you can get a job. Yep. If you Mike don't. Bennett, like, is a perfect yeah. example of that. Yep. Yeah. And, if, <laughs> but, but if you don't, Try to get your shit together. Your life is just fucked. Yeah, because you're, you're hiding, not you're hiding from yourself at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. And like so, so uh, I I I used twelve steps for the first like two years. Mm-hmm. It was really helpful for me. But after that, like I became consultant. You know what I'm saying? And like had other things. Yeah. Going on, and so uh, I um. I was, so, like, like I approach it in a different light. Like, I, uh, I believe that everybody has their own path, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe that there's multiple pathways to recovery. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And I believe that uh, somebody doesn't have to hit rock bottom to get clean. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you can jump off at any level you want. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like, and so... Uh, so uh, often, like, so, like, what I did in Georgia was I worked a lot with communities, and so, I, like, I worked a lot with, uh, like, understanding people's different social classes. Yes. You know, like, if you grew up in poverty, middle class, or wealth, mm-hmm. there's a lot of, that has to do with that, right? You know, so if you grew up in a impoverished, impoverished, um, like, you have different value systems, right? Yes. So, like, money, for example... Like, money in a middle-class society is to be saved. Yes. Right? You in know, like, we need it for our future, right? But in in a in a in poverty, it's to be spent. Yes. Because it's not guaranteed. Right. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Is so, exactly. Money, that money comes and goes. Right. So, like, if you go if you go to Kensington, right? You, I lived you, there for two years. Right. And you can see kids down there that have Jordans on, mm-hmm. but don't have pencils for school. Dude. Do you know what I'm saying? I I lived in those communities for right. two. Years. I've seen it firsthand. Right. But like, be, but because education is not something that's valued in that system. You know what I'm saying? In yes. that world, it's not. You know, like uh, your style is what's you know important. To yes. You. you know what I'm saying? So like, there's different value systems. Like, I used to have to work with systems in Georgia. Like they would, uh, you know, like they would kick people out for um of like their the programming like yeah. you know like uh maybe the, they missed an appointment or something mm-hmm. you know but they had a new iPhone you know what i'm saying and i'm yeah. like you don't understand where that person's coming from for example like there the lady that like taught me this is her name's Ruby Payne she's got this great youtube video where she talks about this lady um is working with this bible study group right and she was poor she was coming to the bible study on a bus every day right and um, the ladies in the Bible study got together and bought her a car. And yeah. so they're like, oh, we bought her a car. The next week, she shows up on the bus again. And they're like, where's your car? She's like, oh, I sold it. And they're like, what? Like, we bought you a car. You know what I'm saying? But they didn't understand a lot of the stuff that come with it. When you have a car, 
You have to buy insurance. Yep. You know, gas, every, and, gas and, and like that's expense. stuff that she doesn't have. Yeah. And everybody in your community now thinks you owe them a ride. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So yes. it becomes more of a burden to somebody. Whereas when she get, takes the bus, that's what she's comfortable with doing. No. You know what I'm saying? We're pushing our values onto somebody else. A hundred percent. And I saw that a lot down there where it was it's a weird it's a weird situation a lot where these kids are raising themselves mm-hmm. because either their parents are so young when they had them they weren't equipped mm-hmm. or they're just they split do you switch it into a two-parter uh, I wasn't going to or just continue it uh, and then have, we can send it to somebody that James no, can edit no, together no no I was just gonna end it oh, how much time is it 40 seconds 40 seconds <laughs> So, we just got three hours. Okay. How many more hours do you want to go? No, I just I, this this conversation is okay. like, but yeah, like um, there's a lot of it's a lot of pop, pop culture influence because uh-huh. it's their kids. Like, dude, I sold crack with people who had my one of my best friends has eight kids, mm-hmm. and four of them are in foster foster care. Yeah, and. You try, like I, my nieces, I love them dearly. They're all knocked up by fucking drug dealers. Right. Like, dude, the Democrats have fucked up those places a lot. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, with the, with the, and so the so the conservatives. But uh-huh. the whole idea, the victimization that gets pushed on them, like you can't get out of this situation. You can't get better. Yep. Is kind of fucked up, but it's also a trap too, man. Uh, like, oh, of course it is, dude. I mean, like, like the projects, like oh, I always felt like it was a trap. It it, it completely is, yeah. and it's a matter of desperate people do desperate things. Absolutely. If you don't have money, but you have two kids, and you can't get a job because you have a fucking criminal record, but you can get a pack. Yep. You're gonna take the pack a hundred percent of the time. Absolutely. You know, um, and then when you stop policing those Kensington, they don't police Kensington. Right. Like. They, they do 90-day raid system. The feds and the DEA, bro, I was under federal watch. Fucking DEA and FBI. Uh-huh. Only only way I found out was my cousin used to be an analyst for the FBI uh-huh. and got red flagged going down there to hang out with me and gave me money. Red flagged his bank account. That's how I found out. Mm-hmm. Right after I got jumped by seven people on a fucked up dope deal. Um, funny thing, Frankie Picard. From He's like one of the CZW young boys. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. He knew me on that part of me. Mm. Um, but I got to see, like, firsthand how it worked. And how it's not even they don't give a fuck. Like, these are people who want better. Mm-hmm. No idea how to get it. And whose value system is so distorted that the people who can help them have no idea how. Right. Like, the the disproportionate, like, the the actual statistics of, like, violence among black males, 18 to 23. Mm-hmm. Um, incarceration, um, cr- like, all, it's, it's insane. Because these are people who, so it's this weird slave mentality that's continued on. Where yeah, the Jim Crow, the new Jim Crow. The new Jim Crow shit, where the black mothers baby their sons mm-hmm. and force their daughters to be the men basically mm-hmm. to have like 
you got to work. You have to have the heart and exterior. You know, you're taking care of the family, and they'll baby the sons. So you you deal with like, look, my sister, my ex girlfriend, like black women who are very combative mm-hmm. because that's how they're taught, right? And black men who are running around off impulse because that's how they're taught, mm-hmm. uh, and then you take into account the things that are just thrown there and the fact that, dude, with the opiate epidemic up here, they, at the end of the day, they just want to blame brown people. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I fucking, well, I have a joke about selling dope, I have a joke about selling crack. Mm. Joke about selling crack gets laughed up here, joke about selling dope, I'm the devil. Right. Um, because I look like me and I'm selling to my own people and I wasn't using. Right. They want to be able to say... And everything would still be fine in our communities if it wasn't for those brown people and their heroin. Right. And when they can't, it's just, what the fuck. Right. But if you explain this... Well, it's so much easier to blame than be accountable. Oh, of course. So, I mean, that that would just be, that would just be the easiest answer. That's, that's, that's where, that's where the, you know, the build the wall comes from. You know what I mean? It comes from blame somebody else, take, take, no... Take no accountability for needing to change something about who you are. Mm. Just point out an, a common enemy. Right. Well, the thing with being an addict and like getting clean is the the fucking look you have to take at yourself, mm. and how it causes you to look at not just yourself but everyone else around you, mm. and realizing that everyone in this country is strung out on something. Yeah, absolutely. Be it their meds, their phone, and they all carry the characteristics. Yeah. Um. Honest dialogue is something that's dying, though. Mm-hmm. You say these things and you get labeled a racist. You say these things, you get labeled a sexist. Or, mm-hmm. And it's it's like, no, no, we'll, all of this will stop us from making progress and helping one another. Um, right, sp- because if somebody becomes a bad guy just for <coughs> saying something that, that the majority doesn't agree with, mm-hmm. then what they're saying after that means nothing. Right. Like, have you heard of uh, Kratom? Yeah. Dude, yeah, I something. tried to use it a ton I, when I was trying to get off dope. Last time I got clean, when mm-hmm. I got jumped, I ended up being on perks for a fucking, like, month and a half. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't, like, I was buying 30s, like, I was I was using for another, like, three months. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, you know what? Fuck this. So I ordered, like, I was ordering fucking kilos. And a friend of mine told me, like, if you ever have to, if you're ever detoxing, you can't find anything. He taught me the emodium trick. Mm-hmm. So I figured, okay, I use the kratom, a little bit of emodium. I started trolling the online forums, like looking for it. How did other people with way worse habits than me get clean? Mm-hmm. This shit worked. Um, I'd used it for about a month after, and I stopped taking it. Mm-hmm. And it was just like coming out of caffeine control. Yep. The. I think that it's something that the business could fucking really use. And I think that it's something that because no one really knows about it, and it's disgusting to actually drink the shit. Yeah, it's fucking gross. But at the same time, if you're not using pills, you're not going to be fucking pain. You're not going to be in pain, and you can get good energy depending on what strain you use. Right, right. If you are using pills, well, you need to get off them because you're going to die. Right. Um... So here, right. But we don't. Rebel dying showed one thing that no one's gonna say anything about anything. 
when Trent died, the same shit happened where we all kind of looked at, oh, it's so sad and so this, and he was such a great guy. And mm-hmm. oh, no, he, look, he, he was a, a friend. He was a great worker. He was a fantastic worker, but he was a troubled drug addict. Yeah. And we all kind of fucking allowed it because every one of us had some, did some show or ran some show or commentated some show or did whatever where he showed up way too fucked up to work. Mm. We didn't give a fuck. He wanted to go out there. Who were we to stop him? And he could still fucking kind of be Trent Acid. Right. Well, that's how people die. Right, right, right. And that's why a lot of people died. Right, right. And until we can all sit there and go like, did you hear what happened with Devin? You remember Devin Moore, right? Yeah, yeah. He got blackballed because Danny Cage is a huge creep. Uh huh. He has the entire monster factory with cameras all over it, including the locker room. Right. Devin went into Joey Janela's bag and stole his wallet, and it was on camera. Uh-huh. And Dev would not fucking admit to it. Up, down, just nope. And everyone was saying how banged up he was, like, the months leading up to it. Like, Drew was telling me, dude, he crashed fucking two cars. He's fucking homeless. Like, he... And if you ask Dev, yo, Chucky, what the fuck's going on? I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Yes, of course you are, dude. Right. You know? Um, But they publicly outed him. It went online. Like, Joey went on, put it on Facebook. Like, he's too fucked up to be here. He Mm -hmm. stole from me. I've known him for a long time. If you go to rehab, bro, you'll be welcomed back with open arms. If you don't, no one's going to fucking use you. Mm-hmm. And it became this big thing. Like, dude, you shouldn't out him. And it's like, no, you should have. Right, right. Because we can't let this shit slide anymore because we're public now. Right, the right. business itself is public now. Mm-hmm. Fucking it's a publicly traded fucking thing on WWE. It's in the malls. It's back in the fucking kid culture. And everything is under such a fine microscope because of the internet and because of TMZ and all this shit. You gotta fucking be super careful. Mm-hmm. Because one thing can take you completely fucking down, even if it's not true. Right. Um, when it comes to addiction, though, like, we're all still... Because certain things that can help a lot, like, the fact WWE's wellness policy, you still have to pay fucking 25 grand for weed, mm-hmm. is insane. Right. Like... Pot and mushrooms have been shown to regrow brain cells, to cause neurogenesis and reopen pathways, to cause the hem- Dude, when I moved in here, I had just gotten out of a physically abusive relationship. Like, chick through hands. Mm-hmm. I got hit in the head with a frying pan one time. I got stabbed. Like, mm-hmm. fucking crazy shit. So I, and then but being jumped and all this, like, I had, like... From, like, 29 to, like, 32, I had fucking probably 16 concussions. Mm -hmm. No, 10. Um, And I was bipolar, not medicated, everything. Mm -hmm. I'd just gotten out of the fucking... October, I was in a mental mental institution for two months. For two weeks. Suicidal, the whole nine. Getting into a better environment. Getting around good people. And then I did mushrooms for fucking every week for, like, four months. Uh Uh-huh. My depression cleared up. My speech patterns started to pick back up. My ability to like have conversations and look people in the eye. Right. Um, all the things that kind of were slipping away because my brain was fucking starting to deteriorate, it started to kind of slowly fix. Right. And these are things that 
we're not, I don't see enough being spread around through the business of like, mm-hmm. no, this can help. Like, dude, watching the fucking, did you see the video on Facebook, like the NHL guys? Uh-uh. A couple ex-players who are like having really bad problems are with this fucking center in Florida with a hyperbaric chamber and all sorts of crazy, like, crazy shit to, like, fix CTE. Uh-huh. Because it's that or we lose sports. Right. So, like, I have faith that this can happen, but we're going to need to reach out as a business. Right. We're going to need to, because not a lot of our friends are millionaires. You know, some of them Mm -hmm. are, but a vast majority of guys who did this for a long time and are going to be feeling these effects aren't. Right. So, what happens when the guys who do this in their 20s and 30s hit their 40s and 50s and go batshit crazy? Right. And we're not a business that had two murder-suicides in the past decade. We're one that had about 14. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, then it's going to become a fucking problem. Right. I wish I was joking about that, too. Like, dude, we have to talk all the time. If I I one day throw a big party, it's because I lost my shit and I'm going to kill myself the next day. Right. Um, It sucks, but it's like... Look at the NFL, look at all, like, this is a fact of life. So we can either look at it as something that we can combat. Right. That we actually all can put the whole, like, family fraternity bullshit to good use for once. Or we kind of are fucked. Yeah. And it's sad. Dude, I don't just smoke so much weed because I'm a fucking huge pothead. Right. It eats away at the protein in your brain that causes Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. And fucking early onset dementia. Like, I was on, are you, so you're familiar with, like, psych meds. Like yep. What, I'm on Lamictal right now. Oh, okay. I hate, I, I was on Lamictal too. I, I, I want to, I really want to get off here. Yeah. I'm on super low dose, so uh-huh. I only let them put me on 25 milligrams. Okay. Um, because of the head injuries, like, I didn't want to risk yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was on Prozosin, oh, no, I'm on Prozosin for PTSD. Uh-huh. But that, I'm trying to see about getting off. Uh, but I was on hydroxyzine uh-huh. dude I was on 200 milligrams of hydroxyzine a day uh-huh. I'm completely off of it now because of weed and the prosocin once I'll get off and get used to sleeping again like once I have a week to not sleep right because that's what's going to happen so once I have that week to not sleep I'm good because I got myself off subs dude I got off subs at Teddy Hart's house in fucking Canada uh-huh. subs and Xanax cold turkey with fucking weed and a little bit of GHB. Right. And then I did juice after. These are the things, that, the problems, is that I can go get a Suboxone prescription tomorrow if I take a Percocet tonight and have a fucking yep, shit in my yep. system. I can go down to Kensington and buy subs off the street. The guys, the rehab system t- teaches that that's being sober. That, oh, you're clean, you're on yeah, Suboxone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're clean, you're on methadone. Right. No, you're not. You're not, because it's still something. Yeah, yeah, it's still something there, right? Yeah. I, I, my first job was volunteering at a methadone clinic. Jesus. And they tried to, the manufacturers were like, this is like insulin for diabetics. You have to take it for the rest of your life. And yeah. I was like, you're fucking crazy. Dude, it's nuts. That's not what you tell people. But uh, they're also making, you know, it costs somebody $12 a day. They're only get, getting charged a dollar per person, and they had 300 clients a day. You know what I'm saying? They're it's making a, bit, a fuck ton of money. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's a Subo- billion dollar industry. Suboxone? I was on Suboxone for five fucking years. Yeah, yeah. Never bothered to try to take me off. Right. 
who just they, they mean dude from twenty two twenty three to twenty nine. Right. I was on subs and I was on three Zannies a day. Yeah. And fucking they gave me they were giving me sixty to ninety flex roll a month for I don't know. Right. Because I was a good enough fucking goddamn charlatan because the wrestling business I was able to talk doctors into giving me pills. Right. But this was the oh seven. Oh six, oh seven, like where yeah, it was yeah. just like all you had to do was walk in and be like, Oh, I have a drug problem and they're like, Oh here. Yeah, yeah. And now they're making it too hard where it's like, Oh, in order to get subs you have to go you have to put your whole life on hold and take piss tests and shit. And that's part of the reason people are dying too, because yeah. if I'm a fucking mechanic and it's my livelihood and I have a fucking pill problem and I want to get off, well I can either stop being a mechanic because I have to get clean or I can just keep doing this until I fucking drop dead. Right. And still do my job. Right. Like, okay, so this is a weird thing that happened yesterday. Guy worked, like when I first got back into the country, I worked at some weird chop shop, like phone, like selling maintenance supplies. Uh-huh. Um, one, and it was all like ex-addicts and shit. And one of the kids I worked with there, who I was friendly with, who's younger, who's like 24, when I was living in Kensington, was one of the guys who bought dope off of me. Uh-huh. I was there the first time he shot up with one of the hookers I was hanging out with. Uh-huh. He was like enamored by her. And he's like, you know, shoot me up, blah, blah, blah. And she goes, there's no going back. Right. And I remember her looking at him and him going, okay, and doing it. And he OD'd yesterday. Oh, shit. So it's like I have this weird, it's a conflicted feeling because like, both parts of me knew him but then it's also like he knew mm-hmm. and I don't feel anything really and it's dude Trent fucking I bought Trent's jersey the high five jersey the Lions one yep. mm-hmm. I'm walking to where I was fucking trapping one day I see my neighbor with his girl on the fucking corner of fucking K&A and she's got a number 69 Detroit Lions jersey on. And I fucking, I'm fighting back tears because it's not the place to cry. And I'm asking, what the fuck is going on? Like, turn around, I need to see. She turns around and says, T acid. And he goes, he was someone important to you. I can tell how you look right now. Uh-huh. Like, this was like, the guy lived two houses down from me. He was trying to convince me to trap out of his house. Right. Um, and I was like, you know, I, that was like, my mentor that was like one of my best friends yeah yeah <clears throat> how did you get that and he goes and I told him sit right there and he's pointed at the steps that I was fucking trapping on I was like oh motherfucker and he goes he needed two bags he offered it to me for two bags I made him sit there and think about it for a half hour I bought the jersey off of him for fucking 20 bucks. I'm sorry, for 5 bucks and a t-shirt for his fucking wife. Uh-huh. Because he sold the fucking one-of-one jersey for 20 bucks worth of dope six years before. Right. Um, so I, I saw the fallout. I felt the energy holding that thing. It was just this weird, bad aura to it. Right. Um, and it's so... We put these hurdles in front of people when it comes to getting clean, like talking about how hard it is and how... It's like, it's not. Yeah. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't at all. Yeah. And if given the right tools, which is where I think the problems come in, is that, like, we don't have a realistic approach to it. Yep. 
It's either you have to go to meetings the rest of your life and make this the thing that fills the hole in your soul. Yep. Or you're cured. Oh, 30 days in this little fancy rehab and you're cured. Right. Or you have to take other pills the rest of your life. Yep. We don't look at it from a neurology standpoint. From a like, no, okay, so when you do things habitually, it causes pathways in your brain so your habits pop out. Right. Well, you were all fucked up when you were doing those things habitually. Uh-huh. So when you react crazy to things and things like that, you were high. You didn't remember doing it, but this is now how you've trained yourself. Yep. You can fix it. It takes a while, but you can fix it. Right. And it's those first two years are so fucking hard because your brain's not working properly, yeah. and you're like, what the fuck? It takes, like an opiate addict, it takes nine months at least for your, that shit to get out of your brain. You yeah. For you, dude, not sleeping for two months? Yep. Fucking... Not being able to think clearly without them, being tired all the time. Right. Like, you're not prepared for it. It's the things that when you get clean, like, you don't really know until you go through it. Like, oh shit, like, my emotions are all fucked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the the other thing that gets people is like, you go so long without feeling feeling again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's crazy. What the fuck is all this? Right. So, anything you feel, that's why addicts fall in love so quickly. Because yep, yep. it's like, uh, oh, I love you, so I must love you more than I've ever loved anyone else because I've never felt anything this strong. And it's like, no, it's the first time that the shit's not been dumbing down your brain. Yeah, right. Fucking, but yeah, dude, the Kratom shit is amazing. Yeah, is it legal here? Yeah, it's legal in PA. Um, I mean, like they like they sell it at like every gas station in mm-hmm. Georgia. They do, they do here too. Oh, do they? Yeah. And, dude, online, it's so fucking cheap. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was getting kilos for a fucking $100 a piece. Right. And it was like... I, but, that, I mean, like, there's a lot of people that are trying to make it illegal. You know why, though? Because... Because it's they, actually... They, they, they spend... They sell a lot of uh, Suboxone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They sell... Well, I mean, like, of, have you ever heard of Ibogaine chloride? Yeah. And Ibogaine's so, another one that should be legal, but it's not. Yeah, and, and you know, like, the United States have a patent on it. Yeah, well, they have, the 50s. A, they have a patent on uh, the Michiana, I think that's what it's called, um, molecule uh-huh. from Kratom. They haven't figured out a way to synthesize it yet, but they've actually patented the molecule, which is the same thing they did with the uh, Ibogaine. Uh-huh. We have a patent-based medical system. So they will always try to patent the molecule and put it out for profit before they allow something natural to hit the market. Right. Because that's how it works. That's why with cancer, we go right to radiation and chemo. Mm. Is because that's how our medical system works. Right. The Ibogaine, I've heard, it's like a miracle cure. For yeah, people. dude, like, like 80% of the people that are on dope can do one treatment of Ibogaine. It's like an eight-hour trip. Yep. It's an intravenous thing. Mm-hmm. And then they never go back to it. That's fucking... That's amazing. But it's illegal here. Yeah, because... Because you can't make any money off of it. No. If you only have to do something one time... <laughs> exactly. You can't make any money off of it. Like, so, after uh, Edison invented a light bulb, another guy came along and invented a light bulb that wouldn't go out after 15 years. Tesla. Yeah, and so... But G General Electric bought the patent to it because you can't make money off of something that doesn't go off in 15 years. Well, you know what I'm saying. You can only make the original money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's but if you have a light bulb that breaks right, every year, that te- uh, uh, give a guy a fish versus teaching a guy to fish. Absolutely. Or at the place I work right now, uh-huh. they went out. Of, they went bankrupt in 
the mid-90s because they were putting lifetime warranties on their vacuums. Mm. Well, yeah, no one ever needed to buy another vacuum. Yeah, them, so you're fucked. Yeah. And because I was listening to someone the other day talking about we're the only country, we're one of two developed countries that allows like drug companies to advertise on television. Yep, yep. Um, I've that got was on that movie that we watched. I've got a book called the... Uh, Prescription um, Thugs. Yeah, if you've uh, seen Prescription Thugs. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's crazy. Uh, there's a book called The Americanization of Psychiatry. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, there's... I mean, like, in Japan, there's not a word for de- depression or anxiety. You know what I'm saying? Like, because they treat it differently. You know, in third world countries, like, schizophrenia... Yeah. ...has a higher rate of recovery. Because, um... There's, a, like... Well, I have a lot of the different theories behind it. But, like, one, they're not prescribed antipsychotics. Yeah. So they don't have that... I believe that, like pharmaceuticals only get you so far. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, and so, uh, but they also still live in a communal environment in most third world countries. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, we don't live naturally. Like, uh, Daniel Bryan was the first one that taught me this. He goes, we don't live like we're supposed to live. He goes, I have a sister that I only see a couple times a year. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can live in a big city and not talk to anybody. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, but that's not how we're supposed to live. No. Like, we're supposed to live in a community like when i was in india uh like i went to the slums you know what i mean and yeah. like you know uh the dudes that are with jinder mahal mm-hmm. like they were on tour with me and yeah. they were saying like the indian government bought all these people like these guys in slums apartments and they're like go fucking live in these apartments so we can tear down these slums well they sold the apartments back to middle class people and went back to the slums because they have everything they need there yeah, like that's that's their community. Well, that's, that's like, was the thing like about the being in the hood with the with the selling the car that the community. Yeah, had. absolutely. It, it goes exactly the same thing. And it's like my like my boss and and the work that I do. Like she taught me like you know the golden rule is treat others as you'd want to be treated, but it should be treat others as they'd want to be treated. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. what what I want might completely Not, different and you. the one thing that was crazy about living in the hood was like I didn't need to go anywhere for anything yeah it, everything was more expensive because yeah. you were buying it in bits and pieces but I didn't need to travel for cigarettes right I didn't need to travel for drugs I didn't need to travel for food right I didn't need to travel for fucking anything clothes, shoes whatever I needed it was right there right it was this weird compartmentalization mm-hmm. that like the minute I got out and I was back in the suburbs I was like why is everything so spaced out? Right. Like, what the fuck? Like, what happened to just being able to go around the corner and having, like, five little shit restaurants and dudes selling weed on the corner and, like, all this? Like, and it's, there's a weird sense of community Mm -hmm. when no one has anything or as much. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just like with the slums. Like, no, they built, fuck their housing. They built their community there. Right. Which to them, it's like, that's more important than their housing. Right, absolutely. And assimilating into a new culture, like, you're 40 years old, assimilating into a new, new culture when you know the slums, when that's what you know. Well, it's like that was uh, part, part of that, the book, actually, I, I borrowed it from my friend Keith, and I meant to read it, but I didn't. Uh, but I, I listened to the, the, the author on Joe Rogan, uh, Sebastian Younger. Yeah. It's called uh, Tribe. Where oh, it's yeah, like, I've heard of it. It's like, um, it's like, um, like, he used an example, like, talking about, like, 9-11, how everybody had the American flags yep. out. And it's like, times of need, and... We all band together. Everybody yep. bands together. It's yep. just a communal thing. But, like, for the most part, everybody can just live 
their own lives and leave everybody else alone all the time. Right. But we're better as as a, a humanity and nature right. should be bringing us together instead of pulling us apart. Yeah, and that's what Brian Brian was telling me is like, okay, so like if you look like I was saying with schizophrenia, like if somebody if somebody is part of a tribe, like in a Native American tribe, right? And everybody has their own job, you know what I'm saying? Like, within that tribe, right? Mm-hmm. Some people are hunters, some people are gatherers, whatever. Mm-hmm. If somebody has a uh, fucked up leg, mm-hmm. the tribe is going to pick up the pieces to help this person out, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. You know, and then just figure something out for them, right? Well, that's what they do with people with mental health issues there, you know what I mean? Like, they mm-hmm. figure out a way for them to still be a part of that community. Right. So then... They learn their place, you know what I'm saying, Ooh. and it's like that in the in the hood too. Like yeah. I see crazy people in there all the time, but like they're a part of the scenery, you know what I'm saying? Oh like, yeah, they, well, you figure out your spot in the society, your spot, the your role, with, your yeah. job, your yeah. it's all sort of. I was I read something the guy who was a shaman in West Africa came uh-huh. and he visited <clears throat> one of the asylums. He watched someone have like a bipolar like split, mm-hmm. and he said, "We're that's we don't view this as how you view it. You view it as a mental health issue, and you're throwing medication at right. it. We view it as a spiritual awakening. Yep, yep. That person would be a healer in our village because they channel energy differently. Absolutely. And it's look, I'm not one of those people. Like I, part of the reason I don't really agree with AA." is the, the church side of things that yeah. it tends to take. Uh-huh. Um, but I do also truly believe that part of what we overlook with the mental health issue is the spiritual issue of it, um, is the fact that it's it's more of a societal thing. It's more, my bipolar isn't something that I view as a problem or a hindrance. Yep. I actually think it's it helps me. Absolutely. Um but it also fucks me up from functioning in society sometimes. Right. So th- that's the only reason... Like, I've been thinking of getting off the medication for the past, like, two weeks. Right. And it's like, this weird catch-22 of... <laughs> my life is more in order than it's ever been. Right. Like, my actual... A- my ability to just keep shit together is better than it's been. Right. However, I don't feel the... Sp- I feel like I'm missing something. Mm. So it becomes a matter of like, okay, well, let's look objectively at it all. I've been using drugs since I was 12. I started using pills at like 16. Mm -hmm. Um, Even when I got clean, I was in a super fucked up situation in Canada. Right. Um, Then I got back to the States and I was in a super fucked up situation and they threw me on Adderall for two years. Right. So I got clean off the Adderall. Like I stopped taking the prescription and I got, I was clean for about... Five months in a horrible relationship with huge financial issues and everything mm-hmm. on top of fucking violence and all of it. And I had a fucking breakdown. Mm-hmm. So I went into the fucking hospital and like, yeah, I got my shit together, but I don't attribute much of that to the medication. I think a lot of it like was a placebo with the medication. Mm-hmm. And I think so much more of it is situational. I think so much more of it is who I'm around, right. and what I'm doing, and everything like that. Um, and I don't really know if I have a baseline mm-hmm. in the sense of because I've been using since I was a fucking yeah, kid. Yeah. And you know they say like like your brain stops developing like once you start using. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Uh, so like, like uh, my mom my mom says that, that stuff about like addicts stop 
and stop aging yep, yep. when they become addicts. Absolutely. All the time. So, like, I'm 12, basically. Yeah, and so you have to, like, and, I, and, and like, I, I've noticed it in the work that I do, like, you mm-hmm. know, like, some people really have to relearn how to live in society, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Or learn for the first time. They've never well, dealt that, with some of this stuff. That's, like, I'm, I'm 33, and I'll always say I'm five years into being an adult. Right. Because, like, getting off opiates and the fucking actual pills, like, uh-huh. I don't drink. I smoke pot, which I don't view as something that has fucked up my ability to, like, grow as a person. Right. But getting off the pills, like, yeah, I, I had to do all my growing up for my fucking teens and 20s in, like, my late 20s, early 30s. Right. And it's jarring as fuck. And then I turn, I see, like, people older than me who are still... And that's when it becomes like, oh, shit. It's like when you see the people older than you who are still acting like kids. Right, right, right. Who still, they won't give it up. They won't put it behind. Mm-hmm. And it gets, it's like, fuck, I don't, I don't want to be that. Like, I don't, I don't want to go near being that. Right. So now it's the race. Dude, I view it all as a race. I view it as like, I have maybe ten years before there's a chance my brain starts turning to fucking mush. Right. I want to cram as much shit possible into the next 10 years I possibly can. I want to do all the cool shit that I ever fucking dreamed of. Mm. Fuck it. Dude, with Capital, the guys who did 24-7 for HBO Mm -hmm. are producing for us as of August 11th. We're going live. Mm -hmm. If it goes well after August 11th, they want weekly live TV. They want a three-hour weekly, which is insane to me. Right. Which is like the fucking, the craziest thing. We did 500,000 on Twitch. Our, I current, say it's up to... our current numbers for the week are 906,000. Right. We're going to hit a million viewers within the next two weeks. Um, we want you there as talent, but we also want you there. Like, dude, the back right now is me, Corey, Sozio's coming up. Um, like, we want you there, like, for all of this that you mm. have to offer, like you've done TV, mm. you know that part of it, and a lot of our like these are a lot of guys who they're these are lower to middle level indie guys. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul Jordan's the only guy who's had a contract on our roster. Um, like it's a really cool opportunity to be mm-hmm. able to kind of create something for ourselves. And to the other thing though is. I don't know if we do, like, alright, so, you know Tony DeVito, right? Yeah, absolutely. Mad Dog Mike Bell was his old tag partner. Uh-huh. Um, their dad, Chris Bell's dad, is on, he's a friend of mine on Facebook, I talked to him briefly. Him and Tony have known each other forever. I think we need to do some sort of, I don't know, conference or whatever to have mental health professionals and neurology professionals and things and start having these dialogues you as an addiction Mm -hmm. specialist like I think it's important I don't know how the fuck really to start doing this Mm -hmm. but I I really think it's something we need to kind of do Um, because A no one mainly because no one else is going to fucking do it right you know like there's not I don't want to say there's not enough like minded people but there's not enough like-minded people who, with the initiative to get yeah, right. fucked up. Well, like, you know, you can you can talk about doing something forever, but then there's the actual doing it. And, yeah. So that, that so, okay, so, I'll tell you all my different jobs in Georgia, right? 
So for four years, I ran that center. Yep. It was a 365 days a year yeah. uh, respite center. So okay. I had uh, you know groups throughout the day, but yeah. then we also had respite for three people that could stay there. Okay. And I also had a 24-7 warm line where people could call. and Yeah, yeah. Whatever. So I had, uh, I had a center just for that for four years. After I left that, uh, for a year, I traveled around the state. And I did ten symposiums. Okay. So I did. I went to different communities and put together events like what you're talking about, where okay. I, I got community members, uh, professionals, you know, whatever, and like brought them all together yeah. to have conversations just f- about their community. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, different cities or whatever. Yeah. In Georgia, because you know, like Atlanta's one thing, but then like there's other parts of the state. You know what I'm saying? So I did that for a year and like. Just went across the state doing that. And then for the next two years, I was just helping uh, all the mental health systems in Georgia do recovery-oriented trainings. Yeah. So, so like, uh, like that's just stuff I do. Like, Did you have to get renewed certification for that in PA, or can you just... No, I could... I mean, like, uh, because of, like, what I did was, like, specialized. Like, yeah. it, it was not a certification. Like, I... Like, I developed my own stuff. Okay. Like, so I own all my own material and all that oh, stuff. Like, because I was my own consultant, so, yeah. Because, yeah, dude, like, it's, it, it's something. He was my gym teacher. Huh? Glacier was. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> that, like, dude, Tito Santana taught at, like, two high schools over from me. That's amazing. And that's, yeah, like, that's the shit, like... <laughs> And these guys weren't getting hit with bricks and shit. Yeah. You know? Like, dude, these deathmatch kids, I shudder. Like, dude, if you if you guys don't die by the time you're 30, like, what the fuck? Yeah, well, like, uh, we were just having the conversation, man. Like, uh, I was texting Kit Osborne today. <clears throat> Kyle, he's, you know, he's an old friend, and he would uh, come on Wrestle Rock. Like, he probably was on there, like, nine times. He's always He always came in. But now, now he's uh, been doing death matches. Yeah. And he's no selling me. Oh, wow. he no sells me. It's a different because he's cool now. It's a different world. Yeah, well, that's the, the fact that that's the cool shit now is anybody really, anybody really who's troubling. cool anybody who's cool then now decides to no sell me. Yeah. That stops soon. That's not, that's it's, not cool. It's fucking, but that's the business and like. But it's, wrestling's it's so shitty. full of cool people, and I just I don't want to be cool anymore. Yo, so, I, I'm not cool, and I don't. I will, I will, I will, I'm going to renounce coolness. I want nothing to do with being cool. I, like, I try to tell uh, people this all the time. Like, um, there were some guys that I started out with, like, back in the day, like, mm-hmm. when I was, like, 14, 15 years old. That, like, one of them, uh, when I was in 2008, I was in TNA, and I was just reading on Facebook, and I found out his son died, right? And I blew off going to a TV to go to a benefit show for them and, like, just sold merch and gave them all the money, right? Uh, like, I really believe the same people you see on your way up is the same people you see on your way down. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, just to... for people to keep that in mind. You know what I'm right. saying? Like, because one day they're not going to be fucking cool. You know what I'm saying? Right, like, right. Yeah. They're going to want to still hang around. You know what I'm saying? But I was, like, I was a loudmouth kid who fucking burnt more bridges than I could fucking count. Right. You know? And... And I just kept to myself. I was I, a kid, and that's kind of like, I didn't, I, getting older, like, I still, I'm shocked when people, like, have 
like memories of me that weren't like you were a drugged up little dickhead. Right. You know. Um, oh, that's funny, man. That's funny because, you know, like, I, I I explained to some people like upon us becoming friends again, and probably the first time we did my podcast, I was like, oh well, we're we're two totally different ends of the spectrum. Like, we were in it at the same time, but we didn't hang with the same groups because I didn't. I didn't like smoke pot with the kids. Like I didn't, yeah. I didn't like do drugs with anybody. I didn't like, I didn't go out of my way to sh- to try to show that I was cool to yeah. anybody, and uh, and then it just brought us back sort of to the same place. Yeah, um, it, it got me decent bookings, decent connections, and more drugs. Right. Like that was it. Fucking dude, I I stayed in Ring of Honor because I was selling drugs to half the locker room. Right, like. I was fucking the weed guy for fucking half the guys there. Even after I got fired, I was still a fucking weed guy for half the guys there when I was fucking always driving down with Jack. And I was fucking selling pills to people. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what kept me around. Fucking, I was taught that at 14 years old. Mm-hmm. First day of fucking wrestling school. You, got, you smoke weed? No. Because they're adults. I'm not going to fucking admit that I'm doing drugs. Right. Come here. Never kayfabe the boys, kid. That's how you get around in this business. Mm. You got share. So I've always had shit. Right. Fucking. And then I ended up falling in with Teddy. Right. Dude, I was there when Ted beat the fuck out of Punk. That's why me and Punk had a falling out. Yeah. It was because Feinstein told us, like, if they get into a fight, you, Teddy, and Jack are fired. You're done with the company. When you were, when you were just bringing that up, the... Uh... People would say, oh, I watched you when I was a kid, or whatever, like that kind of shit. Al Bundy, or as you might know me, right. Al like, Bundy. Like, I, I, I get that too. Like, people go, oh, I watched you when I was a kid, yeah. and, and like, and it'll like make me feel old and weird. Hell yeah. And then, uh, and then I just got it in comedy, like, and it made me feel really cool. Right. Like, somebody just said that to me on Monday. They're like, oh, man. So you had helium, you're good. Right. And I was like, yeah. yeah right. Yeah, that's, dude, fucking getting a compliment about being funny is way more important to me than fucking ever getting a compliment about my work could have been. Right, right. <laughs> uh, the thing we constantly say is like, as as far as like an active wrestling career, uh-huh. um, I've been doing it way longer than him and I've been doing way more matches, than, like I've done way oh, more yeah. matches, but more people come up to him and say they know who he right. is from the little shit that he did with Ring of Honor right. yeah. than, than any of the shit I do because what I've done is such obscure right. shit that like that it doesn't like if I go oh 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 I was in CCW uh, I was in CCW 12 years ago right right you know it doesn't matter and meanwhile I'm like when people are like yeah I remember oh my god Special K I'm like you remember that right fuck like I don't even remember that right and it's it's so weird, like, that... Dude, I watched some of these guys, like, Darby Allen moves, like, deranged. Like, I, I would have thought the kid was trained at the doghouse. Right, If yeah. I didn't know where he was from. Um, seeing, like, the fact that we made this weird little impact. Yeah, DOI and fucking Death Valley Driver mm-hmm. would drive guys fucking insane. Right. I watched Jack fight two fans one time. <laughs> like, he found, oh, your diggity dog? And fucking jumped across the fucking hotel room at him and fucking threw him in a choke. <laughs> like we were ill-equipped. Yeah. You 
because of what you went through at such a young age, like in life, you were more well-rounded. Well, dude, I almost killed a Green Lantern fan one time. Ah, he's a fucking weirdo. Yeah, yeah. Dude, like, and but like in terms of like how you viewed the business, yeah, and yeah, everything yeah. like that. Um, I saw Dixie a couple weeks ago. Oh, really? Yeah. He's uh he's the fucking train conductor now or some shit. Really, that's crazy. He came out to uh to Capitol. He's gonna hopefully if he actually shows up again next show to help us do agent work and shit. Oh, that's um, but we were talking like none of us really gave a fuck at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. Like I I cared. I was in the gym. I was training a lot, but I had a drug problem. Right. Like, I had a very like insane drug problem, and I'm. I wasn't you, you know what's funny? mentally like, healthy. Right. The I compare that to and just just hearing you say that it made me think of like a thing I heard Axel talk about before. He was talking about how like he was like, Oh man, everyone's like, Oh, you look so great, you lost all that weight, you look great and he's like, Meanwhile, I got a fucking needle in my arm right now. Right, right. Yeah. It's so it's 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 funny to hear about like you in, inflated self worth, uh, minus accountability. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, but I mean, now you have it. No, but when you're when you're a functioning well, when you're addict, so, when you're so in it, yeah, yeah. you know, just like we, we were saying, when you're in it, you are you aren't outside of it. You're not zooming yeah, out yeah. and seeing what the big picture is because when you're in it, the the walls are so tall. Yo, he, like those, like hearing the last interviews of Axel and Paul's, like so like heartbreaking because like you know they got signed to WWE for mm-hmm. that ECW thing but then we're skipping out to go and shoot dope you know what I'm saying like well, missing flights just to go and shoot dope and get fired and that's the thing is that like because you you get the job with the habit you gotta keep the habit up yeah yeah that's what happened with me at TNA you know what I'm saying like, yeah, look at Mike Canellis yeah fucking he's he's gonna have that stink on him for a while because he took the job with the habit. Right. And then had to fucking pony up to the habit when fucking Maria got pregnant. Right. So it's like, oh, okay, so our wellness policy failed. So, okay, you just made it look publicly like our wellness, because we hired you with a drug problem. Right. And we're supposed to have the most stringent testing. Um, it's a weird, like, balls and axle fucking... That era, man. Like, yeah. that era of just Dude. insanity. Absolutely. The whole, all of, of it. All of ECW guys, I like, most of them, I don't really like them very much. I get oh, yeah. Balls was a sweetheart. But I thought Axel was a, was a good, yeah, yeah, he was, he was a good, nice guy to hang with. I, I, I was backstage at ECW show in like 97, 98, because, you know, like I said, Jack was very, yeah. uh, had me around. I saw... So this is when um, Nicole Bass was around, she, and her husband like introduced New Bane to everybody. Oh God! And so I saw balls shoot New Bane, and Axel draw it back out of his vein and shoot it back in his vein. Right. Uh, like, yeah. Uh, I heard Candido talking about that. Um, yeah. Well, Bill Wiles, uh, do you know Bill yeah, Wiles? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He talked about it on an interview that we did for a movie that In and Out. But uh, he talked about how he witnessed uh, Candido shoot himself with some with some shit, uh-huh. and uh, and then pulled his blood back out yeah. with the shit in it and gave it to Axel yeah, yeah. for him to shoot because Axel didn't have shit. Right. And, and, and then he just 
shot it. Like that's and they, that's a uh, that's a world I can't imagine living in. They were all around here. Yeah. Um. Like Chris before he passed, like I was, he was like helping teach me shit, and yeah, yeah. I was friends with his brother. Like um, that was where. Yeah, I liked his brother. He's a good kid. Johnny yeah. was a good kid. Fucking Tam, yeah. but like Tammy. Yeah. Um. You know, like Sandman. Yep. Fucking all those guys that were just like, dude, you're all falling apart. Right. You're all like quickly, dude. PJ, mm-hmm. PJ was my hero growing up. Like legit, like was like I wrestled in the backyard at fucking twelve years old with the Just Incredible shirt doing mm-hmm. this, and then got to work with him, and I was like, oh man. And then I watched the slow descent because I was the PWS commentator for mm-hmm. like six years, me and Pete Rosenberg, and. Pete was on a lot of the shows, and him and Mike worked one night. Him and Trent had the match where Ferdy was so doped up that he went out there in Tim's and fucking a goddamn PWU shirt that was half half ripped the wrong way mm-hmm. with a stain on it. And but Pete was always in and out, mm-hmm. in and out, in and out of sobriety. Fucking and that's seeing him now. It's like oh, okay. Everyone thinks this is just a drug problem. Yep. This is a head injury problem, too. Um, Chris, when he passed, like, his funeral was... Wrestling funerals are the weirdest things in the fucking world. Because mm-hmm. people politic at funerals. Oh, yeah, yeah. Watch Punk politic at Chris's funeral. Watch fucking Nick Burke politic at Doug Gentry's funeral. Wait, uh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, fucking Punk showed up and was... I don't know. I don't... After the falling out he and I had and some of the subsequent shit, I don't... I'm not a fan of him as mm-hmm. a human. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know him anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but something rubbed me the wrong way about a guy who met Chris Candido two weeks before doing the big crocodile tears at Chris's funeral in front right, of the agents right. and, like, using it to fucking talk to Tommy and right, shit like right, that. Right. Like, that shit always bugged me. Right, right. Like, there's, there should be a line um, where humanity kicks in and the business kind of fucking cuts off. Right, right, right. And a lot of guys don't have that. Right. Because we're trained charlatans. We're trained... Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what we do. We con. This is what we do. This is what the old school guys taught us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're trying not to teach it to the younger generation, but unfortunately we have to in certain ways. Right. No, it's like, the working the outside world, which causes us to work ourselves. Yep. I think is well, the thing like, that it's like addressed. networking is networking is uh, it's, 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 it's kind of without boundaries at moments, you know? Yeah. Like if you if you think a booking's more important than being a decent person, yeah, yeah, yeah. that that can that can hinder so many different uh, aspects of your life. Right. Like, dude, remember when, all right, when Rob got ousted? Uh-huh. How clicky it became. Oh, yeah. Like, it went from, like, okay, we're all working towards the same thing to, right. like, everyone just compartmentalized and, like, fucking got in their own corners and that was it. Right. That, a lot of that was punk. Yeah. A lot of that was fucking... Gabe gave him kind of a fucking free hand. Yeah. And he maneuvered things the way he wanted them to be. Right. Um, it's why a lot of guys disappeared. And stop getting booked. Mm-hmm. Um, fucking, have you heard anything about Midwest Mass Striker? No. Fucking, he was a great dude. Yeah, he was a good dude. And just fucking, did, like, that whole era kind of disappeared. 
Special K couldn't exist after that mm-hmm. because the owner of the company got caught trying to fuck a 15-year-old boy. Mm-hmm. And then it came Ooh, out... 14. 14. LOL. I pretend you said 18. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's fine if we weren't in a fucking angle where one of us fucked Loke's underage daughter. Right. That just immediately right there. It's like, okay, everything has to be thrown in the fucking left field on that. Right, movie. right. Um, but it was a weird... On both sides, guys weren't willing to put a politics aside anymore. Right. And it became this, like, we're getting watched by people who have money and will give us jobs. So it's every man for themselves type thing. And uh, it fucked my career because I was a Teddy Hart guy. Right. So because they had their heat, fucking, that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't make money in this country anymore. Right. Fucking, so they all went to Mexico and I did a bunch of drugs. We tried with Matt Rats, we fucking, the owner of the company got caught with $30 million worth of fucking weed, coke, meth, and guns on a plane flying under radar from Mexico into Canada. The biggest joint task force bust in U.S. Canadian history up until that point. Hmm. I was the last person seen in this country with them. So I went fucking nuts. I was like, oh, I'm going to get a Rico case. Like, fuck this. I'm going to go to jail. So I just fucking... Pills were there. So I'm going to lie and say I need them. Because I do need them mentally. Right. Because this is how I was taught to cope. Right. Fucking 16 years old, I got hit in the head backwards with a chair. And I got given 16 Percocets as an apology. Right. No explanation on how to take them. I fucking loved them. Right. And... Who hit you with the chair? Billy Real. And he handed you the... And he gave me the pills after. Some convoluted angle he wanted to do. You want to talk delusional people doing delusional things. Fucking... On one of Ricky O's shows. Jimmy, did you know... Did you know Billy? No, I didn't know Billy. I said, did you know him like... I gotta get, I gotta get water. There. Explain to him Billy Real. Fucking... Uh, he, he was like Trent's buddy too, right? Uh, he... Him and Trent... Got in it together when they were both really young. Uh-huh. They're both South Philly neighborhood kids. Uh-huh. Um, they, you know, they they were close, um, but then 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 the the story gets fuzzy when Johnny Cashmere comes along, uh-huh. and I don't really know the whole story. And I think Billy's trying to tell me a lot of times. But what he says, I can't always believe everything he says because right. he's crazy, a lifelong heroin user. Oh, gotcha. Like since well, pill, well pills, yeah, yeah, heroin, you name it, dude. Yeah, like, yeah. And, and and it's just hard to to trust him or yeah, to believe yeah. anything he says. Like I I had and I, and I do this a lot of times. Like I I want to do this podcast with people because oh. there's certain certain people. Like, I want to say certain things to certain people on the record right. while I'm still alive and they're still alive. Right, right. While we're able to have a conversation about real shit. Right, right, right. And I wanted to, to have a conversation with him only to tell him that he's meant something to me in my life. Right. Uh, whether, you know, whether or not, you know, he's done some bad shit in my life, he's done some good things in my life, and he's connected to me some resources uh-huh. that have helped, been beneficial to me. Right. But uh, what I got was a lot of, like, justifying things and defending himself. And right. it just turned into a weird conversation. 
And him kind of talking to me about pro wrestling like I don't know what it is. Right, right. And I'm like, bro, come on. You know me. Right. And that, that that's the thing that bothers me about certain people in the wrestling business. They try to talk to me like I'm not already in it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, that's something Sammy used to do also. Like Callahan? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the time, talk to me about wrestling like I didn't already know. Right. Like, You've been wrestling way longer than that. Yeah. I'm just yeah. Like, what, what, what are you talking? He's like, oh. Like, he tried to make a joke about something. Like, he... He was like, oh, yeah, I shaved my legs, but, like, only from, like, my, my knees to here. And I was like, huh? Yeah, me too. Right, right. I'm also in wrestling. Yeah. I also wear trunks. <laughs> right. Like, I get it, dude. Like, uh, it's just, like, a bunch of weird things where it's like, yeah, okay, I know. Yeah, he's yeah. like, oh, forgive me, I get hit in the head a lot. I'm like, I know, me too. Right. I, I understand. <laughs> I know what the... It's like, it's it's the, the excuses that you use on people... Who aren't in the business to explain who you are and what you do don't right. also work with me. Right, right. Absolutely. <laughs> Sammy's. I don't know about Sammy. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's a, he's a politicker, man. Oh, he yeah. He's absolutely. hardcore politicker. Absolutely. I, I don't know. Him and I haven't probably haven't talked in probably ten years. Really? Something like that. I saw him. In Rhode Island the other day. I just wrestled him like a year ago. Yeah, we, we like, um, you know, he, uh, he, he called me, I had, I had a weird incident where, uh, Sabian, Sabian like, had like a little rage out on me. Uh-huh. At, at a show that Sammy booked me on. Uh-huh. And, uh, then like, I, I just like left and didn't talk to anybody about it like it was like Sabian Sabian had like a freak out over like like uh, the fan the fans were like bored of the match and I was like let's get to the next spot right because he just wants to do chain for 10 minutes right 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 like let's just get to the next spot and and I was like come on let's go and he was he come the fuck down come the fuck down and beat the shit out of you right and then we got in the back and he was like Dude, you suck. Burn your fucking oh, boots. Fucking no. Yeah, and and I, I just, I, I, there's no winning. Right, right, right. There's no winning. Right, so right. I just go home. Right. I, I, I don't care. So, um, it's all over like DUI and everything. Uh-huh. Saving freaked out on, uh, on me and uh, and Sammy was like, yeah, dude, just go out there and like. Get all your shit in, make yourself look good, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, he didn't talk to me. And then, like, a week later, he was like, hey, you know, um, want to co- come with us to Maryland? And I was like, okay. Uh, uh, MC- MCW. I'm like, oh, that's, like, a good company in Maryland. Right. I was like, yeah, sure, sure, I'll go with you. He was like, um, well, I was like, did you get me on the show? Did you get me a spot? And he was like, Oh no! Well, like you need you need a Maryland dry, or Maryland wrestling license. You have one, and I said no. And he was like, "Okay, well, we'll pick you up at two. You're gonna have like twenty five bucks for gas." I'm like, "If I'm not getting booked, right?" And like, well, "No, I'm not going with you." <laughs> and then once I said, "No, I'm not going with you," we haven't talked oh, since wow. that conversation. And it was like two weeks after the whole burn your boots thing. Right, right. I'm like, oh, I'm just, I'm just, I'm so sick of like, uh, let's come over and like, 
you put yourself over to me and you tell me about how good you are. Like, I don't really care. Right. And, and um, you know, it, it, it was mixed with the, the, the like, the kind of, the, the CZW shit, you know, um, you know, at the CZW school all those years ago, um, Sammy's, like, best friend died in the ring. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, I did hear Matt, yeah, Matt yeah. Ryan, I yeah, think yeah, his yeah, name yeah. is. Uh, and uh, they, like, called a CZW family meeting, and they asked me to be there, and they're like, everybody be there for Sammy right now. He's really going through it. Like, you know, like, you know, do whatever you can do to help him. So, like, I was always, like, calling him and reaching out right, and right. doing whatever I could and and, like, just being a good person, you right. know? And then, uh, it was like, the, the kid had a, an aneurysm, uh-huh. a, a brain aneurysm in the ring, and he died. Uh, then, fast forward to 2011, I had a brain aneurysm uh-huh. in my mom's shower. Oh, wow. And I almost died. No one in the CCW family was Right, right. Nobody gave a shit. Right, right. And Sammy never called, Sammy's wife called me, Chrissy called me. She's the only person in CZW who called me at all. Wow. Or his then wife called right. me. But nobody else gave a shit. Uh, so, uh, I was just like, it's all politics. It's, yeah, all, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's all stuff I'm fine with washing my hands of mm-hmm. and having nothing to do with it. Like, if I can make my voice mean more somewhere else, right. or if I, can, if I can just inspire people to like continue to do the things that they want to do, regardless of... You know, regardless of games or yeah. uh, people standing in their way, obstacles, little things like that, I, I'd rather inspire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Than, than you know, fizzle out or drive myself crazy. Right, right. Yeah, it, you can drive yourself crazy. Dude, you remember Jimmy Jack Cash? Yeah. I ran into the same show I ran into Robbie at. Ran into Jimmy. And he's all just like old, old juice guy now, yeah. like kind of bloated, but still like. <laughs> He's trying to do this. He's still just trying to do this. Oh, really? I saw him like three, oh, yeah. three or four years ago. And uh, I said, what's up to him? He, man, he remembered exactly the building in fucking Massachusetts we had the match in. It's like, I I remember working you. Right. I don't remember where. Right. I fucking certainly don't remember what you I just remember it was for Gabe. It was three minutes and it was bullshit. Right. And I asked Punk how the match was and he said, you were fine. He said, I don't know what the fuck he was doing, but you were fine. Right. I was like, oh, okay. Um, but then he goes, I was like, oh, I'm just producing for Capital right now. And he goes, hey, man, we should be friends on Facebook. And I went, I already know where this is going. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, sure, no problem, man. You know, just so I can drop you, you a line and say you, hi sometime. You ma- you managed to do a thing you shouldn't have done by telling him that you were producing. Oh, yeah. At I a thought, place that's popping. I yeah. forgot that I wasn't just being friendly guy to no, someone because, I hadn't seen in a long because time. it's like, hey, buddy, hey, buddy, hey, buddy, uh, hey, buddy, hey, buddy. And it's, I do, like you said, well, Matt, they fucked up. Like, Matt's one of our top guys for Capital. Uh-huh. Kid can go. Fucking only problem he has is the he does like he's using the the lethal cutter as a finish and like he needs new moves. Uh-huh. But everything he does is fucking so good. His psychology is there, his timing, everything. The first year he was in the business, because he was their prize student, they were giving him fucking matches against top guys and paying him a thousand dollars a show. Wow. So it, it fucked him up. He, 
it's all downhill from there until yeah. you get a contract. And where do you go? And where do you go from there? Yeah. So now he's like, he's kind of disillusioned and jaded, which I get. Right. Believe me. Um, and he's going to be a physical therapist, like Crowbar. Right. And it's like, okay, like, if you do just, like, you're one of the few people would I ever tell to stay around doing this long enough, but you, you have it enough where, like, give it a little time. Right. Get your... Bring other, like you were saying with doing the fucking rehab thing for TNA, um, I was like, bring other shit to the table. Yeah. Like, there's other jobs, and if you can do multiple things, like, they'll for sure use you and keep you around. Like, you're an asset to their locker room at that point. That's why, like, I, that's, like, why I learned how to write TV. Like, so that was the thing that I did the most was, like, every, you know, like, I learned from Gabe. Uh, yeah, like when I was in Dragon Gate, like I would be at the um, the sanctuary while they were having booking meetings and asking yeah. questions and shit like that. So like booking and you know what I'm saying like I try to learn from like all the people like yeah. Dash Mantel. Like I just followed him around all the time when Absolutely. I was in TNA. Huh. Yeah, like just learning all the different aspects of wrestling because then like when you stop the in ring stuff, you have to be able to do something else. You know, if you want to continue to be part of it, that's dude. Rosenberg taught me how to commentate. Yeah. Like, in terms of, like, this is how you sound like a human being behind a table, not just, like, you're rambling. Because I knew all the moves. Right, right. Like, I knew everything everyone was doing, and I wrestled with fucking half of them. So I knew, like, backstories and everything. That was the easy part. It Mm -hmm. was, like, the, how do I not sound like a dick? Mm -hmm. And how do I... And I had to teach him wrestling. Right. That was the thing. He was a professional broadcaster, but he was a WWE fan, didn't know shit about the Indies, and had zero right. experience calling wrestling. Um, but I got good. Mm. Conan called me the best fucking commentator to never make it to TV. Ted's dad's the one who f- found Moro and told me I was better than Moro when Moro mm. was starting. I just... I can't sit still. Mm. So, like, sitting and calling a fucking broadcast is impossible right this is like but then like Eric's last show like the last PWS show he did like I commentated three quarters of it by myself and I just I had no desire to be there right I commentated with Disco for two matches and I was just like wow dude you're, this is this is what this is right right uh, you're, uh, um, what was that like uh, I mean cordial what, enough guy what's I his, guess uh, what's his commentary skills like it's all fucking, it's just pa- bad dick jokes and fucking 80s references and shit. Like, pat, 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 and and myself, talking, the no, what he would do, pat, pat, yeah, pat, pat, there's a lot of that. Because he would do the, well, if I was in there, I would do, or yeah, yeah. back in my day, like a lot of the back in my day talk. And I just, I can't, I don't have the patience for it. Um, because, dude, alright. Dude, back in my day talk is all we ever do. Yeah. <laughs> That's all. That's like ninety eight percent of how we communicate with each other. It's, yeah, but it's all like TV. But our references. days are the same exact days. Yes, our <laughs> days are the same days, so it's better. And uh, it's also like we're not usually talking about wrestling. No. We're talking about like Saturday Night Live from fucking nineteen ninety two. The majority of time spent with us has nothing to do with wrestling. No, we don't ever talk about wrestling. No, I don't. I don't have any friends in wrestling. Like I don't. Most of the people I hang out with are not wrestling people. Most right. of most of the like convers- most people don't know that I wrestle. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's not something I really. I talk keep about. my 
lives completely different too. Right? Yeah, it's, it's, I need I need some normalcy outside of it. You know, dude, I mean? come out Monday night. Come to the fucking open mic. I might do that. Do a set, man. Like oh, I doubt I'll do that, dude. It's it's fucking cutting a promo, Jimmy. Yeah, I, I mean I don't do that well either. <laughs> so. Well, we're gonna start like some of our guys are kind of not great promos. They right. they get nervous. We're going to take them to open mic in New York. Like, we have, like, one of our buddies who's going to figure out a night that we can get five or six guys stage time. Right. And force them to do stand-up. There you go. Because that's how you get good at fucking doing a promo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is having to talk in front of people. Right. I got good at doing promos from, like, having to do fucking debate team in high school and shit like that. Not from wrestling. That and, like, spending my formative years where I could have been learning anything else fucking immersing myself in, like, psychology of wrestling and fucking... I spent more money on fucking shoot interviews and shit like that. Yeah, yeah. Just trying to learn all that shit, like, than I did fucking... But it all helps. Yeah. I'm decent at comedy because I I watch Jake the Snake cutting promos. (laughs) Like, it's what... That's all it really is. (laughs) So, what is... What... If you're, like summing up who you are to somebody who may not know you mm-hmm. like you're meeting somebody for the first time you're just like trying to break the ice with people mm-hmm. what's like your normal like go to talk about myself sort of stuff oh shit uh, I just talk about traveling a lot yeah cause I think like I think uh, like the one thing that like I do like about wrestling is that it's got me to see the world when somebody else is dying, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, and I, I like to talk about traveling, you know, because I I, I've got to go to some cool places and experience some cool things, so, um, yeah, like, you know, I don't know, dude, like, I I don't like to talk about myself, so, I'm just kind of like this, this other thing. What's, the, like, okay, this is a question I ask a lot, but, uh. I have to ask it to you because okay. you have a different level of experience with this. What do you think happens when you die? Uh, I don't know. I think uh, I mean, you just turn to dust. I don't know. Like, I don't know if anything happens. No, you don't think any, your conscience goes anywhere? Or... Um. So I like. So like. Faith has always been a weird thing for me, you know what I'm saying? So, like, uh, I, like, I believe, like, the universe, right? So, like, I really believe that, like, um, there's things in the universe that pull us to do, like, one way or another, right? And so, like, if anything, like, your conscious would just go back into the universe and be something that, you know, like, um, pulls at somebody else, you know what I'm saying? Like, if, like, everything was, like, if all consciousness was in the universe, it, like, it could just pull up people in different ways. Mm-hmm. So, I would think that would be it. Did you grow up going to church and stuff? No. Uh, so, when I was really young, I was sexually molested by my uncle. And my um, my grandmother was like a real Bible thumper. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so that turned me off of religion really bad. Because it was like... Uh, and then, like, I, like, I had, uh, like, a suicide attempt and, like, a, like, a really bad breakdown in 2013, like, right before my divorce. 
because my uncle sent me a letter call me a sinner and that like I should forgive him and shit like that. And he's in jail for doing it to two other kids too. So. Jesus. Jesus. You have one kid? Yeah, I have one. Yeah. You have one kid. How old is your third kid? He will be eight in a few days. What do you think like for teaching him to like be any way? Like uh, what do you do you like talk about God and sins and that sort of, I mean, is he, is he raised in, I mean, like, is his mother, yeah, she raises him, is she, is she pushing him into, like, the church's arms? Mm, Somewhat. Okay. Yeah. And and are you objected to that? I mean, do you object to that? No, I, uh, I think, I think he'll find his way. I mean, like, I think most people find their way, whatever they need. I so I believe that faith or having some kind of hope and stuff is mm-hmm. just for people. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. they need to find their own way. You know what I'm right. saying? Like, and whatever, whatever it is that you need to hold on to, then so be it. You know what I'm saying? Well, like yeah, I, I say that a lot. A, a lot about a lot of people who, like, if they didn't find church, they'd still be a drunk. Absolutely. And they go, oh, yeah, well, yeah. you needed that. Yeah, yeah. Like, you, some people oh, need yeah. AA, you know Oh, yeah. Some absolutely. people absolutely need that shit. Absolutely. I mean, it's one of those things that, look, I used to be one of those people who would argue, like, take the time to argue with people, like, it's bullshit, blah, blah, blah. And then someone pointed out to me, it's like, if it works for someone, mm-hmm. the fuck doesn't matter. It doesn't, yeah. yeah, it doesn't fucking matter. And it's like going to the chiropractor. Right, mm-hmm. it might just be sounds. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you know, popping your shit. You know what I'm saying? But if the placebo but it makes me works, feel, but it makes me feel good. Yeah, the end, you know. Mm-hmm. And if that's what it, what I need to do to feel good, then fuck it. I'm just gonna do it. You know what I'm saying? Right. <coughs> and I, I think like that. I think that's what faith is for a lot of people. You know what I'm saying? Like oh, whatever oh. they, whatever they can grab into. So like, uh, <clears throat> like I, uh, I had a client that was like very dealt with schizophrenia really bad so mm-hmm. God talked to her right mm-hmm. but she was brought up in Boston extremely Catholic and so her you know she had substance abuse problems and everything like that too but like everything that she related to especially with her schizophrenia was religion right? I was in I was in an institution with someone like that and like her father ended up killing himself mm-hmm. right and then and that environment that's a sin you know so so she was always fighting demons to go back and save her her father right and then on top of that her brother raped her until she was 34 from the time she was like five until she was 34 jesus and her it was acceptable like she still has a relationship with him because of her mom was a devout Catholic and family is such a big thing. You know what I'm saying? So I think that sometimes it can be like very hindering to people too. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. Well, that, people the are so programmed. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be hard to to convince somebody that that's not normal. Right. If that's something that's been going on since you're five. Right. And up until you're 34. Yeah. And the religious machinations are something that like fascinating to me and scary as hell seeing them up close and <clears throat> dealing with people who have them at times mm-hmm. where it's it's so ingrained mm-hmm. and it's so hardwired 
that anything to the contrary of what they believe sparks a, at times, violent argument. Yeah. Um, and it's, you, super careful with how you approach them because it's like a Jenga piece. Like, you pull one and everything could just fucking yeah, yeah, fall. Yeah. And I've watched people lose faith. And it's like this weird like drug withdrawal they go through. Yeah, yeah. Where there's a depression that follows, there's anger, there's yeah. confusion, and it's it passes. Mm-hmm. But then sometimes cognitive dissonance kicks in and they double down. Right. Um, but it's definitely something that I understand why it's used as a replacement for drugs. Yeah, absolutely. I understand why it's something because it's at least you're not being destructive. Right. It's when the extremism starts coming in and the the far-reaching views are when people start thinking they're talking to God. Right. That's when it starts getting like, oh, okay, we need to... There's We're not trying to take anyone's religious identity away, but by the same token, we might need to look into the fact that this person's claiming God's telling them to, to peep on their neighbor or mm-hmm. punch their kid or whatever. Right. For whatever justifications they might have, we might need to look into this. And I think the fact that it's finally starting to be recognized as something, mm-hmm. other than, oh, that's a crazy god lady. Right. You know, like, where it's actually starting to be like, oh, okay, this is a mental illness. Right, right, right. This is an off- offset of schizophrenia. Yep. Like, we need to treat it as such. Uh, and, and that's certainly not to say all religion or religious people are mentally ill, but right. definitely on the more extreme sides, it seems to be a pathology that comes along with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, absolutely. anytime you're excluding, like, love for another person because of a mythical creature mm-hmm. telling you to do so, there's usually a problem. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, psychedelics, do you have any experience with psychedelics? I don't, like, I've only done acid, like, twice. Yeah. It's been a while. How old are you? I was, like, 16. Yes, yes. So, long. so not, not anything that's like too like life changing at all. No. Did you have flashbacks ever? What do you mean? Like you while, while have flashbacks? No, like, like after, ten years later. Dude, I had one in the ring. Oh no 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 no! Like I had one in the ring one time. No, I've had like probably four or five, and it's fucking weird. Yeah, because it comes on. Slowly. Oh, really? Like, it's like it'll hit and you'll start feeling a little tingly and a little weird. And then, like, two or three minutes in, it's subtle hallucinations. Uh-huh. And then, about five, ten minutes in, it's full, like, okay. Right. And it can last from 20 minutes to, like, four and a half hours. Oh, shit. No, I've never done acid before. Yeah. yeah and another, I was in high school. You know, like, yeah, dude, I was in high school too. Like, like, oh, God, it was the worst day. Doesn't it mess with your spine or something? Yeah. It's no, supposed it's, to like be lo- like the fluid stays lodged in your spinal fluid or whatever. Yeah, it stays, and that's why that's like, why you get the flashback, right? Because right. like something you like you crack your back and then you're tripping. Yeah, that's why it happened in the ring. Was mm-hmm. because right. like I took a bump, my back cracked. I didn't realize it. And by the end of the match, I'm like, oh, I gotta get to the back right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's I think where people get freaked out. Like now, hallucinating as much as I have in my life, like. Mm-hmm. An acid flashback, it's like, oh, okay, cool. I get free, free drugs, free right. drugs for a couple <laughs> hours, like, and I just ride it out. <laughs> That's a Brian Regan bit. Oh yeah, dude, it's true though. The last, the last one I had, I was probably like thirty-one. Right. I just okay. 
Just sat in my room. No, I'm sorry. That's chilled. A, I think that's a Todd Glass. Is that Todd? Who does that bit? I don't remember. About the uh, the the drug dealer selling you. Yeah. Shit. I forget whose bit that was. Encyclopedic knowledge of bits. What did I do yesterday? Though? <laughs> yeah, like that's and that's the shit that like. Yeah, we don't talk about wrestling. We talk <laughs> about like who's bit something. Yeah, right? like it's all old comedy. But then like ask like, hey, remember the thing we were talking about like last week? No, <laughs> where where were we in the same place last week? Like, and it becomes that where it's like, I try to explain it to people. Like, no, no, it's not a joke. Like, I don't say like I don't really remember my twenties as like a oh I drank so much I don't. It's like no, like things got knocked loose. Right, right. So there's a decade that's not really there. Right, right. right. Like I'm a little better now, and that's. Pretty fucking cool that your brain can heal like that. Right. Pretty fucking cool. Um, But yeah, like, there's a. But if you ask me, Saturday Night Live bit from 1992, man, I'm right the fuck there. Right the fuck there. Quote a a Dana Carvey show sketch. You got. (laughs) Right on top of it. The other thing I never looked at when I was younger in terms of, like, how our brains react to dopamine and stuff. That rush of like eighteen hundred people, mm-hmm. two thousand, five thousand people when you're a Dude, fucking kid. Do you remember the like the pop, just the arm bar pops that you used to yeah, get? Absolutely. Like man, nothing can be that over these days. That that and like you know that's what uh that's what I <laughs> that started. was just like uh, sorry that was an SNL an SNL bit. Remember when you used <laughs> to do the arm bar? <laughs> uh, that that's cool. uh. A lot of that's why, like, I started getting fucked up, like, in TNA, actually. Mm. Like, because, like, once... And I think a lot of comedians do that, too. Like, mm. once you have that rush... Yeah. Like, what do you do after? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like, you yeah. have this... I had that conversation with Mark Norman. Yeah. On like, the podcast, where it's like, well, like, what do you do after a show? And he's like, well, the coming down from it, like, there's... Yep. You gotta do the drinking, you gotta do yep, the yep, party. Yep, yep. Mm. And then, like, the regular life of it all. Like, when you go back to, like, your regular job, well, okay, like, this is is all well and good, but there's no sense of urgency to anything. Yep. Because I just had, like, 1,800 people yelling for me to do things that I was making them yell for all weekend. Right. Like, this is, this is, what? Like, this is... Nobody can, like, you know, like, then, you know, like, nobody in your, like, other life can relate to it. You know no. What I'm and, like, it was... I mean, like, I had... A, like, it caused a lot of relationship problems with me and my ex-wife, like, uh, because, um, like, she didn't understand that. You know? Like, she probably came and watched me wrestle, like, ten times. And, like, I met her through wrestling. Like, she had... She was dating my trainer before I... Okay. ...started dating her. And, like, you know... But, like, he didn't blow up like I did. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then, like... I'm gone all the time, you know what I'm saying? Or going to Japan or England or, yeah. you know, India or whatever. You know what I'm saying? And, like, she had a daughter. Like, I have a, a a stepdaughter, you know what I'm saying? And so, like, you know, still trying to be a part of her life, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. it was, like, a lot of juggling. And, like, you know, like, I, uh, you know, like, Ring of Honor got to the point where we were running two weekends a month and then FIP was running one weekend a month. Yeah. So that was three weekends mm-hmm. I was booked every, you know, and so, like, it would be fly home Sunday morning, spend time with family Sunday, so then, like, when I go to FIP, it would be drive straight back 
you know, Saturday night so I could be up Sunday morning, you know what I mean? And, like, you know, like, it just, just became like, too much, you know? Yeah. I mean, when you have children or you're answering to them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and stepkids, too, like, you're yeah. answering to them. Yeah. You're you're the role model. Yeah, yeah. And it's a weird, it's, my ex had a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those things where I'd never felt that before. Right. Um, in terms of like, oh wow, okay, this is, I never saw this thing come out. There was never mm-hmm. like an actual baby. It was like two months in. But the emotional attachment I felt to whatever it was. Right. Was so intense. I was like, oh, that's terrifying. Right, right, right. Um, and then, but she had a son that like lived with us for like a year and a half. Uh-huh. And it was like, oh, okay, like I'm, I'm this kid's male role model. Right, right. Like he's, he's gonna do things that I do, whether or not I, I want him to. Right. Um, shit. Like, okay, this is a, a huge responsibility. So everything I'm doing in my life now, I, I have to keep that in mind. Right. That it's, it's not so much a reflection, but it, it's this is what he's gonna learn from. This yeah. is the building blocks of it all. And, you know, in the business, like, with the, some of the, the lesser traits, I'd say, we pick up. Right. You know, and having to kind of put those to the side around little people that are looking up to you is a, it's an intense thing. Totally. You yeah. know. My, my little sister's 11 years younger than me. Uh-huh. So, uh, I, I had to be super careful about things, but sometimes, you know, s- stuff slips out, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. And I'm just finding out about certain things that I might have did that messed her up when she was a kid. Right. And it makes me, like, rethink, like, ever wanting to have children. Yeah, yeah. It's scary. And, um, I mean... So do you, like... What's your situation now with seeing your kid? Like, does it all phone, or do you fly back down there? Yeah, I would fly back down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, uh... So, like, my... Uh, like I said, I just got up here in November, so it hasn't been that long. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but, um, his mom is thinking about moving to Florida, and so, like, you know, hopefully, eventually, like, that's where I'll end up, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know? no, and that, that's, it's the hotbed, and it's cheap as fuck to live Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know. I don't know why she wants to do it, but my well, ex-wife, like, that's, she's, my ex-wife's the reason why. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, dude. I'm like making a hundred grand a year and like she spent it all. Yeah. Like my ex-wife was the worst. Like, like you know, like she was four years older than me, you know what I'm saying? And like, and I, you know, we got together when I was 19. So I was like, oh, you handle the finances because, you know what I'm saying? Like, I was in Japan one time and she bought a house without me even looking at it. Whoa. I mean, like we had two houses, three cars. I mean, like. I'm not a materialistic person, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. she drove a Mercedes, I drove a Toyota Camry, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Just different. Like, at one point, we owned two timeshares. And I was like, what the fuck do we need this for? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, just shit like that, you know what I'm yeah. saying? And then, so, like, she just would, like, she, and she took me for everything. Like, she could in the divorce. Well, and that's the, the shit. She owns, the... like, everything. I left the house with just my clothes. I was like, you can keep it all. You know what I'm saying? Like, she still like asked for more. Well, the, you know what I'm saying? that's you know the legal system in this country being as fucked as it is when it comes to things like yeah, that. yeah, absolutely. And also the fact that like 
it gets to the point, you know, I'm sure she was a complete gem to deal with in terms of fucking manipulation. And <gasps> all, She's the worst. Yeah, like... I mean, I can show you the text messages from today. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Like, because my son told me he went vegan, right? <laughs> and so, like, uh, so I I was like, man, like, I said something like, uh, what? man, is I want to text with you, or is that, is that... No, we were on the phone. Calls. Yeah, we were on the phone, and I was like, you're vegan, huh? And he was telling me about it, he watched this Netflix thing, or whatever, and like, uh, and I was like, man, I wonder how our ancestors lived for so long, you know, if they... You know, did and then his mom made him get off the phone with me and text me. She was like, "If you're gonna make him feel bad about his choices," and I was like, "I wasn't. I was asking him a question." You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, and there's some you were being a parent. Yeah, I said there's some uh, negative things to being a vegan. You know, yes, like you, you uh, can develop osteoporosis easily, you know, lack of calcium, like a lack of protein, lack you know? of vitamins to your yep, brain that absolutely. control your fucking emotions and things like that. And I said, like, you know. So, like, and I'm sure that whatever he watched wasn't explained to him like that. You know what I'm saying? But, like, she just... Every, every, document, every documentary yeah. is com- comes from a one-sided perspective. Absolutely. Yeah. And, like, and but she's that, just... But, like, crazy. what he just said, she's eight. I mean, he's eight years yeah. old. Like, Dude, you can't make decisions like that. I wasn't watching documentaries when I was eight yeah. at all. I was, because my parents are old. You know, right. And it was only me. Um, but, yeah, dude, like... That yeah, I've been there with the crazy psychotic ex, and I yeah. I know the feeling of like I just want to get away from you. Yeah, yeah, that's a. I don't give a fuck. All the money I put into this, all the everything, like I don't give a fuck. I just want to not yeah. be near you. That's how it was, dude. I left my house and everything. I I even gave her like half. Like, so the this is the fucked up thing that happened was the last four years of our relationship, I was the only one working. She went back to school, got her degree, and as soon as she got her degree, that's when things fell apart. Yeah. She was about to go back to work, you know what I'm saying? And so, then she, uh, she got remarried. She's already been remarried and divorced within six months. Holy shit. And I was like, she's a problem. Yeah, and I was like, what, what, like, the dude was fucked up, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I, like, my agreement was, uh, not to be introducing people in and out of the kids' lives, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like if, like when I when we got divorced and I started dating, like none of those girls came around my kids. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like because I didn't know if they were gonna stick around. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like it, you know, like it needed to be something more long term. You know what I'm saying? And she brought dudes in and out. You know what I mean? And like, well, is she like BPD? What borderline what? personality? Um, she's very narcissistic. It's she's okay, yo. She's uh, she, she's like hounding me about child support, of course. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I owe it, you know, like whatever. She fucked me on the, you know what I mean? Like, I was unemployed when my child support agreement came out. I'm paying on based on what I should be able to make, not what I actually make. <laughs> Wait, which you should be, <coughs> yeah, like, based on highest what? Earning quarter? Yes, my highest earning ever. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like... In a cyclical business, which yeah. changes by the day. Like, yeah, that's absolutely. insane. Yeah, absolutely. And it was and it was not... It was between my shoot job and wrestling, too, by the way. So, uh... So, um... But she just took him for a month to Indonesia, Bali, like, all... Like, she's been gone for a month 
around the world and tell me she can't afford his $1,200 eye surgery. And I was like, you just were in Indonesia. Like, maybe not fly there. Yeah. And you can afford it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, oh, that's a simple that's a, one. It's the same as the 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 Jordans with no number two pencils. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's the same. And she, but she's a teacher, and she knows that. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, you know, fuck. so in like, I mean, like, what is she teaching? Uh, English as a second language. So, and but like she, she, you know, she got right into teaching. She took the first job she could get, but she's continued to go to school. So like, by the end of like two more months. She'll have her doctorate, you know what I'm saying? Like, because she's continuously gone to school, you know. So it's it's weird, man. Like some people can just have all the education in the world. They can have all the certification in the world. No common but, sense. But but you, you know, like you don't take the time to know who they are. Yeah. You don't, and then you realize, like later on, there's. There's just a psychopath who yep. hasn't got it all figured out, just like the rest of us. Yep. Like, if she's making more money than you, though, you can get your child support overturned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it'll... it'll. Because, dude, my mom has a doctorate, and she taught for, like, 40 years. Right. And that doctorate adds, like, 50K. Yeah, yeah. She, she's, uh... It's insane, dude. Like, yeah. she's, she's special. Yeah. All right, guys, I gotta go. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Thank so, you. This was no worries. So, yeah, man, let's wrap it up. Uh, this was the last uh, four hours of your life, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we, we appreciate you hanging with us, man. Oh, I appreciate I, it. Dude. I always want to. I always want to say, like, whoever comes by, uh, however, I can be a resource for you if it's just like catching up. If you need to talk to somebody who might. Um, Understand or may not understand if you're going to talk to somebody, reach out. You need a couch to crash on. You need clothes to wear. Absolutely. Just uh, call me up. I'm here for you. Absolutely. Yeah, Same to you, We're down the street. Come hang out. Yeah, there. I will. You live in Bad Salem, right? Yeah, I've been Salem. All right. Well, All right. We're right down the street. And Thanks for coming. on content and fucking putting shit out and oh, everything. Absolutely, you know? dude. All right. Keep evolving, folks.